It's the Mixed Martial Arts Hour with... The Mixed Martial Arts Hour back in your life on this Monday, July 25th, 2016. Hello again, everyone. I'm Ariel Halwani back inside our New York City studio. Hope you had... A lovely weekend. It was a beautiful one here in the New York area. And uh, wow, what an interesting one in the world of mixed martial arts. The best part about it all is right off the top, we don't have to talk about PD violations, drug tests, sales, unions, things of that nature. We, we need to talk about some actual fights, some athletic competitions, some surprising results, some interesting fights, some big news. This was a fun weekend in MMA. I needed this weekend. Beginning Friday, Bellator had a, a topsy-turvy event. How about Darion Caldwell losing in what some odds makers are calling one of the greatest upsets in the history of the sport? How about that? How about Mackenzie Dern? Looking pretty darn good in her MMA debut, though. I thought her opponent, Kenya Rosas, was equally impressive in the amount of heart that she showed. Of course, it was a very dominant victory for Mackenzie Dern, but still, uh, Rosas was just unbelievable to watch, fending off all those submission attempts. And then the big news, of course, Holly Holm losing to Valentina Shevchenko, the pride of Kyrgyzstan. Valentina Bullet Shevchenko defeated Holly Holm on Saturday night in Chicago, Illinois, main event, the 20th UFC on Fox event, in a fight that I thought Holly won the first round, and then Valentina won the next four figured out Holly Holm on the feet was able to really dictate where the fight went on the feet on the ground it was it was a masterful performance by by a fighter who should probably be fighting at 125 pounds let's be honest it was clear that there was a a major size difference in favor of Holly Holm but that was not that was not a factor in fact you can argue that Valentina was actually the stronger fighter physically a couple times there it was like wow Valentina Shevchenko is a beast and certainly a force to be reckoned with in that division. Now, on Saturday night in my wrap-up video with Luke Thomas, uh, I called the bantamweight division a mess, and I don't want that to be taken negatively. I actually feel like this is this is more fun than when there's a dominant champion. In the past, I've said that I like dominant champions, but sometimes it's fun when there's this unpredictability to a to a division. And and let's be honest, this is not this is not. Ronda Rousey dominating the bantamweight division circa 2013, 2012, 2014. I think the division has gotten a lot better. I think the top of the division is very dangerous as seen by the last few months. Uh, I, I wonder how Ronda does if and when she returns. This is a much, much improved UFC women's bantamweight division. Uh, take nothing away from Holly Holm. Take nothing away from Valentina Shevchenko. Shevchenko went the distance with Amanda Nunes, and Nunes now the champion. So much to discuss as it pertains to that division. Also, Edson Barbosa continues to look good since moving to New Jersey. Full-time, linking up with the great Mark Henry. He defeats Gilbert Melendez, Francis Nganu. It's Nganu. Not that hard to pronounce. Francis Nganu with a big win on Saturday. He continues to be a name to look out for in the heavyweight division. So there is some... There's some fun results to talk about, and of course, the fun never stops this weekend. It's the return of Invicta. It's the return of World Series of Fighting. They've got that weird brother versus brother matchup, 
and it is the return of the UFC with UFC 201. Tyron Woodley finally gets his crack at the UFC welterweight title against Robbie Lawler. Of course, we'll talk about all that and more. Stack show this week. I'm excited for this lineup. Let's get to it and kick off the show the right way. Uh, 4.15, we'll talk to Mark Hunt. He has been in the news. Uh, a very interesting interview Mark Hunt gave to his own website talking about the UFC, quote-unquote, lining their pockets with the fighter's blood, calling for a fighter's association. Mark Hunt is a fired-up uh, Aussie right now, and uh, he, he, is, he is pissed off. Now, will he be fired up when we call him at 6.15 a.m. his time? Later on in the show, well, we'll find out. Usually, he's he's pretty on point, regardless of the day, uh, the time of day. Uh, so that's four fifteen, three fifty-five. We'll talk to Michael Page about, of course, his win over Cyborg Santos, the injury, where he goes from here, the Pokemon stuff, all that. Uh, around three oh five, we'll take your questions and comments with New York Rick, who is back from Virginia. He attended the Glory event, so perhaps we'll talk about that as well. Chai Lewis Perry with a nice win over there. Uh, the Karate Hottie Michelle Watterson will stop by at. 245. She faces Ashling Daly in September. That was announced last week. Daniel Leith, who is a nutritionist for the likes of Daniel Cormier, Cain Velasquez, Luke Rockhold, Khabib Nurmagomedov, and many others. He is the partner of George Lockhart, who you've heard on this show. He is a great guy, very smart guy. A lot to talk to him about as it pertains to health-related issues in MMA. So I'm looking forward to that. Chael Sonnen will stop by. Does he have some big news? Something big happened to Chael Sonnen last week. We'll talk about that. Uh, the aforementioned Khabib Nurmagomedov will stop by at 145. Where does he fit in that lightweight title picture? And the aforementioned Mackenzie Dern, the BJJ star herself, multiple time, um, I said that sort of like a Brazilian, multiple time uh, jiu-jitsu winner. She's, she's beat them all. She's won it all. She'll stop by after her successful MMA debut at around 125. But first, I wanted to start this week off with my good pal, Juliana Pena, because she is very much in the mix in the 135-pound division. And I noted on Saturday that I had a feeling she was watching that main event very closely. We'll find out if that was indeed true. So let us go to the phone lines and welcome in the Venezuelan vixen herself, Juliana Pena. Juliana, are you there? Yes, I am. Good to hear from you. How are you? I'm fantastic. How are you doing, Ariel? I'm doing great. It's great to have you on the show, as always. So was I right? Were you watching the main event on Saturday night? Oh, I sure was. I wouldn't have missed it for the world. What did you think? Did you think that Valentina Shevchenko deserved to win that fight? Let's get that out of the way. (laughs) Yeah, I think she deserved to win this fight. Were you surprised that she won? No, I wasn't. I've been saying for for a while now that a uh, harmless Holly couldn't hurt a fly, especially in a five-round fight. Harmless Holly? I have not heard that one before. Is that your own? Yeah, it's a little nickname. Do you think Holly Holm was overrated? A little bit, you know. I think that she kind of got thrown into the mix and got into the top ten after, you know, beating up you know, some people that have not, you know, been around as long. So I think that she got, she got really lucky with, with the, the choices of opponents that she's had. So given the fact that Holly is this big name because she beat Ronda Rousey, she loses and Shevchenko has a loss recently to the new champion, Amanda Nunes. Was that result great for Juliana Pena? Um, I, I think it was good. I mean, to me, it's just like let, left me thinking, well, who else do they have? You know what I mean? I'm the only one in the top five that's coming off of a win. So Wow. 
I mean, the, 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 the choice is very clear for me. What do you make of the division right now? All these champions losing. Uh, you mentioned only one in the top five coming off a win, of course, other than the champion herself. Um, some have theories as to why this is happening. What's your take on why all these big names are losing in that particular division? I have no idea. You know, I don't. I just know that um, the division has been changing a lot more now that Ronda's not the champion, and and this is what I knew was going to happen after that. Well, how did you know? Why did you know? Um, just because I feel like Ronda's kind of a one-trick pony who's kind of been, you know, just being able to rack up all these wins and, and being so dominant. I knew the second that she would lose that, that it would be more of a, more, more of an open division for the rest of us. And, and once she was exposed, um, you know, that it would be a lot harder for her to, to even first off, get back in there. And then second off, you know, get back in there and win her belt back, no less. So I think it's it's good for the other girls uh, to finally, you know, show the world that there's other 135-pound women out there other than Ronda Rousey. Do you agree with the statement I made earlier that it's unfair to compare the current women's bantamweight division to the one of two years ago when Ronda was winning in a matter of seconds, that the division in the last couple of years has improved rapidly and, I mean, in, 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 it has made major leaps and bounds. Would you agree with that? I would agree that the division has completely changed more now than it was, you know, two years ago. And I definitely think that that is um, important so that, like I said, everyone can see that there's a lot more stiffer competition out there than one girl. So I saw that you were tweeting on Saturday, retweeting a lot of people saying that you deserve the title shot. Uh, Not just saying this because you're on the line. I agree. I think you deserve the title shot. And this is not my way of extending an olive branch to you as well. Um, I, I speak the truth. Um, have you been told by the UFC that because Holly Holm lost, you will be getting the next shot at the title? No, I haven't. I haven't been told anything by the UFC. I'm just uh, w- waiting over here and, and waiting to hear what they have to say. You told me before 200 that you were going to bench yourself if you don't get a title shot after beating Katzengano. Do you still feel that way? I'm not going to stonewall anyone, you know what I mean? I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, I'm not fighting. So I'm just going to, you know, know that I have, uh, you know, the the facts are on the table. And uh, I'm just going to hang out and and wait for them to, to come at me with an offer, basically. Are you confident that you're going to get the, the shot next? Uh, no, you know, I don't. I don't. Um, have anything in paper in writing so the second i sign my name on the dotted line then i'll know that it's a it's a real thing and then and then i'll get excited and be confident it has been said uh many times by the ufc brass that whenever ronda decides to come back if she comes back she's getting an immediate title shot do you think that makes sense do you think that is fair to the rest of you no i don't think it's fair um absolutely not um but I know that Ronda is uh, a big part of the reason as to why we have a division in the first place. So, you know, you got to pay, pay respect where respect is due. And I definitely respect her for the fact that she was blazing trails in, in order to get us into the UFC in the first place. So she's a big name. She sells a lot. That's the money fight. And uh, they definitely want to see her uh, with her belt back. So um, if she decides to come back, I'm sure that they're going to give it to her. If you can play Ronda for a second, um, you see what's happening here to, to Misha and Holly. 
Does this, in your opinion, make her want to come back sooner or does this make her rethink even coming back? Like, wow, as you said, the division is a lot tougher than when I was the queen. I think that she's going to definitely rethink things, you know? It's, um, it's not the same, and especially when you are gone so long and not competing, you know, you, there are so many things that play into your head, and especially if you're not injured, you know, then you're just kind of sitting there every day, like, do I go back? Do I get myself back in camp? You know, do I hang out and keep making movies, you know, what do I do? And so I think that she's got a lot of decisions that she, she needs to make. And I think she kind of enjoys the fact that the rest of us are, are waiting on her, figuring out, well, is she coming back today? Or what about next week? Or has she been training this week? You know, and so everyone's just kind of sitting here waiting on what she wants to do. And um, it's kind of annoying, but... Yeah, I'm sure you I love that. I don't know, what, do you, what am I, I going to do, you know? Right, right, right. Um, I mean, you, you know her sort of well because you were on the show with her and you know you've 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 been around this game a long time do you think that she comes back ever um no i don't know her well enough at all but i definitely think that she's coming back eventually yeah did you notice on twitter after the fight amanda nunez said that she thought you and shevchenko should fight it out for the number one contender spot (laughs) yeah i thought that was really funny what would you what do you can you expand on that yeah, what was the, the tweet exactly again that she thought that the the exact that she, wording that, she, that I haven't that I that I haven't um, proved myself enough? <laughs> yes, I haven't proved myself. I don't know how many more times I can prove myself. You know, when I was on the Ultimate Fighter, uh, it was just Ronda and Misha. You know, in the division, winning back then while I was winning on the Ultimate Fighter. You know, when when uh, Ronda got out, or when the Ultimate Fighter got out, Ronda was still winning, and then I got injured, and then when I came back, I was still winning. You know, so I've been winning this whole entire time. I've been winning since stepping foot in the UFC octagon. I've been consistently winning since since stepping on that show. You know, so I don't know how much more I can prove myself. I think that that's pretty funny. It just sounds like, you know, she's she's ducking, you know, the both of us because she she uh, just got in a, in a fight with uh, Valentino. She knows what she's working with, and she knows that, you know, I'm just getting warmed up in the third, so a five-round fight with me is going to be atrocious. And she knows that I'm going to stand right there in the pocket with her and, and throw blows, you know. So I, I definitely don't think that she welcomes that, and she's kind of biding her time as much as she can. So I'm looking, That's all it sounds like to me. I'm looking at her Twitter now. Uh, she says, I won the first fight with Valentina Shevchenko by unanimous decision. If I fight her again, I will beat her again, this time very clean. Then in her next tweet, she says, I feel she needs to prove herself a little more. I think you versus Valentina, winner comes to me. So perhaps she was actually saying that Valentina needs to prove herself a little more upon further reflection. I don't know what the heck she's saying. <laughs> she needs to prove herself a little more. You're the champion. You should be expecting any and all uh, oncomers at any given point in time, you know? Um, I, I, I will I will agree that I, I don't like when a new champion starts playing matchmaker and saying, these two people should fight, you know, um, and the winner fights me. I, I always find that that's a weird look. She was on this show last week, and I did specifically ask her about your win over Katzengano. Um, of course, she fought Katzengano not that long ago, and she specifically said that she was not impressed with your performance. Um, do you have a reaction to that? I don't know if you heard that and have thought about it. But yeah, she- yeah. Well, I'm not impressed by her performance when she fought Kazangano either. <laughs> Fair enough. Why is that? I mean, I because mean, she 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 got beat, she got stopped, she got knocked out. You know, so like Kaz is a world class athlete. 
And uh, I was able to do what she was not able to do against Kaz and Gano. So mm-hmm. what does that say? Are you surprised that it's taking you this long? I know you had the injury, but I feel like coming off the Ultimate Fighter, given your fan base, it really feels like you have now been one of those fighters that really has to like work to get that title shot. For some fighters, it comes easier for whatever reason. But to me, this almost feels like a no-brainer. And again, I'm not saying I would have said this if you were not on the show, especially after what happened on Saturday. This is the no-brainer of all no-brainers. And yet I feel like you do have to go out there and campaign a little bit. Do you feel the same way? And is that annoying as well? It is annoying. It's annoying and it's embarrassing. I feel like I shouldn't have to do this song and dance and shout off onto the rooftops like a wild screaming banshee being like, give me my title shot. You know, it's like Holly beat the oldest lady in the division, Marion Renew. She beat like two old ladies and then and then she went to a draw, which was like a, a coin flip on who won the fight, Pennington or Holly, and she gets a title shot, you know what I mean? Coming out of thin air, you know, like Betch Kohea beats Shayna Baszler, who didn't get past me on the Ultimate Fighter, and she gets a title shot just by, you know, waving her hand, you know, like <laughs> these girls are you know Misha got her second title shot after being one to know against uh Rhonda after she beat uh, Jessica I, she got another title shot to, to campaign against Holly. It's like, I beat Jessica I, nothing happens. You know, I beat Shayna Baszler, nothing happens. And Shayna Baszler was in the top 10 back then. You know, it's, I keep beating these people that other people have beat, and they get title shots, and I don't get title shots. So it, it is annoying, you know, but I know that it, in anything in life, you got to work hard, and, and you got to work for stuff. And, and if I want this, then I just have to keep working, you know, and, and that's what I plan on doing. And I think that that's the main focus is, you know, you want something bad enough, and you're not going to stop, and you're going to um, do anything in your power, whatever it takes to, to make that happen. And um, I'm going to do that. Uh, we had a chance to catch up after 200, and I appreciate that. But I forgot to ask you about your walkout song, which I thought was maybe the best of the entire night. Um, it was uh, crazy on you. And uh, dare I say, really, uh, <laughs> it really represents your personality very well. And, and I thought that was brilliant. Where did that come from? Uh, it actually came from my favorite person, Dana White. Oh. <laughs> and, um, yeah, he um, picks my, my walkout songs because I'm pretty, um, I'm a little superstitious sometimes when it comes to, to some fighting, fighting things, you know, fight week, stuff like that. And um I, I always have to walk out to a random song. So I, I leave it up to Dana and then he chooses the song that he wants me to walk out to. Um, but the last like three songs have always had like the word crazy in it. Cause he, <laughs> he calls me his little crazy train. Cause he thinks that I'm nuts. So <laughs> he put like crazy train by Ozzy Osbourne last time. And then this one crazy um, on you by heart. So I think he just tries to find as many songs as he can that has the word crazy in it, and then I'll just walk out to that. So I never know what I'm walking out to till the second I'm walking out to the cage. You're kidding. You don't want to know? No, I swear. Wow. No, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. It's too much. It gives me anxiety just having to, like, think of my favorite song that represents me the best. You know, it's like the song doesn't matter. Just play the song and let's go. There's not something motivational about the song that you know you've you've used in training that you want to get pumped up. Like, what if this song is completely off and just throws you off seconds before you're about to walk in the cage? You don't worry about that. No, because that's why I leave it up to random, so I don't have to worry about what it's going to play. What motivates me is knowing that I haven't heard the song. I have absolutely no idea what's going to play, and then they just start playing my song, and I'm like, all right, this is my song, you know. So. I'm pretty familiar with a lot of music, too, so it's not like I have been unfamiliar with, you know, the the sound of the, the music. 
the second I start walking. The second I start walking, I'm like, okay, this song's badass. Let's do this. Oh, I, that, that's amazing. So how do you feel about him choosing songs that have the word crazy in it? Are you okay with that? Well, I'm the one that called myself crazy to him in the first place. When okay. I first met him, you know, I was like, hello, I'm Juliana, you know, and, and then after a while on The Ultimate Fighter, when I started to, you know, start having panic attacks because you're locked in there like a caged animal, I'm like, I'm going crazy. Like, I'm freaking, I'm a crazy train right now, Dana. Like, you got to get me out of here. Like, I'm going nuts, you know? And he's like, calm down. There's nothing more important right now. Back in Spokane. Don't worry about it. You're going to be fine. Like, let everybody do their thing. You just focus on the fight. And I was like, okay. So he's called me his, his crazy train ever since. And so that's just kind of... A, my nickname from from him i guess so are we keeping this going like even if you fight for the belt become champion you're going to keep changing your song every time well i don't know because like so i let him pick all my songs right and then this last time he replayed a song that he already played for me but i think it's because he really thinks that it like fits me well so i don't know if he's going to keep it like that i hope he changes it because i i I, i'm kind of superstitious like that but I gotta let go of these superstitions, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It absolutely matters zero if I pick a song or if I don't pick a song, you know? I just think it's something fun to give him something to do, you know, and give him some control over the show. So <laughs> if he likes to do it, then I'll let him keep doing it. And if not, then maybe I'll just start picking my own songs. Did you enjoy that experience, being a part of that big weekend? It was a, it was an insane one with all the, the news and drama and stuff. But for you personally, looking back at 200, being a part of that, the, the last fight before the, the pay-per-view, over a million and change watched, did you enjoy the experience? Yeah, I did. You know, I know that um, people people like to see me fight, and it's it's really exciting to know that I broke the numbers on on Fox Sports One, and over two million people were watching that. You know, and and to be fighting on free TV where most people could watch me, as opposed to paying, you know, the the pay per view money, is exciting. I don't think um, that a fighter gets as good of an opportunity like that, you know, especially on the biggest card. So for me, it was it was a dream come true and. Um, I just really enjoyed the the role that I played, which was very nice and easy and not, you know, some crazy, you know, um, hit mitts and show everybody what you're working with for a half hour, you know, where they can take pictures and stuff. Like, I didn't have to do any of that. Mm. So I was like, this is awesome. It was a nice, smooth, smooth week for me. And do you feel like that win over such a big name sort of signifies that, all right, Juliana Payne is officially back. The injury is over. You're, you're fighting, you know, at, at, at 100% full strength. You, you are there. Like, I kind of felt like that was symbolic in a way that you, you needed that big win to really tell the world that you are, you are back. The injury is over. It's now in the rearview mirror. Is that, is that a fair statement? Yeah, you know, everyone always got me pinpointed as some underdog the whole time. You know, I've been an underdog for every single fight that I've had. And, uh, you know, they underestimated me on the show. They underestimate me in my career. They underestimate me, you know, even being a champion and fighting for the belt. But, you know, if that if that's what makes them happy, that's fine. More power to them. But I'm going to do what I know that I can do and what I'm capable of. And that is, you know, I want to be recognized as one of the best female fighters in the world. And I want that to go down in history. You know, I want to be recognized as one of the best. And um, the only way that you're going to be the best is to, to get that belt and, and to uh, be the champion. And 
Um, I've just been so ready to show people for many years, even when I got on the Ultimate Fighter, that I am the force to be reckoned with that I've been saying all along. And, um, you know, I'm going to kick, scream, punch, you know, um, shout off onto the rooftops if that's what I have to do. But I, I need people to understand that, you know, I'm very serious when it comes to mixed martial arts. I'm very serious about being the champion. And I'm very serious about my career and, and, and the fights that I take and, and just fighting in general. This is my passion. This is what I love to do. Um, and I just want that to be, you know, displayed for everybody. You know, I want them to enjoy it as much as I enjoy it. And I want them to, you know, give me the respect that I deserve, you know, the amount of respect that I would give to anybody else who has put in as much work as I have at this point. Are you wearing sunglasses right now? <laughs> I'm about to. All right. Because that, that last answer was very sunglass, Juliana, like, I'm not taking no crap from nobody. All y'all are pissing me off. Enough of this crap. I'm going to get my butt. Like it was, it was very businesslike. No, it's very, it's very, it's very annoying. And I have to be like, listen to me. <laughs> Give me a title shot. I swear. You know, it's like no. It, this should have been done a long time yeah. ago. What did I need to do? Did I need to like come off of three losses and then you guys give me the title shot? Like, get what's knocked going out. on here? Like my grandfather says, what's the big idea? <laughs> um, true or false? Juliana, Juliana Pena's next fight will be for the UFC title. What do you believe? Mm, true. True. Will it be in 2016? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I guess we gotta we gotta figure out what uh, that's Ms. not true Juliana or false though. Wants to do and her whole you know not being impressed and and stuff like that. And I haven't proven myself so. Maybe she'll want me to prove myself in 2016, or maybe she wants to, you know, keep her belt warm for a little bit longer for 2015. I have no idea, but whatever she wants to do, I guess. But, but I'm ready. I'm ready. Yeah. Whatever they want to do, let's go. You know what I mean? Let's do this. Yes. I love it. But if they say, like, yeah, we want you to fight this person before the belt, you're saying no. I, I don't know what I'm going to say. Right. I, I, I don't imagine hearing anything other than you're going to be fighting for the title. Are you preparing yourself for Ronda's return and potentially being disappointed? Yeah, I mean, I was already disappointed before because they just didn't say it right away that I was getting the title. So I've already cried over this a couple times. So Legit? You know, and I've, I've dealt with some other bigger issues in, in, in getting not getting what I want, you know. So it'll just be like, oh, of course, of course you don't get the title shot. But that's negative, And I don't want to think negatively. I want to think positively. And so if, if they don't give it to me, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But in the meantime, I'm just staying hopeful that, you know, this is the clear-cut choice. This is the clear-cut answer. And um, it's the fight that makes sense. And it's a fight that people want to see. So, what, what did you cry about in the past, recently? Oh, you know, there's just been other things, just dealing with daily life, you know, problems that people have to deal with that, you know, are, you know, people get told no and on certain things uh, all the time. So it's just one of those, uh, it's just another one of those things. And you're either going to let it stop you and, and your life is over or you're going to keep pushing through and keep working through it. And so, like I said, I'm staying positive in the fact that I think that <clears throat> they know that I want a title shot and they know that that's the choice that makes sense. Um, if I don't get what I want, then like I said, I'm just going to have to keep, keep moving forward. But, um, I'm just going to stay positive and, and believe that, you know, my company wants to see me fight for the belt and they want to see me beat the champion. Uh, two last quick things. Uh, is everything good back at uh, the gym in Spokane? You feeling good there? You feel like every, all, all, 
all um you're firing on all cylinders all that stuff yeah yeah it's uh it's good to be back home in the 509 and yes. um it's it's uh awesome being here um i love my community i love my gym and um you know, I've been I've been traveling back and forth between LA and Chicago and 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 Spokane for these last camps, and so I'll probably you know still do that since I'm going to be in LA a lot and going to be over in Chicago. So you know, I think it's important to switch it up sometimes and to just you know do some things that are out of the norm. And I'm going to continue to do that. Are we cool again? Yeah, I I think so. You said that you, you were extending the olive branch, but I thought we had already. I already gave you this olive branch well, that after was, the press conference at 200. Well, that was off camera. So publicly, I just wanted to assure everyone that we were cool. We're totally cool. We're cool like the other side of the pillow. Oh, yes. Rest in peace, Stuart Scott. <laughs> He's the one who came up with that line on SportsCenter. I, I saw it on a cartoon a long time ago oh. when I was a kid. That's been... well, you know what? He may have stolen it from the cartoon, but I think he popularized it. Um, I'm happy to hear that. It, it, it really shook up my world when I thought that we were in a tiff, but now I think you know everything's everything's back to normal, so that, that makes me feel a lot better. No, I, like I said, you were talking about like the week of 200. I think that seriously, it is so stressful, and there's so much anxiety building up for the week of the fight that like the time that I get to have the most fun is, is messing with the reporters and, um, <laughs> you know, given the interviews and yes, you're great. First at off, I'm not wearing sunglasses just to wear sunglasses on this last time. Um, I had like the worst black eye in my entire life that I've ever gotten in my entire career the week before the fight. And my eye was just bloodshot red. Oh. And so, and not only that, but the lights are so bright in there. With all those lights, dude, it is super bright. And so all those cameras in your face is like, I had to hide my black eye. It was sensitive to the light. Like, I'm not wearing the sunglasses to be Mr. Cool. I'm just trying to, you know, hide some black eyes and stuff. Well, I think you're Mrs. Cool, uh, for, for the record, but it's good to know. I, I, I think you should just keep going with the sunglass thing for... You know, I do too. I feel like it's yeah. our thing kind of a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Um, well, this has been fun. Thank you, Juliana. I, I hope you get that title shot. Great job laying out all the facts. Good luck in getting it. I hope they make the right call. And uh, I appreciate you coming on and uh, voicing your opinion after a, a big weekend in your division this Saturday. 7-0, and Ariel. I'm 7-0. Preach, sister. Talk to you soon. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. I'll talk to you later. Thank you so much. All right, there she is, Juliana Pena, making her case for the women's bantamweight title shot in the UFC. Now, we continue this women's MMA theme. They are the talk of the town on Friday, Legacy, Lake Charles, Louisiana. BJJ star, arguably the greatest BJJ star living right now, as far as women's BJJ is concerned, is Mackenzie Dern, and she made her... her long-awaited, much-anticipated mixed martial arts debut on Friday, and it was successful. Perhaps didn't go as she planned, but got a lot of cage time in there and looked very good, very dominant in doing so. This is big news in the world of MMA and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. A lot of people have been waiting for this for a long time, and she's joining us, I believe, via the magic of Skype phone. She's on the phone. Mackenzie Dern joining us right now. Mackenzie, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, I understand that you are in uh, Barcelona, as they say over there, right? <laughs> yes, Barcelona. It's actually <laughs> Barcelona. You have to say Barcelona. Oh, yeah, with like a list, right? Yes. Barcelona. <laughs> 
uh, I appreciate you coming on very much. Congratulations on the win. And I know this is somewhat of a vacation for you. So thank you for taking out uh, some time for us. Um, so now you finally got that MMA debut under your belt, so to speak, under your black belt. Did it go as you thought it would? Did you think that you would need 15 minutes to defeat her? Yeah, I mean, like, I'm so happy to be able to to finally do the fight. I know for sure it was something that everyone was waiting for. Like, everyone was asking me almost like three years, hey, when are you going to do MMA? When are you going to do MMA? And then when I did decide to do MMA, it was, okay, when is your fight? When is your fight? And now it's, like, official, you know. I have an MMA fight underneath my belt, so my jiu-jitsu belt. So I'm really excited about that. Um, I definitely, I mean, I'm always confident uh, in my jiu-jitsu, and I, I, especially since, like, she was, it was her pro debut, uh, Kenya Rosa's pro debut, and was my first fight. So, like, I was definitely confident in my jiu-jitsu and uh, my competition experience that hopefully I was going to be able to get a submission, you know. But, man, she was so flexible and, and very um, tough, you know, so... Um, I, I mean, I wasn't upset about it. I, I felt like I felt really good in the whole fight. It was good to see the cardio difference between uh, MMA, you know, to be able to go the all three rounds and, like, being attacking all three rounds uh, and not feel tired and see that, you know, everything's going good, preparation's going good. It was just uh, good. And, and, and also, too, you know, jiu-jitsu, we don't really hurt people, you know. Yeah. It's just a choke armbar. So it was kind of good for me to be able to see, like, kind of get okay i can throw elbows i can throw this you know like you kind of have to have that that side to you you know so it was good for me to be able to feel that and learn that i liked it so so here's a big question did you enjoy the process do you want to keep doing this oh yeah for sure i can't wait for the next one i'm already talking to my manager like when are we going to get the next fight i think that there's some things like i can train train but just like my jiu-jitsu you know like i have 20 years experience with jiu-jitsu you know something that just time you can build that, you know? So I'm really into like trying to get the experience as much as possible. So I'm already ready to like start the next. And, and I, and I don't want to take too much time off. The weight cut was so hard for me. So I, I prefer to not give my, myself too much time to gain too much weight. You know, I prefer yeah. to stay lower on weight and not suffer so much. <laughs> um, what's going through your mind considering how good you are in jujitsu when you're fighting someone who doesn't have, you know, the, the same kind of skill on the mat as, as you do and you, you're, you're locking in these arm bars, everything everything possible on the ground. It was it was a lot of fun to watch you work um, on the mat and, and yet she's not tapping and she's showing unbelievable flexibility. Is that messing with you? Like, are you talking to yourself? Well, what do I have to do to actually finish this girl? No, I mean the fir- the fir- after the first uh, armbar, I pretty much figured that like she was flexible, and I mean I don't know if she is like double jointed or anything, but I mean it's like common. So uh, we see like in jujitsu too sometimes. Like I've I've trained with girls who are like really flexible, you know. And then in my mind was just kind of like, okay, what I need to what do I need to do to not get tired um, if I don't finish her, you know? So uh, I was just trying to control, and I didn't want to spend too much energy like trying to submit something if. You know, like, I think even if I had, like, a choke, I honestly, I think that she wouldn't type. You know, I think she'd prefer to go to sleep. You know, she mm. just had, like, a very, um, like, I could feel, like, fighting her, she had, like, really good spirit, you know, like, try, like warrior spirit, you know, not give up. So I was like, man, I think that with her, it's better I just gain some experience here. You know, I, I some positions, like, I almost went to a knee bar and toe hold, and I was like, uh, let me work a little bit. You know, huh. like, this is my first fight, so let me work a little bit my punching and, and try to get used to that, you know. So um, I didn't get uh, frustrated or anything. Like, I totally, I think it would be maybe more frustrating if I felt her, like, defending mm. um, a lot of the positions, you know. But 
um, a lot of times I could like I could feel like I was I was getting in the positions of submissions, but you know she she was just tough and hanging on and stuff like that. So uh, I, I didn't get frustrated, and I thought it was a good experience. It was good for me to like be calm during the fight, so I really enjoyed it. Uh, you mentioned that people have been asking you for several years, when are you going to transition to MMA or if you're going to transition to MMA? Do you recall the moment when you decided, all right, enough of this, I'm going to go for it, I'm not going to be afraid, I'm going to make this transition, put myself in uncomfortable territory? Do, do you recall when you made that decision and why? Yeah, I remember it was December. Um, and I, like I had told myself, okay, I'm going to do it, but my first goal is to win the world championships as black belt. And so I did that, and then I say I said like okay now I'm gonna do it, but then I still wanted to win the worlds again, so then I won the worlds this year uh, again. But uh, December of 2015, so last December was when like I told my my coach uh, John Crouch, I said like hey coach you know like okay I'm ready to do this. I won my my world title that I want to win. Uh, like I kind of accomplished, I had a great year in jiu-jitsu, you know, so I accomplished a lot of things that I want to accomplish, so I need like new challenges, you know, I'm ready to like do this. So we decided to make uh, my first fight uh, after the world championships just because uh, I felt like my jiu-jitsu would be the best, the best, the best um, technique, like my, I have a, I have a huge jiu-jitsu camp for the world, so I figured my jiu-jitsu technique would be at, its, at the best timing, the best, like very tight and sharp. Um, after my my world championships, so we tried to look for a fight um, to be like really close to then. So that's why I was lucky to get my fight now for July 22nd. And um, yeah, I remember like that I made one post with Lauren Murphy and Jocelyn Jones, who um, are both in the UFC, and it just blew up. You know, I think we have like lots of famous girls um, in jiu-jitsu: Kira Gracie, Michelle Nicolini, um, Gabby Garcia, who like transitioned to MMA, but you know, no one really was sure if they will, if they won't, you know. So I think it was really exciting. People enjoyed the fact that it's official now, you know, like I'm going to take this serious and, and hopefully get a UFC title one day. Yeah, you mentioned uh, John Crouch, head coach at The Lab in Arizona, one of the very best coaches in the world. Uh, you live in Arizona, so it makes a lot of sense to team up with that team. But um, your father, the great Megaton Diaz, has been your coach uh, since, I mean, obviously since you were just a, a little nina, since you were like uh, three years old or so. Is it true, though, that you said you didn't want him in your corner because he would get too nervous and, and maybe put that nervousness on you? Is that true? Yeah, I mean, I think even just for him, too. Um, of course, one day, like, I, I would love to have him there in my corner but um, or to watch me fight and everything, but, you know, you kind of, I feel like you kind of need in your corner it's almost like that people that love you but don't <laughs> love you so much that they, they get so nervous when you're fighting, you know, that they, they freeze or maybe they, you know what I mean? I don't want him to feel like get emotional if I'm, if I'm losing, you know, um, or getting, you know, I'm, I'm his little girl, you know, so I didn't know what to expect from the fight. I don't know if I was going to get knocked out or to get bloody and cut on my face. And I don't, I don't think it's too good, you know, for my dad to see, me, see that yet, you know, so uh, because the fight was like on Access TV, I thought it would be better for him to watch it from home, him, my mom, my, my whole family, you know, maybe one day after he get used to it. I even talked to him. I called him after the fight. Yeah. And we talked about it. And he gave me, like, his opinions, what he thought. Um, what did he say? He, told, he, 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 was, he thought I did really good. You know, he loved, like, all my jiu-jitsu. He was so proud of me. But he said that I asked him, like, so did you get nervous? Like, you, you, you trust in my, my decision to be an MMA and everything? He said, yeah, you know, but... 
he liked that he saw it online, like um, on TV. You know, he said he felt a little bit better. You know, watching <laughs> me on TV and not live, getting me punched and stuff like that, seeing me punched. <laughs> It, I, I don't know if calling it a rivalry is, is the right kind of word, but you've had this sort of history with Gabby Garcia. And, and I have to say, watching you compete against her in jiu-jitsu is one of the most amazing things I've ever seen, just <laughs> given the size difference. And when you defeated her, I mean, it's just, it, it's really, it's an inspiring thing to watch. And I have no idea how you do it. Is it true that you asked your team afterwards if your debut was better than hers? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, we do have like a big, uh, a big rivalry, me and, me and her. We don't, we don't get along definitely uh, okay, anymore. Fair enough. Why? What yeah, happened? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we used to be um, pretty like good. Of yeah. course. I mean, like she she's beating me tons of times. You know, like I I I was the one who won the last fight between us. But um, in comparison, I mean, she's beat me. This I didn't win. You know, just at the first time. This has been like a, a long time, like a year of her beating me and me learning from each experience and getting better and trying to learn from the mistakes. And I don't know, the last time that we that we fought, we just kind of had a, I think she didn't take it well, you know. And I, I understand, you know, like she was, she was undefeated, you know, so uh, sometimes it's hard from uh, other people to putting, you know, like talking about it. It, it can be a lot, you know. So uh, we just kind of had a falling out, and we, we definitely didn't end on good terms with that, you know. But even for her, her MMA debut, you know, I, of course I was like cheering for her because, uh, she is like a representation of jiu-jitsu, you know, she represents jiu-jitsu and I'm always cheering for jiu-jitsu and I'm always cheering for the jiu-jitsu guy, of course. Um, but, you know, I think just, yeah, that that was one big thing, you know, w- between my team, you know, I was kind of <laughs> like, oh, I hope, um, I mean, I, I wish I could have seen her do a little bit more jiu-jitsu on her first, first debut, you know? Yeah. Um, but... You know, I, I mean, I wasn't able to submit my first fight too. You know what I mean? So the first thing I asked my coaches was like, "Oh, you know, how was it compared to hers?" You know, so <laughs> I was definitely one of the first things I asked. Will you continue doing jujitsu now that you've embarked on this MMA career? Yeah, for sure. I'll still do like some jujitsu tournaments any any time that I don't have a fight uh, and I have like the right conditions. I, I'm never stopping to train jujitsu. You know, like I'll keep training jujitsu. Um, forever to help my MMA. Uh, you know, I can't go 100% just doing boxing, kickboxing, Muay Thai and everything and let my jiu-jitsu get sloppy, you know. So I'll always be training my jiu-jitsu and as long as I'm, my conditioning is there and I don't have a fight, you know, within the next three weeks, man, if I can, I'll compete jiu-jitsu for sure. That's, like, I'm so competitive, you know. Like, right now I'm, the, I'm number one in the, in the world mm-hmm. in jiu-jitsu and, and I don't want to leave number one too, too soon, you know. Yeah. One year at being number one is too soon. Let's try to do two, three years, four years. <laughs> um, you know, you've been, doing, you've been competing for around 20 years or so. You're 23 now. Would you say competing against Gabby Garcia is the toughest thing you've ever done athletically? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's for sure the most... Um, challenging you know just because there's no one in the academy that's even close to her size yeah uh so there's no there's no way to prepare yourself to fight her you know and and the only way you prepare yourself to fight her at least for me is to fight the absolute division and to fight the absolute division i need to like fight a whole bunch of other girls too you know who are also bigger than me you know so sometimes i didn't like i would lose before i made it to the finals with her or maybe she'd be in the semifinals but maybe you know i would lose before i get to her so it was just so hard to be able to fight her to reach her and then when i did fight her 
like that was my only training was to see how yeah. I did in the fight, you know. So then I had to see, okay, what worked, what didn't work. It was so challenging for sure. But, uh, I mean, I think the biggest thing is everyone always asks me, like, oh, man, she has, like, guy strength, you know. But she, she she's not crazy strong, you know. She's still, like, she has woman strength. Nothing mm. compares to, like, my dad <laughs> holding my hand on. My dad is so much stronger than her. Like, no, nothing that I go through in the training is is... She's not worse than anything that I go through during the training, you know, but she, she's heavy for sure. <laughs> she's so heavy and so big, so I feel like I'm doing leg press for like <laughs> 20 minutes straight, man. <laughs> um, you told my colleague, Guilherme Cruz, before this fight that uh, 2017, you envisioned yourself in the UFC making a run of the title. After your debut, do you still feel like that's attainable, like that's the goal? Yeah, for sure. I wow. Think so. Yeah. We're halfway done 2016. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a fast worker, and I, I learn fast. Um, I think that as long as I can, as I keep evolving, you know, that I mean, that's the plan. That's what I, I want to do. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to give up on, on what I have um, planned. So I, I think I'm doing good, you know, it's just to get used to it and to be, keep being confident and, and trust. I, there's so much stuff that my coaches and everything, they – teach me they taught me and in the training i'm even doing that good mm. but i think for my first fight uh to be able to have that come out it went like straight right away to jiu-jitsu you know like your instincts came out first you know so i'm excited to start testing more like my stand-up and stuff but of course i'm never gonna um take away my jiu-jitsu i always go to jiu-jitsu sure but yeah i'm i'm still confident with that goal you know i think that maybe by the end of 2017 i can try for a title. We'll see. Who knows? You wow. know, never know. But that's the goal. Are you comfortable with getting punched in the face? Because that takes <laughs> some time to get used to, right? <laughs> yeah, that takes time to get used to it. You know, it, it actually doesn't hurt as much as I thought it would hurt. You know, it's okay. more like the anticipation. You know, you don't want to yeah. like, close your eyes when you see a punch coming and stuff. But I mean, for this first fight, uh, I mean, I even got like punched. Me being mount, like I was mounting Kenya. And she was kind of throwing punches at me from the mount, you know. But there's just so much adrenaline that, man, I didn't feel anything. You know, I think after I felt like a little bit sore on my head and my jaws, things that I'm not used to with jiu-jitsu, you know. But it, 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 it's okay. I'm getting used to it. Um, Nothing compared to what Lauren Murphy does with me. Sure. Awesome. They, they punch so hard. <laughs> you had the great uh, privilege of having a former champion in Benson Henderson in your corner. Did he tell you anything before the fight about the nerves, you know, the debut, just what to expect, how to get comfortable in the cage? This was all very new to you. Did he share some wisdom with you? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm really good friends with Ben, and I, I'm so lucky because, you know, he's a black belt in jiu-jitsu and and you know he competes in jiu-jitsu too so yeah he he you know he's he can relate so much to me and he just kept telling me like how it's so like jiu-jitsu you know like how this is like my moment and that you know i'm i'm born to do this you know that i'm used to doing this nothing is different than what i what i do in jiu-jitsu you know and it was crazy because it really is i felt like i was walking out to a jiu-jitsu match i didn't feel like any any anything different you know i didn't really hear any of the any of the crowds you know i didn't hear anything i felt like i was going to compete i was so relaxed and i think that's why i liked it so much because it was like a very similar feeling to competing in jiu-jitsu but uh in jiu-jitsu kind of i was getting kind of like used to the feeling the adrenaline you know it wasn't that much adrenaline rush you know so i still had adrenaline was still like a challenge to like have to think about kicks and punches but it still gave me that happiness and joy to be 
that competition feeling that I li- that I like. So he helped me so much, and you know, he he always puts like motivation um, speeches on during training, you know. So oh. he put that on for me in the back before my fight. I asked him to, and he was putting it on for me and helping me get in the zone. So uh, I'm so happy that he was there. I have to ask. Uh, there's there's been some talk about your accent. That it's changed. Yes. What is going on with the accent? Um, now it kind of sounds pretty standard to me, but it, it gets a little more Brazilian, I would say, than a little more American. What's happening? Is it just based on who you're hanging out with? What's going on? You know, I think that it all depends. Uh, like, for example, uh, when I get really tired, um, <laughs> like thinking, okay, so if I fight, I have one interview that I see a lot was right after I fought Gabby Garcia, you know? And Right after that um, fight, I just got off the mat, and literally, like the person doing the interview was Brazilian. I, I speak two languages, so I'm not. Yeah. I'm not uh, 100% American. I'm. I was born in America, but uh, my dad is Brazilian. My uh, ex-fiance is Brazilian. You know, I, I dated him for five years. Uh, I lived in Brazil, so I mean, I think people get confused and they think I'm just like this American girl. Uh, like born and raised, you know, just, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. doesn't speak any other language, you know? Um, and so then I got out of the fight, and my mind is thinking in Portuguese, and the guy's asking me the questions in Portuguese, and he asked me to respond in English, you know? So honestly, I think just kind of depends how my mind is thinking. I don't, I don't even hear the accent, you know, especially when I see like interviews where my dad's talking, uh, you know, I, my dad has such a strong accent, you know, so I don't even hear it, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's more how, how I'm thinking or how, um, who I'm talking to maybe if I'm speaking Portuguese and then someone just switches on me, you know, you're still thinking in, in Portuguese in English. So, I think that's what's going on, you know, but I don't know. I, I noticed that people have been talking about that lately. So I feel like kind of like honored that they noticed yeah. so much about how I talk. Oh, yeah. They notice a lot about you. They uh, they are very perceptive <laughs> when it comes to you. Um, final thing. When in a perfect world would you like to fight again? If you had your way, what month, you know, what time frame would you like to get your second MMA fight? Uh, I already asked uh, Danny if he could try to find a fight for me in October. So. Oh. That's what I'm looking for. The great Danny Rubenstein, your manager. Yes, yes. Yes, October, so uh, a little less than three months away. Yeah, yeah. I'm in Barcelona right now. Yeah. And I come back home um, on Sunday, I think. And then uh, the plan is to go fight uh, in Japan oh. for a jiu-jitsu, a jiu-jitsu tournament at the okay. beginning of September. Okay. And then, then I'll be back to fight hopefully the end of October. All right. And you're there for a seminar in, in Barcelona as well? No, 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 no. Right now it's just to, to take my mind off training a little bit. <laughs> okay. Well, enjoy that. Um, again, I appreciate you coming on and, and, and talking to us during your vacation because I'm sure you're going to go out on Las Ramblas now. And, and, yes. and Right? I was there <laughs> once in my younger days. Uh, Playa Barceloneta. I mean, I know that whole scene. It's unbelievable. But uh, enjoy, Mackenzie. And, and really, congratulations. It was a lot of fun to watch. I know it was a big deal uh, getting your first UFC, excuse me, MMA victory. Soon it will be UFC. Um, I will hope so. <laughs> yes. Uh, so congratulations on that. Thank you very much for the time. And I look forward to watching your, your MMA career from here on out. Thank you so much, Ariel. Nice talking to you. It is a pleasure. There she is, Mackenzie Dern, the best female BJJ practitioner living on this earth right now. How about that? And some would argue maybe the best period successfully making her MMA debut 
this Friday. Congratulations to her. Okay, um, let us move along. Now let's go from one of the very best at BGJ making the transition to arguably one of the very best in the world period when it comes to MMA. And some might say he is the king without a crown as far as the lightweight division is concerned. Still undefeated, looking for that title shot. We're talking to the Eagle, Khabib Nurmagomedov right now, joining us from Russia, which is very exciting. Khabib, are you there? Salam alaikum, my brother. It is good to talk to you. Um, Okay, so there's a lot of interesting things happening right now. Um, There's a new champion, Eddie Alvarez. No more Rafael Dos Anjos. What does that mean for you? Are you the guy that's getting the next title shot? Because there's a sweepstakes going on. People talking, Tony, um, Edson, you are there, Nate Diaz. Are you the one getting the next title shot? For me, nothing changed because uh, I always have only one goal. This is belt. Barboza, Eddie, uh, RDA, Tony, this is doesn't matter. For me, it's no problem. I have to take my belt. I wanna, I wanna fight for the title. Now, Eddie's champion. For me, Eddie is no interesting. For me, interesting title fight. Mm. I have to take this belt. That's why I wanna fight now with Eddie. But. Um, to be honest with you, Eddie is not interesting for me. But now Eddie is champion. That's why I have to fight with him. Okay, so when you say he's not interesting, what do you mean by that? Um, you know, before when he fight with Dosanias, Dosanias for me is not too much, but a little bit interesting because people talk about he changed uh, after my last fight with him and people talk about this. But I beat Dosanas already. That's why Dosanas no interesting for me too. But now Eddie is champion. Uh, but before, before when he fight with Dosanas, Eddie is not interesting for me too. But now he have uh, he have belt. That's why I wanna fight with him. And you know, doesn't matter who have uh, who is champion. I wanna take this belt. Um, did you watch Eddie's win over RDA? And if so, were you impressed with what he did to RDA? You know, I watched this fight. I sit down very close cage. And to be honest with you, I'm a little bit surprised about this. Mm. But I think he's a little bit lucky in this fight because I think Dosana's better fighter than him. Oh, wow. So you think Eddie got lucky in the fight? I think he's lucky. When he uh, throw first punch right overhand, uh, and after that, Dosanas don't understand what happened in the fight because after first punch, he trouble uh, he trouble him, and after he finish him. But I think he's a little bit lucky about this fight. Are you getting the feeling that Eddie is avoiding you? Because I've seen on your Twitter that you're sort of implying that. Do you feel like he's trying not to fight you? You know, I think he he won't like. Uh, I think he won't make money like fight with uh, McGregor or Nate Diaz. But uh, but I understand him. You know, uh, he want a little bit enjoy with belt something like this. But UFC give him title fight when he have two and one record in UFC. He lose first fight and after that he win. He have two win streak and UFC give him fight hmm. and. Uh, because he is number one ranked, but now I'm I am the number one ranked 
fighter and lightweight division. And that's why USA have to give me my title shot and he have to take this fight. But I don't understand why he don't want to fight with me. But uh, I think because uh, I can make him tired, I can make him take down and I can make him finish. I think he understand this because uh, I think he and his old coaches understand I'm on different level and uh, he don't want to fight with me. This is 100%. Have, have you or your manager, Ali Abdelaziz, talked to the UFC about their plans for his first title defense? Do you have any idea what they're going to do? Um, uh, I, I sent a message for Dana. Oh. I said... I, I want to fight. I want to fight for the belt because I deserve this. I deserve this. All my career, I'm undefeated. All these guys, Barbosa, Tony, um, Dos Anjos, everybody lose. I am never lose. Hmm. And I think USA have to give me title shot. But um, fighters talk about like Tony. Other guys talk about I don't beat. Uh, well, in last fight, top 10 fighters, but this is not my problem. USC gave me fight with Tony, 16 Apple, and I fight with 16 Apple, but Tony is not coming. Hmm. This is not my problem. Tony has problem. Tony has injured. Tony is pulled out. And when I am pulled out, I am all the time steady, quiet, and uh, waiting when I am come back. But Tony has talk, talked too much about this situation, and after that, Tony's fight, Tony's opponent injured and he pull out and we see give him a new opponent and he take this. But before when I take fight with Daryl Hotcher, he talked too much about the situation. And you know, but I think I am number one ranked and I deserve this title shot. Yeah. It, but about Barbo, about mm. Barboza, Tony or, or other guys, I don't know. I don't know about these guys, but I am the number one ranked. I am the undefeated 23 and all. And that's why 100% UFC have to give me title shot. And, uh, you know. Did you watch Tony's fight against Lando Venata? Um, and, and were you surprised that he was, uh, he was rocked so many times, especially early on? What did you think of that? I don't think about this too much. Okay. This is Tony's problem. This is not my problem. <laughs> because Tony's go down four times. And uh, and he fight with opponent. We have eight fight, and his opponent has debut. And uh, I finish my opponent with debut. I finish him, you know, like uh, yeah. I finish him second round. Like uh, my opponent is don't have chance, you know. But his opponent can can finish him four times. He go down four times. He is not El Kuku. He is El Knockdown. <laughs> no, and he have a lot of problems in his game, and I think he have to work about this, and he have to shut up because he talk too much. He go down four time with um, who have debuted in UFC, and he go he go down four time, and he he talk about title fight. I don't think about this. I think I'm deserve I'm deserve this. Uh, Ramadan just wrapped up. And I know you wanted to take a break during Ramadan, understandably so. Are you back to full-time training now? Yes, uh, I, I, I come back. I'm training two times a day, and I'm waiting for when you see call me and when you see give me title shot. I think very good date for me and for 
early this October. And I don't know about USA plans. I don't know about this, but I'm waiting for this. I'm waiting when Dana or somebody call me, when my manager call me and say, hey, US Tiger fight. I'm waiting for this. Um, October sounds good, but what about... Uh, New York in November because there's a big Russian population here in New York. Eddie's from Philadelphia. I feel like that makes a lot of sense as well. I I can fight in New York too because a lot of Russian people living there. Yeah. I think if you should put me put me and put uh, Eddie fight in uh, New York, I think this is a very good idea because. A lot of people coming for watching this fight, but we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I'm waiting for this, but November or October for me is no problem. Okay. I think, uh, but but New York, I like New York too. But if you to say, hey, you you can you fight in December? I can wait. Why not? <laughs> because because this is title fight. That's why, and we'll see what happens. We'll see. Um, oh, so, okay, so so right now in the lightweight division, it's pretty much you and Tony Ferguson. Are, are you worried that maybe McGregor or Diaz, after their fight, is going to jump you and get a title shot before? Are you worried about that at all? I don't worry about this because this is two guys fighting in welterweight division. Yeah. Why this guy has to fight in a light, lightweight title? Yeah. I don't think this is a good idea. But UFC can make decisions everything. You know, nobody knows what happened. And uh, but and then number one rank and the undefeated in lighter division mm-hmm. and uh, you know <clears throat> but I don't know what move, what what plans have you seen but I'm waiting for my title shot. What's life like for you back home? Um, I've seen some videos of people going crazy when you show up to the Reebok store and fans. You know, coming after you is it is it hard to to have a private life back home now because you're such a big star? Uh, no, not not too much, but a little bit. This is about how popular you see in Russia. Yeah, this is not only about me, but uh, I feel this after my last fight. My name is you know my name is go different level. I feel this. A lot of people know me. You know, in Russia. But uh, I don't think about this because I have only one goal. I have to take this. I have to take this belt for my Russia, for my Russian people. I think Russian people deserve this. And, uh, you know, I want to become first UFC Russian champion. And I have a very big goal. And now I'm number one rank. And now I, I think I deserve this. Um. Have they talked to you about any plans of coming to Russia for an event? Do you know anything about that? I don't know about this. I think maybe 2017 coming, but uh, I don't know. No, no plans yet. Okay, uh, l- l- let me ask you this, Khabib, before I let you go. Do you feel 100% healthy now? Do you feel like all the, the injuries and stuff are behind you? No, I I feel ready. I feel ready for everything. I, I am healthy. Ramadan is uh, Ramadan is finished. Everything finished, and I want to fight for that. I want to fight for the title. You know this area. Yeah. How, how I want this. Yeah, yeah. And you know, but we'll see what happens. For me, it's very interesting. Who fight for the title next? Who? 
you know, but UFC gave for Eddie when he had two win streaks, but I have seven win streaks, and I have 23 fight win streaks, and I don't know who deserves this, but, you know, <laughs> we'll see, we'll see. Uh, last question, if you fight Eddie, when you fight Eddie, what's your prediction, how you beat him? I think if I, if I fight with Eddie... I have, like, I can make him tired all the time, wrestling with him, take down, and finishing him on the underground, maybe second or third round. Okay. Wow. Habib, thank you for the time. Good luck getting the fight. Uh, I think you make a very strong case, and, 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 and I agree. I think you deserve it. So, so good luck to you, my friend, and thank you for coming on the show again. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Assalamu alaikum. Salam alaikum, my Thank brother. You. There he is, Khabib Nurmagomedov, 23-0, and 0, as he mentioned, undefeated in his MMA career, not just undefeated in the UFC. He puts he puts out the facts, and uh, you know it's one of those things. He was ready to fight, and it's unfortunate that, that Tony couldn't make it. That was a fantastic main event. Tony wasn't healthy, uh, couldn't fight in April, and ironically enough, Tony has to fight a newcomer uh, just a couple of weeks ago, it's it's a tough spot for for Tony because he's won so many in a row. I believe it's eight now, and to not get a title shot that is a that is a huge letdown. But uh, twenty three and zero, seven and zero in the UFC, as he put it, uh, it's hard to deny Khabib Nurmagomedov, and he is becoming a very 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 big deal over in Russia. So you got to capitalize on that as well. We'll see what happens. All right, very excited about our next guest. Always a pleasure to talk to the one and only. Chael P. Sonnen. He is joining us via the Magic of Skype, and he is a very happy man. Wow. Not from the usual office with the WEC poster. Where are we right now? I moved, buddy. I moved. I, I'm literally across the street, but I'm in a new house, and I uh, I don't have it set up yet. Wow. This has thrown me for a loop. I'm, I'm used to your, your usual perch. Look at you, living it up. Bigger house? What do we get? It's a, it's a little bit bigger, but it's a little bit newer, too. It's a... Uh, uh, it was, and it's right across the street. I, my wife wanted a new house. I wanted to die in the one I was in, so I got to stay in the na- same neighborhood. She got a different house. The time was right. Is it weird seeing a new owner in what was the house that you thought you were going to die in? Yeah, I, I drove to it the other day. I, <laughs> I drove to it and started to get out of my car, and they were coming down the steps. I'm like, that's right. I don't live here anymore. Oh, gosh. Got back in my car and left. Felt uh, like a fool. <laughs> well, life is good for Chael and Not only do you have a new house, uh, Friday was a very big day for you, right? And I saw you did an emergency podcast. Um, you're welcome. I saw it. It was a Saturday drop. It did not sneak by me. And you told the world that you are now a free man. Daddy is back, as you put it. You are no longer suspended by the Nevada Athletic Commission. Your two-year suspension is up. You are free to resume your MMA career. So the floor is yours. Tell us when your MMA career will resume. Well, I don't have any plan to come back to MMA. Here's where I'm at, Ariel. <clears throat> Here's where I can't come back to MMA if I wanted because I don't have a license. I have to get a license. So my suspension's up. In theory, I should be able to get a license. But then you have the testing pool. And it's a matter of am I even eligible for that? And I jumped into the pool, yeah. which is a four-month process. And I've done two tests, but I don't have the results back. And in full disclosure, Errol, I, I don't know what they're going to say. I had substances that – that break down through one through your liver and one through your kidney. And if you take substances that break down through either of those organs, metabolites can last. And the only way you know if they're gone and you're eligible is to take the test. Okay. 
So I took the test, but I don't have the results back. And I can tell you straight up, I do not sleep that easy at night. Now I only have to pass one. If I can pass the first one, all the rest will be fine. But I have to know that it's out. That's that's just, that's the spot I'm in. Okay, so then let me ask you this. If you do indeed pass that first one, do you want to resume your MMA career? Is that the green light to keep going? I sure like to have that option. Okay. I mean, that, that's the whole point is to have that option. I, I believe I'm done with MMA, and that's just candidly, but I, I don't have that option. I, I am done. I am done unless you can get a license. You know, it's like it's like anything else. You, you got to be approved to do it. So I would like to have... I would like to have the ability to choose. Why do you say that you, you, you are not sure if you can get a license? Who's not licensing you? Well, thanks for saying that. I just meant, so I don't know a whole ton about this USADA pool. I kind of got a, a storm and the, the way I ended up on it is, is a whole nother story. Uh, it was kind of unintentional, but uh, with this, I, I retired before USADA was around, sure. so I've never experienced it. In fact, when USADA came in before they were ever announced, I was the first one tested. The second was supposed to be Vandalay. It blew up in both of our faces. So this whole out of competition and what what you can take and in comp, out of comp, for, there's just a lot of procedure, and I've never been through it. So uh, as far as getting licensed for the UFC, you have to be in compliance with USADA, and that's just, I'm just in the middle of that process, man. Um, I know that there's a four-month period in which you need to be tested before you can resume. Can you tell us when that first test was? Because I'm wondering when that four-month period is up for you, if indeed you want to return. Yeah, and I, I couldn't tell you, but uh, not because it's a secret, but because I don't know. And <laughs> I, I would miss the Portland card, though. If that's where you were going with that, I would miss the Portland card by like 15 days. Somebody did the math for me, but whatever the answer is, I missed that one by hours, by a matter of hours. Is that disappointing? Well, I've had a dream to fight at home. I mean, that's a little bit of a fantasy. Now, that, that usually turns into more of a pain in the ass than anything else. Um, you know, fighting at home is kind of a tough thing to do. Uh, the, the media, the, hey, can I get a ticket? All, all that stuff that goes in with it. Um, and it, it's not a pay-per-view. I mean, look, I'm not looking, I'm not looking to come back. This isn't some, but I, I am, I'll be candid with you. I'm trying to test the waters and see that it is an option. If I was to come back, yeah. daddy only fights on paper. That's right. That's what I was thinking as well. Um, has anyone from the UFC reached out to you? You know, the brass, have they said, no, no nothing no, really? I, I, I have not heard from anybody. And I don't know if that's because things were changing hands or how all that happened, man. I, I ended up in the pool on accident, I made a phone call to see uh, if I could take a test. And they said, well, you know, without being in the pool, and I said, yeah, I want to take a test to make sure I can pass the test. And they go, so so you're telling us that you took a bunch of banned things and you want to make sure it's out of your system so you don't get caught. And I go, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what happened. I took a bunch of stuff that you can't take and I want to make sure it's – like I thought that made sense. Like, yeah, you know, I don't want to jump in this thing if, if it's just all going to blow up in my face. And uh, they laugh like that, like that made no, like what I was saying was crazy. And I'm going, well, no, that's exactly what happened. I don't know how this stuff gets out and breaks down. And don't forget. And they go, well, it's been two years. There's nothing that sticks around for two years that we've heard of. And I say, well, guys, time out. I'm not just worried about that. But when I was no longer in the pool, all the stuff I, I, I could have taken while I, that's, that all becomes relevant. Sure. That, 
Everything has to be out, and this pool is a very unique thing. As I read about it and watched it, I started to become a real believer. It's very organized. I thought it was kind of disorganized, maybe even underhanded in some spots. It's not. It's it's very professional the way that it's written. There's videos. There's educationals. You have to do a phone call and you know ask questions and, and get told. So it's very organized, but the bottom line is – I was saying, yeah, man, I want a dry run. Give me a dry run at this thing to make sure that I'm in compliance so it, it, it doesn't backfire. Somewhere in acquiring, that put me into the pool. The huh. next thing I know, these guys are at my door. And <laughs> listen, man, that's not a great feeling when you know you've lived on the other side of the track. <laughs> so again, I only have to pass the first one. If I pass the first one, we, it's smooth sailing, but I don't know. Um, to the best of your knowledge, when and you know what else? Yeah. You want to know something else, Eric? I don't want to be. I don't want to be tested like everybody else. Like I want. I want it to be on a curve. You know, <laughs> I want like a curve system. Oh, you had seven things last time. This time you've only got three. That's pretty good. Like that's the kind of test I'm looking for, and I'm not sure that's out there. I think that's that's a fair point. Uh, it I seems want, reasonable. Yeah. yeah. Um, to the best, it's good enough for the University of Oregon. It should be good enough for USADA. The O that is uh, that is 100 true. To the best of your knowledge, when's the last time you took a banned substance? Okay, so that this is where it starts to get murky. Okay. <laughs> what, it, it, what is a banned substance? See, that's the other. According thing. to the WADA code. Yeah, right, and we're not talking about illegal substance. For your viewers, we're not talking about illegal. We're talking about what is banned to be in this very unique pool. And the only way to really – because it requires further research, Ariel. When I got jammed up the first time, I had told you, I go, Ariel, it's, I don't know what's banned. And I remember you said we could just Google it. It's like, well, well, hold on. Let me explain. If you were to Google something or you were to go to the water code and it's not on the banned list – then you are to assume that it's on the allowed list. Well, that's not true. Uh, for example, I tested positive for something called growth hormone. Well, I never took growth hormone. Hmm. I took something called Nordotropin Flexpin. Nordotropin Flexpin is not on the banned list, but it contains an active ingredient that is somatropin. Somatropin is the active ingredient in human growth hormone. So it just requires further. I just lost everybody right there by no. dropping those, those big syllables. But the relevance is it requires further research. It's not as simple as saying I'm taking this. You then have to break down what's in that. Now, that's just the rules, and I'm not at all complaining. I'm just saying this is the spot I'm in where you have to be very cognizant. So when you ask me when the last time I took something that was banned, it's like, well, here's the deal, Ariel. The Demetrius Johnson rule is the only one that will keep you safe. Demetrius Johnson said, and I quote, I'm the UFC champion, and I don't know what's allowed. Hmm. So I only put food and water into my body. Unless you follow that rule, you got to be puckered up like I am. Can you resume your fighting career and have a successful, you know, second chapter, whatever you want to call it, by just consuming food and water? Or do you need other things because of, you know, the fact that you're older, you've done stuff in the yeah. past? You know what I mean? Yeah, see, that's where it gets tough. Like in the so in the testosterone days when we were allowed to take testosterone, that made really good sense. Now, of course, that got murky and guys took advantage of it and completely backfired. But it made good sense because the world of sport right now belongs to 18 to 25 year olds. Science has stepped in and goes, well, not so fast. We, we can actually continue to give you what your body gave you naturally at a later time. So you're seeing guys that are able to extend your, their careers. That's a pretty cool thing. Guys started to manipulate that and, and the whole thing backfired. So you had to do away with it. I was part of that testosterone era. 
But I was also one of the guys that's like, look, you got to get rid of it. And if that costs us our career, we can't do it anymore, then we can't do it anymore because the way it's getting done is just, it's getting bumbled and it's it, it wasn't right. So to your point, it's really tough. You have to find ways, me, I have to find ways to get my testosterone up. Uh, there's something called an IGF-1, which is the scientific term for growth hormone. You Those levels I believe in. And I think that you need to find a way to get them up, but you have to do it within the rules. And there's also a misconception, Errol, that, that performance enhancers are illegal. That isn't true. There's a whole bunch of performance enhancers that you can take. But again, you you got to make sure they're on the approved list. I've been keeping an eye on you. I've been watching you, your various TV appearances. I see you at the events and whatnot. You tend to avoid me, but I continue to watch you from afar. Uh, you appear to be in tremendous shape. You're svelte. You're, you're thinner than, than the last couple of years. It, it, to me, to the untrained eye, I would say this man is in shape and continues to be in shape and, and is, 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 is working out for some reason other than just working out. You're not going to the hotel treadmill for 20 minutes. You're doing something. Something's up. That's my take. I think that's fair. Okay. I, I've been in the gym. I, you know, I'm at a gym now, and we've got a lot of guys getting ready to fight. Ed Herman, my mm. teammate, is fighting on, on the Woodley card, Woodley uh, Lawler card, uh, Saturday. Uh, I've got a new teammate, Ronnie Marks. Uh, you'll remember Ronnie fought Aaron Simpson, Yoel Romero. He just signed with World Series of Fighting. He moved out here from Brazil. Uh, you know, so I, I've got these great guys that I need to do my part and be a good teammate. We've got another guy, Jason Novelli. He just signed with the UFC. Ryan Walker's getting very close. So we've got the right atmosphere. And I go in there every day and insert myself and, and try to push hard. Athletes always talk about the itch. When talking about returning, leaving, they lost the itch, they're getting the itch, they need to scratch the itch. Do you have the MMA itch, the professional MMA UFC itch? Is, is that somewhere on your body? Do you need to scratch it? Uh, I definitely have it, man. I think about it all the time. I, oh. And it never goes away. I had a college wrestling match with this guy named Zach Thompson out of uh, Iowa State. I was 20 years old. It was, it was half of my life ago. I think about it every day. Every huh. day. And I've talked to guys that are retired and said, hey, does this ever go away? You know, do these things ever quit haunting you? And like Randy Couture, by example, he's like, no, man, you got to just learn to deal with it. It's, it's just the way it goes. So I definitely have that itch. I fantasize about it. Um, but it's one step at a time here. I'm not holding back from you. I'm not, I'm not acting like my return is some kind of breaking news. I, I tell it to you right now, but I have to I have to pass this first test, quite frankly. that It's still out there. I got to pass it. If I pass that, I'll pass all of them. But I have to know that everything's out. Boom, step one down. So, step two, get in shape, get ready to go. I'm there. I'm in shape. I'm ready to go. Step three, be the baddest dude in the world. Come on, Ariel. Come on, buddy. I dominated. This is just a, a fact. Yeah. I dominated middleweight. There has never been a middleweight like me. The next closest guy is Anderson Silva. I got two ten eight rounds against Anderson Silva. That's just the truth. There, I have no equal at middleweight. So it would so, be fair to say if you pass that test, Chael Sonnen is going to return to MMA. Is that not fair? Chael Sonnen's going to give it a good look. I mean, that that's just the truth. I, I'm not committed to it. Um, and there's some moving parts. And it does come down to weight class. And I tried my hand at 205. I had a little success, but it, but that was all. I had I had more struggles than I did success. So you got to get the weight classes right. I got to talk to Clayton Hires. I got to see, you know, what he wants to do and how we're going to do it. There, there's some steps there, man. I'm not holding back. I'm telling you everything I can. But that's it. That That's all I can tell you. But I, I envision on, I think, June 4th of this uh, past year date that I will never forget, um, Chael Sonnen is either in Oregon or Bristol, Connecticut, and he sees Michael Bisping become the champion. A part of you is saying, like, wait a second. 
I mean, I, I beat this guy. And I know it was a close one, but this is a contemporary. If he could be champion in 2016, why can't I? Yeah, you think like that for sure. Now, I was on the, I was pumped for Bisping and still am, and, and I, I don't understand. I mean, there was things said about Bisping that he shouldn't even have that shot. And I was so confused going, well, look, he just, he just beat Anderson. Yeah. Why, why shouldn't he have this shot? He goes out, he proves it. And there's some rough guys in that weight. You know, I think that Yoel would give him – uh, problem style-wise, uh, Jacques Array, nobody's nobody's arguing against Jacques Array. He's got Dan Henderson in front of him. There's a lot of guys. I want to just look at who the champion was. But, you know, you look at that one through ten, and, uh, you know, I either beat him or, in theory, could do very well with him. So, yeah, you know, you, you think about that all the time. I noticed on that 10-minute uh, podcast you dropped this weekend that you said that you put out the blueprint as to how to handle these um, – these positive tests, and I agree with you 100%. In fact, I told you this the first time we spoke on your podcast. You come out, you're honest, you say, look, hands up, I fess up, I made a mistake, let's move on. People are very understandable. Are you surprised that so many of these fighters don't go that route and do the whole, oh, I don't know what this is, blah, blah, blah? Yeah, I, I didn't even go as far as to say it was a mistake. Look, it was a premeditated decision <laughs> done by a consenting adult. I, I just got jammed up. And people ask me all the time, why did you take it? It's like, why did I take Because I didn't think I would get caught. What do you mean, why would I take it? What are you, stupid? <laughs> what? I was, t I mean, come on. It was like the most ridiculous thing. And then Ariel, I watched guys come in the door behind me to the same, the same commission. I watched them lie. They never fessed up. Some of them pretended to not speak English to not answer the question. They all had these BS stories. While they're under oath, look, you want to come on Ariel's show and tell your story, go ahead. You want to come on my show, tell your story. You go get sworn in, the gig is up. That's where you, that's where you say what really happened. Yeah. You walk out of that room, you go back to telling your story. <laughs> Guys went in there lying under oath. One of them claimed he didn't understand them. Oh, I don't understand you. Goes back to speaking English. You're going, this is ridiculous. Those guys all slid. Every Those guys are fighting. They were suspended after I was. They've already been in the octagon a couple times. I'm not faulting them. I, more power to them. But it is, a, sometimes I do get confused and go, wait a minute. If you do everything right, you come in, listen, here's what happened. You got me. And you're going to sit twice as long as a guy that comes in with steroids. For I never had steroids. The headlines, I was never even accused of steroids. You're going to come in and that, that guy's going to go back at it because he stuck to a story. I mean, there's something to just lie, lie, lie. I don't subscribe to it, but there is something to it. And they keep, they keep getting off. Uh, last time you were on this show, you used the term basically clean. That has become this catchphrase. I mean, pretty Fairly. much. Um, yeah. How would you describe yourself now? Basically. Okay. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I think, we, again, I don't want to be tested like everybody else. Sure. I, want it, I want it to be on a curve. I yeah. mean, a lot of things in, in, in life look like that. So I, I think that's a reasonable argument. I don't know if it'll hold up or not, but that's what I told him. Uh, you also expressed some interest in fighting GSP. He was on this show shortly thereafter and sort of shot down that idea. Um, a, what did you think of that? And B... If you get by and if all the ducks are in a row, blah, 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 is there anyone else you have your eye on? Well, yeah, and I, I, I don't know that I, you know, I'm looking to fight GSP or whatever, but if he came back and I came, if you're asking me what a big fight would be, GSP, if he comes back, and I happen to think that he will, he, he might go all the way down to 155. I don't think that makes sense or that he should, but he might go all the way to 155. I, mean, I don't know. There's something about moving up in weight that George has just never really wanted to do. We even missed out on the George versus Anderson fight. 
Excuse me, and it was a size issue. George says there's something about, you know, he's he gets his ideas in his head and he stays super focused and disciplined on him. So uh, I had a phone call from GSP. Oh. And he calls me and he says, uh, Chill, I'm going to do my best GSP. <laughs> Chill, are you out at the club? And I said, no, George, I'm in bed. And he says, why are you not at the club? And it's like, well, first off, in my town, we call them bars. We don't we don't call them club. But, but secondly, I'm just not. He says, you know, Chael, I really like you. And I said, well, I like you too, George. And he says, no, 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 no. Nobody likes you. Everybody hates you, but I really like you. And I go, okay, well, I appreciate that. Thank you, George. And he says, I think your commentary is very good. And I said, well, you know, I, I try to just call it straight. And he goes, no, 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 no. You do nothing straight. You 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 are very ethically challenged. Nothing is straight. To, but, but I like you. He just kept insulting me while <laughs> telling me he likes me. And it was hilarious. And I'm like, okay, George never calls me. If I call him, he'll call me back. If I text him, he'll text me. He never reaches out to me, you know. And so it was just funny, just the whole thing. I'm like, George. And the whole time I'm thinking is he he's complimenting me and insulting me. I, I you know, George, I, I I just I just try to call it straight. No, you don't do anything straight. You are very corrupt. <laughs> and it's like, okay, George. Are, do we need to fight? Is that what this call? I'm a little. Is that what this is going? <laughs> just just a funny George story. Uh, he's great though. George is great and he works his ass off. Yeah. He works so hard. You know, even when George travels and he travels a lot, he always lines up workouts. You see him with Freddie Roach. He doesn't live in California, but if he visits California, he visits the wild card. He's he's focused, man. I don't know why he hasn't thrown his hat back in there. I feel like it's still in play. I, I still feel like it's attainable for you, that fight. The uh, it could. I mean, if I wanted to get it going, I'll get I get it going right now. But it's one of those things, you know, he's in a different way. I like I mean, I don't have any. What am I trying to do there? So um, and and he's a buddy. What am I gonna, I'm going to come out and double cross him and stab him. But I would let him know first. Hey, George, I'm about to stab you in the back. Yeah. So just be ready for it. Pull, pull a little and Ted Cruz on him. Know, he, look, it, it's the scorpion and the frog. He knows what it's like to be buddies with a gangster. Your, your, your number could come up at any time. <laughs> Many of them have. You be Ted Cruz, he'll be Donald. What a suicide note Ted Cruz read, huh? <laughs> uh, wow. uh, I know you have to go soon, so let me quickly ask you. You had your first Submission Underground event uh, two weekends ago. How was it? Will there be a second one? It was awesome. I mean, it was so, it was so much fun. You know, you get into those spaces, you, you, you want to have fun. You, you got to do things right. You, gotta, you, you know, you need some help with the card, and you, you have some luck that comes together, but... When it all did, man, it was a ton of work. But when it all did, it was so much fun. And, yes, we've already got a second date booked, December 11th. Uh, it'll be back in Portland. It's going to be great. we got some stuff in the works. In fact, I got a text message out to Bachecha right now. I'm waiting to hear back from him. Uh, true or false, you will be competing against Tim Kennedy on that card December 11th. Supposedly true. I can't confirm it yet. Tim has said yes. I have said yes. Now, now it's just a matter of... Can I do both? Can I can I promote and put a show on and then and then go out and compete it at the same time? I think that the answer is yes, but I need to talk to Tim. Um, and that's it. You know, Tim's always been in a tough spot area. Brian Stan had the same problem, right? You, you got these guys that are incredible fighters. They're good looking. They can they can talk. They can do everything, but they could never have an opponent. And this is one of the things that that hurt Stan's career, and it's also hurting Tim's career. These guys are heroes. So they're off limits in so many ways. And it's like, it's really hard to get an opponent that's going to come out and, and, you know, do what needs to be done to, to hype something. 
I don't, I, I'm not that happy with Tim Kennedy right now, but most of it I have to keep inside. And I think that that hurts the promotion. I think that it's hurt, uh, hurt Tim's career, but I really don't know what to do with it. I, I can't say much about a guy that's out serving the country. You know, I just can't. Fair point, though. Tim has been a little more polarizing than Brian. I, I always felt that the most awkward booking in UFC history was booking you versus Brian Stan upon your return from that break post-117, because you literally could not say anything about Brian Stan, and it made you into this you know, choir boy, and no one wanted to see that. Um, so, I, so I get what you're saying. Another true or false for you, before I let you go, um, Ari Emanuel has called you up and said, forget fighting, we want you to be the face of the UFC. No, okay. I have not heard. Here's my contact to, to Ari. I, I've met Ari and all that, but I've never talked business with him. By the way, is he going to CEO the company? He's not. He's CEOing the company that's going to run the company. Right? He's not stepping into Lorenzo's spot. Not that I understand, but it's 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 very unknown at this point. Not a it's lot very of that. Yeah, I've never talked business with him. A former congressman in Oregon, Derek Kitts, who's a friend of mine, went to work uh, for Ariel. And, or uh, I, I apologize. Yeah, Ari. So I talked to him uh, through the congressman, but no, I've never talked business with him. Literally, and I'm very curious what he's going to do. And, mo- you know, movie work sucks. Every, every actor wants to be an athlete. Every a- athlete wants to be an actor. You go out on those movie sets, man. It's hurry up and wait. That Those jobs suck. Okay, so final thing to wrap this up for the uh, for the fans who are, are, are praying and wishing and hoping and trying to push you to come back. You're free. You can do what you want. You're in the testing pool. You hope to get a license if everything goes well. And you're, you're leaning towards fighting again. We might even see you back in 2016. Fair? <laughs> Eric, if I, if I pass this first test, we could be having a, a totally different talk. But I mean, I'm just being candid. With you. I really don't know what's going to happen or what's left. When's the results coming? That's the thing. Okay, so see, that's the thing, is you only get called if you fail the test. Come on. If you call these guys up like I want to do and go, hey, those results back, then they start going, well, why? Why (laughs) why would you not know you're going to pass? And it's like, guys, because I took everything in the world that you can't take. I don't know how to be any – this is what – would you just tell me if I passed or not? And every time I, I ask someone like that, they act like it's the most corrupt question in the world. It's like, God, I just need one test. If I pass one, I'm smooth sailing. But yes, this happened, and I need to know. <laughs> and it doesn't matter how many times I ask you. It's like they think I'm kidding or something. It's like, no, this this is what this is what truth is. You guys just have never heard it before. I look forward to your return, Chael. It's good Thank to ha- you, buddy. It's could good- you imagine? Could you imagine? I mean, could you imagine the excitement? <laughs> Chael P. Sonnen, the one and only, often duplicated. I think I've already screwed up that promo. <laughs> I think I already screwed up the promo. Can you believe that? That might be a first time, and it will still be gold because if the bad guy makes the walk, Ariel, oh my goodness, the excitement, the excitement that you would have, that would literally send chills up and down your scrawny little spine. <laughs> Thank you, Chell. Appreciate it. There what was is. the line I was looking it, for? It, oh, it, often imitated. There you go. I was, w- I was waiting for the... You know? Kaboom. (laughs) Oh, God bless Chael Sonnen. Uh, Great stuff there. Often imitated, never duplicated. But uh, yeah, sounds to me like he is itching to come back. Uh, Welcome back, Chael Sonnen. Interesting stuff. (laughs) All right. uh, Let us us move along. Um, You know, it, it, it is a... 
it is a topic relevant to to Chael Sonnen with everything going on behind the scenes. Uh, one man that is very much on top of all of those things and more. Uh, he is a partner of one George Lockhart. As I said, you've heard from George on this show. He works with the likes of Daniel Cormier, Luke Rockhold, Cain Velasquez, Khabib Nurmagomedov, and many, many more. Cormier in particular swears by him, and they, and they all do. Uh, he is Daniel Leith. He is a nutritionist coach, partners, as I said, with George Lockhart over at VT Nutrition, and he is joining us right now via the phone. Daniel, are you there? I'm here, buddy. It is great to have you on the show, Daniel. Thank you very much. Um, so, you know, it's interesting that we have you on right after Chael. Um, you know, this is your line of work. You you know about this stuff better than anyone. How would you describe the current state of MMA as it pertains to all the, the, the ugly stuff that goes on behind the scenes, the supplements and all this stuff? Do you feel like it's slowly but surely getting cleaner because of USADA, or is there still a lot of work to do? Yeah, without a doubt. I think uh, with USADA coming in, it's just... Uh kind of opening people's eyes to, you know, a kind of a, a, a sad part of the sport. You know, guys are using things that uh, they shouldn't be. And, and like Chael alluded to, guys are, are getting caught and lying as they're being caught. You know, uh, at least Chael's very candid and open about what he's done in the past. And um, I think with Yasada coming in, it, it's uh, they do a great job of uh, being very professional about it and, and uh, not allowing any room for uh, any kind of uh, banned substance, you know, banned substances or, or uh, you know, a- a- anything. I think they do a great job. Um, you know, I was talking to DC recently about the work that you do for him, and he said among the many things that you do for him is like you actually, you know, when when Usada knocks on the door. Um, and ask them, okay, what are you taking? What kind of stuff? But you, you know by the gram, like you have to keep a journal of all this stuff. Is that exhausting to, and especially if you, you, you can't sleep with a fighter, you don't know what he's doing 24-7. You have to have that trust because if for whatever reason he may stray, that at the end of the day can reflect poorly on you as well, right? Absolutely, you know, and that's, um, you know, part of the trust I have with my athletes. Uh, and, you know, that trust is a two-way street. You know, they trust that what I give them uh is going to benefit them and in no way affect their career negatively. And, and uh, I trust that my athletes are going to do exactly that, take exactly what I am providing them and nothing else. So that, uh, you know, again, it doesn't reflect poorly on me, but no, when USADA comes and knocks at the door, it's not a, uh, it's not a challenge for me at all. I keep a journal of everything that my fighters get. That's my responsibility to uh, monitor to the gram, every single, nutrient that I provide my fighters so that I know uh, where I need to make adjustments during camp when I'm looking at how they're performing, how their weight is, uh, you know, coming down through camp. But uh, when, you know, I go to work with a fighter, I I stay there, I live with the fighter. So I might not be with them 24 seven, but uh, I'm about as close as I can be. Your, your career arc is a very interesting one because you're a former Marine, right? Yep. Um, Prior to that, you were a wrestler, correct? Correct. Um, and what's interesting about your history in wrestling is you also suffered a, a pretty serious health scare as you were trying to cut weight, which connects you to Daniel even more so. I believe you you suffered from renal failure. You just had a horrible weight cut that did it almost kill you? Or it was very serious, though, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was a sophomore in high school, and um, you know, at that point, I had absolutely no uh, idea about proper weight cutting methods. I didn't really know much about nutrition. I just did what my coaches told me to do, you know, what had been handed down, um, from wrestler to wrestler. And, uh, unfortunately, 
is still the general rule with most wrestlers I talk to. And uh, so it ultimately led to me uh, going into renal failure and uh, I had to get rushed to the hospital, almost died from uh, severe dehydration. And ultimately that led to me, uh, you know, through a lot of crazy steps and hard work and and luck to get where I am now to end up uh, working with a guy like Daniel Cormier, who at the most elite level ran into the same problem, you know? And so that really, uh, opened my eyes even more to talk to a guy like Daniel Cormier to say, you know, this happened to me at a very low level in high school, but it's happening all the way up at the elite level at the Olympic level. And, um, so it, you know, it doubled my resolve to, to help reach out to fighters and, um, try to help them avoid the problems that Daniel and I have experienced. Are you surprised even at the highest level, the UFC level, how many weigh in, not, I don't want to call them disasters, but we've seen some people fail to make way. We've seen some pretty scary situations. Are you surprised that fighters can get to that point and still not truly understand how to properly cut weight? You know, I, I do. I, you know, it's, it's um, some of the things that I see guys do uh, would absolutely blow your mind. And at that elite level, it, it's really... Uh, it's just, it, it's really, it saddens me. You know, George and I talk about it constantly, uh, that guys at that level with uh, unlimited resources, with, with guys out there like George and I who are willing to do anything to help them, uh, they just simply don't reach out. They stick to the same thing over and over. If it's not broke, don't fix it until ultimately, you know, they go through all this pain and hardship. And, you know, we always say you don't know what you don't know. The fighters don't know uh, what a proper weight cut feels like. They think if they make weight, um, even though it's terribly taxing, they feel terrible, they made weight, so they must be doing it right. Uh, and then they come to work with, with George and I and feel what a, a proper weight cut is like. And uh, like the guys that we work with, they never, they never work with anybody else. You know, they never turn back. Um, so I was reading an interview with you on a website called themanguide.com, and you were saying that it's almost ironic that as a nutritionist, you know, you're preaching eating right and, and doing the right things, and then you have to help guys cut weight, which is a very unnatural thing to do and a very unhealthy thing to do. Is that the part of your job that you dislike the most? And do you have any sort of idea how to fix it, how we can sort of – because I feel like we are working towards, sadly, some – some bad thing happening with weight cutting because there's a lot of guys coming into the UFC and on a very big stage, they just don't know what they're doing at times. Things can go horribly wrong as, as, as you live through. So I'm wondering if, if you are uncomfortable with that aspect of your job and have any idea how to fix it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, um, you know, it's a sad reality of, of, of the sport, you know, and that's why uh, I like doing what I do, at least knowing that the athletes that I do work with are, are not going to have those problems and are going to be able to make the weight safely and effectively and uh, fight to the, you know, their, their potential. Um, but there's absolutely a risk out there. There's so many young fighters coming in that think that there's benefit to fighting at a lighter weight class, cutting extremes amount, uh, and amounts of weight, and then, uh, doing it incorrectly, crash cutting at the last minute. And, uh, yeah, there's a huge risk. And, uh, even the, the fighters I work with who don't cut significant amounts of weight last minute, uh, I still don't like to deplete those athletes, uh, at all. You know, I would love to be able to provide them with exactly what they need to perform at their optimal uh, level and, and to uh, be as healthy as, as humanly possible throughout the entire camp. That's why I love working with heavyweights, you know, because I can give huh. them exactly what they need the entire time. But, 
you know, to fix that problem, I, I, uh, I really don't know. I wish I had that answer. You yeah. know, I, I wish I would have athletes call me and say, Hey, I want to hi- uh, fight up at a higher weight class. Can you help me gain weight? Can you help me uh, fight at a higher weight class? But that's yet to happen. Um, so I, I don't know. I think bringing USADA on and bringing, uh, people like Jeff Nowitzki in and, um, these different athletic commissions, you know, now with the early weight, uh, early weigh-ins, I think they're making steps in the right direction. But uh, until they add more weight classes or uh, come up with tighter restrictions on uh, hydration measurement during camp and during the fights, I really just I don't know how you how you prevent guys from from trying to get that advantage of being heavier on the day of weigh-in. Um, are or, you me, the day of the fight? Yeah, are you in favor of uh, of no IVs? You know, um, I wouldn't say that I'm in favor of it. I don't know that there's a more efficient way to effectively rehydrate a person. Um, but, you know, that's not the uh, the reality. You know, I know that there's been a lot of criticism because uh, of the IV ban, but... Um, you know, that's not up to me to, to criticize. You know, what's up to me is to, to look at what I have available. And so the only way to efficiently rehydrate my athletes now with the IV ban is oral rehydration. So, uh, you know, that's what George and I have focused the majority of our effort on uh, as soon as that news came out. You know, we started working with, with Jeff Nowitzki and uh, Dr. Robert Kenefick now, who's the, the leading uh, rehydration scientist in the world. He was out at USC 200. I don't know if you uh, got a chance to speak with him, but he's no. a brilliant guy. And uh, George and I are working with him and, and uh, working on perfecting our, our oral rehydration strategy we use with our fighters. And, huh. um, you know, the IV would be ideal, but I understand why USADA doesn't allow it. So uh, I think that oral rehydration is effective, but it, it has to be done properly by uh, a professional. Uh, one thing that has been discussed as of late is adding more weight classes. Do you think that would be good? Absolutely. You know, I, I understand like from a promoter's perspective why they maybe wouldn't want to do that because yeah. it starts to thin the, you know, the depth of each weight class. But absolutely, you know, when you have more weight classes available and you look at something like boxing, uh, those fighters don't cut these extreme amounts. And you look at the giant gaps uh, that we have in the UFC and, uh, and, and MMA uh, it just it encourages the larger weight cuts. So I would love to see that just uh, to encourage the fighters to cut less weight, to give them more options to fight at a more natural body weight. But um, we'll see. We'll see if that happens. Uh, recently, the UFC has instituted this uh, this early weigh-in. And um, I, I thought, you know, talking, I, I try to talk to all the fighters about it who have experienced it thus far. And for the most part, it's been a unanimous, yes, we like it. But... Interestingly enough, uh, Scott Holtzman, who's um, a, a young UFC fighter who competed in Sioux Falls just a couple of weeks ago, told me that he was talking to some people and he experienced this as well. He was having a very hard time sleeping the night before the weigh-in because the weigh-ins um, were so early that they tried to get on weight the night before as opposed to the later weigh-in on Friday. You have a little more time and because you're that dehydrated and perhaps a little bit anxious uh, about the weigh-in in the morning, he had a really hard time sleeping the night before. A, have you experienced that so far? And B, are you in favor of the earlier weigh-in? Yeah, oh, I've absolutely experienced fighters dealing with uh, issues sleeping all of fight week, you know. And, and uh, you know, there's different things that we provide our fighters to, to help them sleep. We give them melatonin. We give them food uh, all the way up 
until they weigh in that that helps them uh, feel satiated and helps them uh, reduce that anxiety. But again, it's all about having a proper strategy in place, understanding when the weigh-in happens. I mean, uh, UFC 199, when we did the first early weigh-in in L.A., it was at 10, uh, and then UFC 200, it was you know, 8 in the morning. So you have to adjust, look at where your fighter's at, and then... Um, yeah, you, you know, you're going to deal with that. You got to anticipate the fact that our, you know, your fighter is going to be anxious. They're not going to be um, feeling that great at that, you know, where, where, when they get down to that lower weight. But, uh, you know, we, I, I try to encourage my fighters to get rest. We're not super depleted going into that Friday morning. We, you know, we wake up early, we get down to where we need to. But, you know, my fighters aren't cutting such an extreme amount of weight last minute that they, uh, they deal with that issue. Uh, but the early weight, the, the second part of your question, the early weigh-in, I think is fantastic. You know, in the past when fighters were cutting uh, the last few pounds to get on weight, and then we would have to sit at that weight, uh, at that level of dehydration and wait backstage, you know, go over two weigh-ins, sit and wait until that was their time to go on stage, uh, where now fighters wake up in the morning, they get down to where they need to get to, uh, walk downstairs, weigh in, and, and they're only on weight for a very short amount of time. So that level of dehydration and the risk factors associated with it, uh, that time is cut considerably, I mean, by hours and hours. So uh, I'm hugely in favor of it, just in terms of the overall safety of the fighter, I think it's an excellent way to go about it. Uh, a lot of people, including myself, noted that it seemed like Cormier was having a, a tougher weight cut this time. And I know getting out to 205 is somewhat of a challenge for him. And, and he he agreed with that. And he said that the stress of, you know, the John Jones situation, new opponent, not knowing if he was going to fight, really messed up with his, you know, his ability to cut that weight. Is, is that a real thing? Can that actually stop you from losing weight? Absolutely. You know, uh, when we start to get really stressed out, our body starts to produce a lot of uh, stress hormones, cortisol and aldosterone, vasopressin, and all these hormones that uh, are defense mechanisms for our body. And they, they cause you to hold fluids. So, uh, you know, when our body starts to hold fluid like that, because of that response to stress, the weight cut becomes more challenging. You know, I think there was a lot of things that went into uh, this camp with DC that, that made the, the weight cut more challenging. I don't think it was just one thing. Um, but, yeah, I absolutely think that that was a real thing, and we were right on track. I mean, Daniel came in at 217 on Tuesday. We were two pounds lighter than we were for the Gustafson fight, so uh, everything was right on track, and uh, he was feeling great. He looked great training during fight week, and then when all of that news hit, everything stopped. You know, um, he, he really he wasn't performing as, like he normally was. He was feeling uh, terrible. And, you know, that stress is, it, it hit him like, uh, you know, it, he hit a wall. So we got through it, but it was definitely not as smooth as I would have liked. Um, but it's part of the, part of the business, you know, we have to adjust. I got into this space because I love covering mixed martial arts and everything goes into it. I've had to learn so much more about this stuff, which is an interesting byproduct. I'm not, um, I'm not complaining about it, but it's, it's just dominated the news cycle, especially this year. And, and, and I'm wondering if you could tell me, like, the, the, the world of supplements, how dirty is it? How dangerous is it? Would you prefer if your fighters never use supplements? Because we've learned from Yoel Romero and others that you could be taking something, you know, from GNC or whatever, and it could be tainted, and you had no idea, but then you get popped and your reputation is ruined. Could you tell us, in your opinion, like, does it completely scare you? Because, again, that could fall on your reputation, or do you, at this point, know the right ones and are 100% certain always that those are clean? Yeah, you know, so I, it absolutely scares me. I think it's a very, very uh, highly funded and under underregulated industry. You know, uh, there's a ton of risk involved when fighters are are given supplements from sponsors that are are not 
reputable companies. You know, there are companies out there that uh, I use, that George uses, that go out of their way, spend money out of their pocket to get vetted, get audited by an accredited third party like NSF or like the Banned Substances Control Group. Uh, and they put their labels, you know, they put that proudly right on their label. Any Anybody out there listening right now can go to any supplement store in the country and look at a supplement and it'll have a big gold label on it that says, you know, BSCG or NSF or GMP. And those are all uh, there to show you, look, we purposely were vetted by an accredited third party to test all the substances we're putting in here so that you can read our label and know that what we say is on this label is what's actually in this. And the best laboratories in the country are testing our procedures, or our, excuse me, our, our, our ingredients hmm. uh, to make sure that that doesn't happen. But, you know, then you have to go a step farther because just because it has that label doesn't necessarily mean it isn't on the, the WADA or your SADA banned substances list. It uh, doesn't mean they're going to fail that test. So, uh, you know, you have to, w- when you do provide a supplement to a fighter, know that it is tested by an accredited third party and then look at those ingredients that you're providing and ensure that they're not on that banned substances list or something in there can't be converted in your body to a substance that is on that banned substance list. So uh, there's a great deal that has to go into um, understanding exactly what's going into that fighter and, and how it's going to be converted in their body into what, you know, what chemical reactions are going to happen. And, and uh, so all of that said, yeah, it's a very, very complicated thing to give a fighter a supplement. I do think that there are some supplements out there that do improve performance that are beneficial to a fighter, but they're very limited. When you give a fighter proper nutrition, there's almost nothing that exists uh, that you can provide them through supplementation that they can't get uh, through food and get through food more efficiently. More bi- food provides greater bioavailability of the, the most of the supplements out there. So uh, we, George and I, generally uh, just advocate proper nutrition over supplementation. And again, the the company is Fitness VT. I may have said a different name at the top, and I apologize for that. FitnessVT.com is where you can learn more about what Daniel and George do. I may be putting you on the spot here, but I think it's fair to say in the USADA era, if you're fighting in the UFC, you should have some kind of nutritionist coach with, with, with you. There's just too much at stake. And if I'm a fighter coming up and I want to hire Daniel Leith to work with me, could you tell me ballpark how much it will cost me? <laughs> Uh, you know, it depends on the capacity that, that you, you want to hire us. I mean, uh, you know, the vast majority of young fighters that George and I work with, uh, we don't work with in the capacity that I work with a Daniel Cormier. Daniel Cormier flies me out a month in advance. I live with him and his family. Uh, I provide every meal. I cook everything, everything that he eats. Uh, I mean, I'm a live-in cook. Uh, you know, I, I, uh, I even drive him to practice every day, you know. Uh, so to hire us in that capacity uh, is cost prohibitive, I think, maybe to some fighters. But, uh, I mean, George and I charge $1,500 for fight week to do their entire weight cut and all of their oral rehydration. And you're talking about an oral rehydration strategy that is vetted and, and designed by, again, guys like Dr. Robert Kennefick, the leading research scientist in the world, giving George and I guidance on exactly uh, every micronutrient, every drop of everything that should that will drive fluid and electrolytes back into the cell the most efficiently. And again, $1,500 wow. to the lowest level fighter, I think, is, uh, is very reasonable. Yeah. 
I would agree with that as well. So again, the website fitnessvt.com. His name is Daniel Leith. Great guy and, and a pretty good bodyguard to have in your corner as well. When you're walking next to those big guys, you, you play the part as well. Like, I don't want to mess with you and the beard and the tattoos and the haircut and all that. Like, you're, you're, you're rather intimidating as well. So I think that you add much more than just a nutritionist to the team, if I'm being honest. Good part of the crew. <laughs> So that's funny. I, mean, I appreciate it, buddy. But no, uh, I, I have to do something to look tough in front of all of those guys. <laughs> that's man. right. Uh, keep up the great work, man. They, they swear by you and the results speak for themselves. Uh, great to have you on the show for the first time and continued success to both you and George. Ariel, thank you so much, buddy. I appreciate it. My pleasure. There he is. Daniel Leith stopping by. Uh, like I said, work speaks for himself. Cormier, Kane, uh, Habib, Rockhold, and many others swear by both him and George Lockhart. Okay, let's move along. Uh, welcome in our next guest. She had a very busy weekend in Chicago. Not only was she all, all over the place, they also announced her next fight. Finally, over a year later, we're getting the return of the Karate Hottie. Michelle Watterson is returning in September to fight Ash the Bash daily. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to talking to Michelle Watterson. Michelle, how are you? wonderful. Thank you for having me. Oh, it is a pleasure as always. Uh, great to have you on the show. So, okay, l- let's talk about Chicago first. Seemed like a fun trip for you. You were doing a lot, but uh, ended on somewhat of a sour note. W- was that was that hard for you to watch, be in attendance and, and watch Holly's fight? Oh, yeah, it's always hard, especially, you know, Holly, she's one of my closest friends. And um, I, I just know how hard she, she worked um, for this camp. And, um, you know, we, I see all the background that everybody else doesn't get to see. And so um, it is hard to, to watch that fight. But um, Holly's a one-of-a-kind person. And um, if there's anybody that is, uh, well, you know, walk away from this learning thing, it'll be her. And she's just, it, it'll just make her stronger, you know. Uh, just one other thing on Holly. How is she handling things? She's good. You know, that's how she is. She, she, she dusts herself off. She gets back up and gets back on the horse. That's Holly. Um in every way that, you know, that's just, that, that's how you handle life and that's how she handles life when, you know, when you get knocked off, you just dust yourself off and get up. Uh, this felt like a big unveiling or re-unveiling of you. Like they had you all over the place doing all kinds of things at the workouts, at the Cubs game, and it coincided with your return fight being announced. Was that was that a coincidence or was that all planned? Like this is the big return of Michelle Watterson. We're just going to put her everywhere the week that we announce her fight again. I, I think it was just a coincidence because I was already scheduled to be out in Chicago before I even know that I was fighting. Um, because to be honest with you, you know, usually I don't go anywhere once my, once I know that I'm fighting. I'm just here at home training. And uh, so it was just a coincidence, but it was a good coincidence. Hollywood's fighting. Um, all the coaches were out there. So I was able to, to go out to Chicago, you know, do some cool PR and, and get some good training. And so it was, it was a win-win. Uh, what was it like being on the field at uh, Wrigley Field? It seemed via social media that you were excited about the opportunity and the experience. What was it like for you? It was crazy. Um, there's a lot of history there, yeah. and um, you don't realize how magnificent a place it is until you're, you know, on the field and you're looking up and the stands are crowded with people, and it's just enormous. And, and like I said, there's so much history there, so it was it was a good experience. Really cool. I did notice that you were hanging out with the champion, Yuanya and Jacek. You were chummy with her, taking pictures and stuff like that. Is that weird for you? Because you want to fight this woman. You, you want to beat her, I'm sure. What was that experience like? It's not weird, you know. At the end of the day, we're all humans. We're all fighting for the same thing. And, you know, I think as a fighter, you, you kind of gauge how the other person, 
you know, going to react towards you. Um, plus, you, you know, Yana came down to the gym a couple months ago before the, uh, or right after the show was over, trained for a week. But, you know, like I said, you have to mutual respect for somebody that does the same, you know, thing that you do. And, and that's exactly what it is. She was respectful towards me. I was respectful towards her. And we had a good time. All right. Fair enough. Um, so you get this daily fight. I remember talking to you not that long ago and you said that you wanted someone in the top 10 um, yeah. in, in your return. Uh, based on the UFC rankings, which are very flawed, uh, she she is not in the top 10. In fact, I don't believe she's in the top 15. So what did yeah. you think when they offered you that fight? You know, um, I just I think that anybody in the division right now, since it's so new, is going to be a challenge for me. Um, the fact that I've been out for a year kind of has a, a role to play with that, I guess. I don't know. But um, to be honest with you, I think that she is, she's a huge threat. Um, if you look at her record, um, the, the, the people that she's lost to are, are, are um, you know, top-level fighters, but uh, Barhead, Cox, she's, you know, she was Invicta. Um, champion um, Claudia Gadelia. She she's fought a lot of like top ranked fighters and 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 she likes to submit people, which is what I like to do. I think it's a great magic for my first fight back in over a year. Uh, how do you feel about fighting in Germany? I think I think it'll be fun. It'll be my first time um, fighting overseas, uh, but I I look forward to going to Germany. Um, my little sister was born there, oh. so we lived there when I was younger for about two years Whoa. when my dad was still in the military. Oh. Um, so I'm looking forward to going overseas. So you're going to be the, uh, the local favorite. You got to play that up more. Yeah. <laughs> where in Germany were you born? No, not me. My little sister. Oh, your little sister. Okay. Where um, was she born? I, I can't think of it off the top of my head. It was so long ago. Okay. I just remember seeing pictures of me, you know, on Oktoberfest at, <laughs> at two years old with a beer in my hand. Wow. <laughs> your parents like to party. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it has been an interesting year for you due to the injuries. First, I think there was the hand injury, right, after the uh, the debut, and then you suffered a knee injury. Um, yeah. th- did I miss anything in between there? And then I rebroke my hand after my, my knee got oh, better. That's right. Jeez. How did you deal with all that mentally? The the you know the stops and starts, the 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 you know the the speed bumps and all that. I mean, that's that's got to take a toll. It does, you know, especially um, I, I wanted to be able to capitalize off the momentum of winning my first UFC debut. And, uh, you know, stuff happens. <laughs> I would say the other word because it's more fitting. But yes, um, that's just, you know, that's just life. And you have to be able to fight, uh, fight the things that life throws at you. Because if you can't handle, you know, the things that life throws at you, then you won't be able to handle the fight. Um, so I just take it as you know, some adversities that are going to make me stronger in the cage. That division is super interesting. Did you kind of like, did, did you feel at some point, you know, perhaps more recently, you know, as you were further and further removed from your, for your debut, that people were forgetting about you, that when talking about the top dogs in that division, <laughs> that there was less talk about you just because you had been away and did that motivate you more? Um, you know, I, I really don't care if, if my name's not in there. I think that, um, when I, when I am in the cage on the third, I'll be able to show, you know, what I've been working on this, this year out. Um, and I have a lot of teammates in the gym that, you know, kept me motivated, kept me in the gym and, and reminded me, you know, while all these girls are fighting each other, you know, I, I can, I have an advantage and I, I can sit back and watch them fight each other and, 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 and then come in and, and see what they've done you know, fighting each other and, and mm. capitalize on that. 
As far as the injuries are concerned, are you in the clear? Are you feeling at least close to 100% now? I'm a hun- I am 100%. All right. Definitely 100%. Physically, mentally, everything. I feel great. Um, are you shocked to see how dominant Ioana has been as champion? I don't think a lot of people saw this coming when she came into the UFC just because she had very little experience. No, I'm, I'm not shocked. I you're, think you're not. she has what it takes to be the champion. Um, I, I know that um, I predicted against her because I thought that Claudia would um, change her game plan after fighting her the first time. Um, but uh, that didn't happen, and that, that proves why, you know, Johannes was able to, to, to continue to be the champion because, you know, she pushed past... Um, the theory that uh, Claudia gave her those first two rounds and was able to, um, you know, capitalize after that and take over. That, that, that's what it takes to be a champion, and, and nobody's been able to surpass that. Uh, in the top five, do you see anyone beating her before you get a crack at her? Do you see any threat right now in, 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 in the top five or so of that division? I'm, I'm really excited to see how Rose does against um, the other Polish fighter. <laughs> Karolina um, Kowalkiewicz. Yes, Karolina. She's Karolina's really good. And between those two, um, I think that's going to be an awesome fight. Definitely contention for the title. And, um, you know, if, if Rose is in the right mind state, I think that she'll be able to give Johanna a give-go, a, 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 a good a good little competition. Yeah. Um, and that fight, of course, this weekend at UFC uh, 201. If the UFC announced today that they were starting a 105-pound division, would you move down right away? No, I feel good at 115. Okay. So you feel like that's the natural weight class for you now? You don't feel like they're bigger than you or anything like that? Uh they are, but, you know, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. That so. is true. Well said. Um, what is what is the vibe like at the gym these days with, you know, some of the, the drama happening with some of the other fighters? Is, is the vibe okay? Do you feel like everyone needs a pick-me-up? How would you describe it? The vibe at the gym is always, you know, the problems happening externally doesn't come in, doesn't penetrate the gym. I think that we have a real strong core family value in the gym and we don't let that that tough steep in because otherwise it would, it would poison everything. And, you know, when we come to the gym, that's everybody's safe haven. So we come to the gym and we know we can feel safe and comfortable there to to trust um, our team to to be there for us when, when we need them the most, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, now, now, this is the big question. Uh, when's that amazing documentary about you coming out i've been waiting i thought it was supposed to be out already what's going on i know we're you right now it's it's going to come out very soon before the end of the year is up i'm very excited for it i got to watch the final cut and oh. it's amazing um sean did a great job of putting it together and um you know brought some tears to my eyes i got to see my little one yeah grow up before my eyes uh but right now it's um we're like in negotiations so it, we we got some good news coming up soon, hopefully. Oh wow! Uh, the director is uh, Sean Menard, as you said. The name of the documentary is Fight Mom. I've seen the trailer. I, if that is an indication of how it looks, it looks fantastic. So you actually got to see the final cut. Is that somewhat surreal for you to see? Because they they followed you for like two years, right? Yeah. And and what, so what's it like to see yourself in that? I mean, very few people get to watch a documentary about their own life with your your young daughter a part of it and your family and everything. What, what was that emo- like as an experience emotionally? What was that like? I, I think it's crazy. You know, you get so caught up in training and, 
and sometimes it becomes a routine, the things you do in and day in and day out, not just as a fighter, but also as a mother and a wife. Mm. And when somebody is able to follow you for two years and kind of piece together, you know, this story and, and make it something somewhat of an, an inspirational story, it, it's kind of cool because, you know, you don't realize the things that you do have an impact on people. And then when you, when you see it, from the outside looking in, it's just, it's very inspiring. Is UFC getting behind this? Are they going to push this as well? I hope so. All right. (laughs) I hope so as well. Uh, So you don't know exactly when it's going to come out or how it's going to come out, how people can watch it. That is to be to be I determined. Do not. Okay. I, but when I find out, I will let you know. All right. Fair enough. Uh, for now, we can look forward to your return. It is September third in Hamburg, Germany, against Ashling Daly. The uh, the long awaited return of Michelle Watterson. It has been a while, but a lot of people are very excited. I I I put the news out last week, and uh, wow, the response. I'm sure you got it as well. Was a uh, a very positive one. People have missed you, so that is good to know. Yeah. Thank Thank you for the time, Michelle, and best of luck in training as you prepare for the fight. Thank you so much. Yeah, I miss being in the cage, so I'm going to give everyone a show. All right. We look forward to that. There she is, Michelle Watterson stopping by. Great to hear from the karate hottie herself. Uh, certainly a player in that division. Uh, currently ranked number 11 in the UFC's uh, ranking system. Take that with a grain of salt. Let's see. I'm looking at the ranking system right now. One of my favorite things to do is look at the ranking system and see... How many people have A, dropped off, and how many people are a part of it, and how many people I've never met, and how many people I haven't seen in a long time, and how many outlets, you know, the mainstream ones are represented. I mean, there's, what do we have? We have the uh, Burbank Leader, um, the Cherokee Scout, AM New York, KIOZ San Diego, VladuSport.com, CFMU 93.3 FM, Scripps Howard, MMA Brasil. Hmm. A lot of power. A lot of fighters pay attention to that and, and they'll use it, you know, when necessary to their advantage. Fighters, managers, matchmakers, promoters. All right, so there you have it. Um, A bit of a break now as far as the interviews are concerned. Fun stuff so far. In around 50 minutes, we're going to be joined by Michael Venom Page of Bellator fame. And in around an hour and 10 minutes, we are going to be joined by the one and only KFC King himself, Mark Hunt. So stay tuned for that. For now, let's take some questions and comments. Welcome in Mr. New York Rick, fresh off the plane in uh where was he virginia norfolk virginia fairfax virginia nope norfolk had norfolk. It right the first time uh got a haircut over there that was big news <laughs> <laughs> that's the news of the day the, the how, how can you trust some uh, listen yeah you can't just walk into some random place and say okay i'm trusting you i mean you've been working on that thing for how long well they didn't touch the top i know I but never. they could do something crazy who never, knows i would never yeah um no, the sides are simple, you, you know. I mean, look, it wasn't it wasn't the best. It wasn't, right? He messed it up. He didn't mess it up, but he... It's easy to mess up hair. I tell that to people about my own hair. You can mess it up. It's easy. Yours seems very easy. No, though. trust me. I have had nightmarish trips to the, uh, the barbershop. 
um, it's also a comfort thing. It's like it's, it's your guy thing. or your girl, yeah, like yeah. whoever cuts your hair, like they're your they're your person, and then it's a comfort thing. Um, Unsolicited plug by man Manny in Ridgewood, Queens slash Bushwick crew barber. Check him out. If you're in, stand up. It's just an amazing place. He's the guy, Manny, big MMA fan. Go check him out. Uh, how was Virginia? Great, great event. My Chopper man, chai, uh, as you Chopper mentioned. Chai. I, so, so, I mean, let's grade that performance. There was a lot going on Friday night. There was Bellator yep. and, uh, you know, their whole thing. And we'll talk about that in a second. There was Chopper Chai doing his thing for glory fight pass. There was, there was a lot going and, on. And, uh, the Mackenzie Dern debut, yep. but I, I, it all timed well. I got to watch Chopper's, uh, fight. Yep. Were we happy with it, or should he finish that guy in the first round? See, for for people who who don't watch Glory, don't watch kickboxing, Maurice Green is super tough. He is Anderson Silva, um, the you know Anderson Braddock Silva, the other Anderson Silva as they sometimes call him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, recently fought Maurice Green, beat him pillar to post, three rounds, just couldn't take him out. Um, and he's you know he's fighting for the he's fighting Rico for the title next. Anderson Silva is, um, so he's very good. He's Rico very, who? Verhoeven. I thought they just announced Rico's fight. They did. It's against Anderson? So Rico's fighting Anderson for the title in September in New Jersey. Oh, that's right. And Wait, uh, wait, wait. They, they, and they, they just announced Rico Verhoeven versus Badr Hari. Correct. Which is a huge fight. So they, he has two fights booked. I He's mean, got that, two fights booked. That's akin to the three title fight curse. Mm. You, can't, you can't book a fight after another fight and the other fight didn't happen yet. That is just playing with fire. Yeah, certainly things can happen, but... That is crazy. I don't like that. Why not just book the, the Badahari fight? Why do the other fight? Why are they going to Trenton, New Jersey also? Huh, it's a good, you know, it's, it's a good, good market. Jersey's a good market. All right. Yeah, you know that. Tri-state area. Lou Negley is involved. He's a good promoter. Oh, he's involved there. Okay, but why book two for, like, aren't you... That's a huge fight, Badahari. It, it is a huge fight. So why book him in the other fight first? He, Rico likes to stay active. He needs. He, he's defending his title for the fifth time. So did he resign with Glory? Because wasn't there some talk that he was a free agent and he was thinking about going to MMA and all that stuff? He he has uh, resigned for this for this fight. Well, two fights. Well, see, this is this is a non-title fight. So this is a separate transaction. What altogether. is the non-title fight? Uh, with Botter. Oh, Botter geez. is not a title fight. Why? It's it's just not a title fight. Botter's not fighting for the title. See, Rico's this is not why I can't, I can't follow kickboxing. It's all too confusing. What do you mean? How is this confusing? <laughs> I just don't it's get it. It's a non-title fight. All right. Well, what if he loses the title to Anderson Silva? Yeah, I mean, what? Like Anderson Silva versus Forrest Griffin. Was, were you confused when he didn't fight for a title? No, but or? they didn't book another fight after that. They didn't book the title fight first and then the non-title fight afterwards. It's all very confusing. No, nothing confusing. All right. He's defending his title, and then he's not. And then, he, well, let's get back to Chopper Chai. Hugh, Rico, <laughs> Rico versus Botter, huge. Not until December. Chopper Chai. Chopper Chai. Good, good performance. Maurice right. Green is, is very tough. Uh, he wants and to also, fight in MMA. And also, you remember, Chopper was off for a year. That's and, true. And came back in. Um, that is true. I, I was impressed. I think people came away pretty happy. How about from a promotional standpoint, the nightmare that Bellator experienced on Friday? I mean, holy moly. Yeah. First, they're, they're, they're touting... Darion Caldwell as, you know, the next big thing. And all signs pointed to him being the next big thing. Um, and then he loses in stunning fashion. Did you see that? Well, I did. And what were the odds? It was something crazy, like 14 think, to 1 or something? Yeah, I think it was. I think that's exactly it. Um, as far as the underdog, I think he was 14 to 1. But this is the problem with not being prepared for the opponent to win. This is the problem with... Uh, you know, building up people by putting them in against people who, if they win, you have no promotional 
uh, pull that you can put behind. Hmm. Um, Baby Joe Temanglo, this guy misses weight, the pride of Guam. Yeah, um, I know he was on he was on a you know on a winning streak. I think he had won three in a row or so, but he misses weight before the fight. Yep. So now you can't really give him the title shot, or maybe you can because it's Bellator and they play by their own rules. But um, Caldwell goes to his bread and butter, goes for the single leg, and then gets caught guillotine taps out shocking stuff they played with fire he should have gotten the 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 title shot after his last win and you know the guy beats joe warren in march give him the title fight signs a new deal give him the title fight but look you win one more you're back on track it's not you know it's not the end of the world still stunning to see and uh and 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 now they don't really have any contenders at, at 135 unless you give baby joe the title fight but the other thing was they were pushing these two brazilian females right um, Bruna Vargas and Bruna uh, Ellen, two Brunas, one first name, one last name, and they both lost, pushing them. I mean, it was kind of obvious why they were pushing them, let's be real. Attractive females, seemed to fight well, very inexperienced. Emily Ducat rocks her with a bullet of a right hand and then rear naked choke. Um, Ellen loses via United Decision. I mean, this was... This was kind of nightmarish. Now, Melvin Gillard also missed weight, but he won and then called out Paul Daly, which I loved, by the way. That was, that's a great call out. And we'll, then, uh, we'll touch on that one. All right. Pete, the people were not silent on, uh, on that call out from Paul. Oh, interesting. I mean, um, I'm sorry, from Melvin. Yeah, it was just, I was like, wow, everything that could go wrong went wrong on this show. It was entertaining, but from a promotional standpoint, I was like, oof, what a headache. Um, so, yeah. Interesting night for Bellator. Interesting night on Friday. There's a lot going on, non-UFC action, but it was, uh, it was very busy. So uh, what what do we got? What do we got? Anyone ask us any questions this week? What do we nope, have? That was it. That's it. All We're right, done. I'm done. Woo. Um, okay. By the way, can I just say one thing about yeah, uh, yeah. horrible? Um, you remember, like around December, we were talking about you know, in around four or five months, and I love the guys at Jackson Wink, but wow, we were talking about in around four or five months they could have four champions. They had Carlos Condit fighting, they had John Jones about to fight. Who else did we have? I was just counting this. Alistair Over... Uh, no, no, no. They had Holly Holm, um, who was champion. And then there was one more. Uh, Arlovsky. Because yeah. he was fighting um, Stipe Miocic, UFC 195. Yeah, for the title they were shot, in, right? They were in... Yeah, they were in position to potentially have yep. four champions by like May or June, right? They, 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 none of those things happen. Condit lost. Well, no. Cerrone, did Cerrone's another champion. one. What do you mean he did become champion? Interim champion? Yeah. Oh, come on. Cerrone. Stop it with that. You think they wanted this situation? Don't play devil's advocate on me as I'm trying to hammer this point. Cerrone loses. Arlovsky loses. Um, uh, Condit loses. Jones. Holly now loses. Jeez. Who saw this coming? Shocking. Yeah, it's, that's, that's a rough stretch. And I'm trying to think of an equivalent. I mean, there was a time where Black Zillions were going through a stretch like yeah. this, and then they flipped it completely around, so... Um, but nothing pisses me off more than Holly Holm still having to answer to the fact that she, oh, you took a risk. You took a risk because you were doing your job. You took a risk because you didn't want to sit on the sidelines indefinitely in the prime of your career as you're approaching your mid thirties and you've been fighting for like 15 years. You took a risk. Why? I don't I, like I, the, the first question that she had to answer after the uh, the fight is like, oh, you took a risk. Like, wh- what's the risk? She was getting paid. She didn't want to sit on the sidelines. She didn't want to let someone else dictate the path of her career. And yet, like, we're, we're almost we're, we're forcing this young woman to continuously defend doing her job. 
And yet we have all these other champions who win the belt and then go on these like 11 month breaks. She was right back in there. Like the second she won the belt, she's right back in there fighting in March against anyone. She said, okay, give me Misha Tate. No problem. Then she fights Valentina Shevchenko. I mean, we should be celebrating Holly Holm. And you can make the case, you know, is she the Buster Douglas, which I think is ridiculous. I had a, a, a friend of mine, a non-MMA fan friend of mine who's a boxing fan is like, is Holly Holm the Buster Douglas of MMA? And I'm like, what? This is a ridiculous comment. She was way more talented, way more successful than Douglas leading up to that Ronda Rousey fight. Uh, she completely annihilated Ronda Rousey. And then she was, you know, two minutes away from beating Misha Tate. And she lost to a better fighter on Saturday. But I don't think anything that happened in the last two fights should make us think differently of her win back in November. And I think she needs to stop having to answer this stupid question. If anyone asks her about the risk, quote unquote risk, of not waiting for Ronda. If Ronda Rousey told her that she was coming back in November, then maybe we could talk about this supposed risk. But Ronda Rousey's not coming back anytime soon. She has not told the UFC that she is ready to come back on X date. Why do we keep asking her this? Why do we keep making her rethink her, her, her decision to pursue a career as a prize fighter. That's what she's done. That's what she's always done. It doesn't make sense. It pisses me off. It really does. First question she has to answer, risk. What risk? What are you talking about? She's fighting. It's a pleasure. Stop making her feel like crap. Do you not agree? Uh, I do agree. Um, there is, there is, she's not risking anything more than she would have um, previously. The, the Ronda fight is not a tangible thing. It doesn't exist. Um, so there is no, she's not, she's not sacrificing or compromising anything because it, it wasn't there to begin with. Um, you're clear. risking more by sitting on the sidelines and waiting. She's gone two paydays, one with pay-per-view points on the biggest pay-per-view of the year, bigger than 200 probably. And where's the risk? Here's more importantly, I don't think this loss precludes her from a fight with Ronda Rousey anyway. Like I don't think Couldn't agree this, more. this does anything to hurt her stock in that specific fight. It, it really doesn't, um, I'm with you. It doesn't really make sense. But I do think it's an indictment, not an indictment, but actually the opposite. It, people think highly of, of uh, Holly Holm and, and think that she's worthy of you know that, that fight and, and want to see it. Um, I think their, their concern is that she's you know potentially compromising it, but I don't think that's actually the case at all. So um, I'm with you. Stay active. Why, why sit on the sidelines and wait for something that may or may not ever come and who knows when? Um, it is silly. Dennis Green, a coach in the NFL, the late Dennis Green, who suddenly passed away tragically last week, had a very famous line in a post-game press conference after the, uh, he was coach for the Arizona Cardinals, and they were playing a team, was it the Vikings? I want to say the Bears? Yeah. Who was it? Someone will tell me. He had this line where he said, they are who we thought they were, right? And we let them off the hook. And we let them off the hook. Um, Does that apply, in your opinion, to Holly Holm? Because remember, when, when this fight with Ronda Rousey was booked, everyone thought like, what? They're putting her in there. She's inexperienced. She didn't look that great against uh, Marion Renault and Raquel Pennington. She didn't have the killer instinct she was missing. And then, of course, afterwards, everyone was like, oh, I saw this coming. But in hindsight, was she who we thought we were? Who, who she, was she who we thought she was? Which was what? This person who can No one thought she was going to beat Ronda Rousey. So... But she did. I mean, no matter what we think of what happened previously or now, she on that night. Yes, but she you got get, it. You done. get my question. Was she not as good as we all thought she was? This is what people are claiming. That's the Buster Douglas question. I I know the answer to that question. My answer to that question. I I think that's silly. I think 
and and if you remember, I don't remember when this was, but we've had a conversation about our pet peeves in MMA. Hmm. My pet peeve in MMA is after somebody loses, uh, they are the worst fighter on the planet. <laughs> Bar none, every time it happens. Holly Holm lost, she's exposed. She was never any good. Uh, she's Buster Douglas, whatever whatever it is. I'm I'm sick of that to to epic proportions. Mm. It's it's the biggest trash thing that happens amongst MMA fans. Um, nobody in MMA is going to be unscathed. It just doesn't happen. It's not boxing. You can't pick and choose. Uh, you can't build yourself up to a contender and then you know take cupcake fights until you fight the champion. It just doesn't happen. Holly Holm took a difficult fight. She lost it. Um, and there's nothing else that needs to be said about her. It's not an indictment on her entire career. Uh, she beat Ronda Rousey, which is an accomplishment. Nobody had done it to that point. And if she fought her again, um, I have to imagine the odds would be relatively close. People would be expecting her to to be competitive again. Um, so short answer, silliness. Let's stop with the, you know, burying somebody after they lose. Um, Holly is a fantastic fighter and obviously the bigger name. To me, the big story was just how good Valentina Shevchenko looked. For sure. That's, and that's what we need to be focusing on. For sure. I mean, this is a person who is eating steak the night before her fight. The, the night before the weigh-ins. She should really be fighting a 125. She's unbelievably strong. Her coach was shot like two months before the fight. She does not pull out. The coach makes it. She loses the first round, is able to figure her out, and is just, you know, I mean... She beat Holly, you know, at her own game, Valentina's game, and Holly's game. It was a fantastic fight. Fantastic performance. This is a person who won the third round against Amanda Nunes. I know that was brought up um, throughout the broadcast. But uh, to me, and last thing I'll ask you before we get to the questions, do you agree with me that, yes, it is a quote-unquote mess, but it's kind of a fun mess, right? I mean, this is what we've been asking for in that division. We want contenders. Nobody's head and shoulders above the rest. Everybody's yeah. a few fights away. It's yeah. exciting. The, when, the, the moment Holly Holm beat Ronda Rousey, that division became very exciting again, and even more so to this point. Now we're, it's, it's, it's completely wide open. Nobody's been dominant. Um, now there's people who will say that you know the belt being passed around is not a good thing. I tend to lean toward uh, the idea that dominant champions, especially when you know there's a lot of them, can, can be kind of boring. I, I think... Um, this is more exciting. We've got a lot of exciting matchups. And then there's non-title matchups that are, that are exciting as well. So I'm all for this division uh, right now. I, I think it's exciting. True or false? Yep. Holly Holm will hold the UFC championship again. Let's think about who she would face. Uh, I'm going to go with true. True or false? Ronda Rousey will hold the UFC title again. I'm also going to go with true. Wow, it's a lot of trues, man. Can't have two two champions come, you know, come no, back no. and take their belts. I think I think both of those are true. All right. Um, and I could see it happening either way as well. I could see Ronda winning and Holm beating her, mm-hmm. and I could see, uh, I could see Holm winning and Ronda beating her uh, to reclaim a belt. I, could, I I think both will will uh, Jeez. reclaim so the this, championship. This thing at some is going to keep changing hands. I think it will. Okay. Let's talk about who's ne- who's next for the title shot. Yeah, is it Valentina? Was that performance enough to get her the title shot? Is it Juliana? It's Juliana. Okay, wait, wait, wait. We know already that if Ronda's coming back, it's her. Yeah, sure. Uh, but let's just say she's not coming back in the next six months, right? Let's just say she's not the answer because that's the obvious answer, right? I go yep. with Juliana. 
Uh, I think she's done enough. But, I think she's undefeated in the UFC. She won the Ultimate Fighter. Um, I think that, you know, I, I want to see that fight. We just saw the Nunez Shevchenko fight. I don't think Nunez has gone a thousand times better since March. I do think a five round fight could play out very differently. But Absolutely. we just saw it, and I think it hurts her a little bit in that regard. Does, Under any other set of circumstances, you beat Holly Holm, you should get a title shot. Do, but I think Juliana deserves it. Does this help her? Does the fact that this card was billed as Holly Holm and everybody else, um, defeating Holly Holm in, this, in these circumstances, does that help her? Does that 1,000% it helps her. But I still kind of feel like... I don't know. I, I, I just feel like you got to reward Juliana winning the Ultimate Fighter, beating everyone they put in front of her, beating Katzingano. Um, I think she's done enough, and I want to see her get that title shot. She, you know, she's entertaining. She's she cut she's a hell selling. Of a promo yeah, today. She, I just look. It, it's not all about that, but unfortunately for Shevchenko, she just fought Nunez, and you know, again, I don't I don't think it's egregious if you make that fight. But I think it's weird to skip over Pena at this point. Um, and so, yeah, I'd like to see that. And I think that there are options for Shevchenko. Uh, you know, you can go the Misha Tate route. You can go maybe the Sarah McMahon route, who's been vocal. She has an interview up on the site with Mark Ramundi. There are some options for her. Um, I'd like to see her maybe get one more. And I think for her own good, getting a l- maybe trying to go for a fight where there's a finish. I mean, it's not all about that, but maybe one more win could help her Q rating, so to speak. So that, that's what I would do. If Ronda's not available, I go with Juliana Pena next. For what it's worth, I am with you. Juli- I think Juliana's resume looks good. She She's talking the talk. She's walking the walk. Um, I think it's Juliana. I, and, I, and I think Juliana Pena versus Men Noon is a fun fight. Absolutely. And we haven't seen it. Let's do that one. Okay. Three of the last five cards have been headlined by women. Yeah. Are you, sub- are you surprised by how women have been, been accepted in MMA and the UFC specifically compared to other sports? It's not often that that women would get top billing. Yeah. Um, this is a very uh, interesting scenario that we're, we're dealing with right now. You know, one of the interesting things to witness over the last couple of years in, in our sport is this, this sport at times can be filled with a lot of bros and alpha males and people <laughs> who aren't very culturally sensitive and things of that nature. But you can make a very strong case that as far as sports are concerned, this is one of the more progressive sports out there. In very few other sports, perhaps tennis and golf, and I don't even know if golf is in that discussion right this moment because there's no real massive stars. Tennis 100% is. That you can put you know, um, a, a, a female fight or female competitors, female athletes on the same footing as their male counterparts and no one bats an eye. Headlining a UFC pay-per-view with two females is not a big deal at all. No one feels like they're not getting their money money's worth. No one complains. No one, I mean, of course, there's going to be some vocal minority out there, but they are 100% as far as acceptance is concerned at the same level. And now they may not get the same kind of, I don't know, money, things of that nature. That stuff is very hard to gauge because those numbers aren't official. But who would have ever thought that a sport like mixed martial arts would be like that? And also interesting that in, in boxing, it's the complete opposite. Could you imagine headlining an HBO show? I mean, the history of HBO boxing and Showtime boxing, I wonder what the answer to this question is. How many times have females headlined one of those telecasts? In their history, I don't even know if it is three times. So we've just had three in the last five in the UFC. You know what I mean? And Absolutely. I don't. Do you, I, I can't even answer the question. I don't know why. I, maybe it's the talent level. Maybe well, it's I the way the I sport is. All right, tell me. The, and and I didn't think of it until just this moment. In the UFC and in MMA, 
women fight by the same rules. They have the same rule set. They have the same regulations. Um, in other sports, women's sports, uh, the, the, the rules, the, the boundaries, everything is different. Not everything. That, that's, that's a mischaracterization. Uh, but there are different rules in place. Smaller ball this, uh, different yeah. pitching mound this, less sets, whatever the case may be. In MMA, yeah. they are, everything is equal. The, the females get into the same cage as the males, same size, uh, have the same rules in place. Um, and I think that actually goes a long way. And I didn't even think of that until now. But I think that's an important factor in this in that um, they're not treated as differently. So they aren't different. Um, and it's kind of uh, I'm kind of proud of that. I think MMA is, is important in this in this regard. On the biggest weekend, arguably in the history of the sport, uh, you had a Friday night show headlined by two women you had UFC 200, and I know there were circumstances that played into this, headlined by two women. You had the prelims headlined by two women. That Wednesday, you had the prelims headlined by two women. Uh, this past Saturday, you had the prelims, excuse me, you had the main event headlined by two women. Um, you also had the opener, Felice Harry, Kylan Curran, headlined by two women. This weekend, the co-main event is headlined by two women. It's, it's unbelievable. Um, and I never feel like I'm not getting my money's worth. In fact, you know, again, I, I feel like the fights are pound for pound just as, if not more, entertaining at times. Now, there's less female fights, so we're playing with a, a, you know, a shorter, more shallow pool. But they have, uh, they have certainly earned their right at the table. And who would have thought Ronda Rousey not being a factor in 2016 and no one feels that she's missing? Of course, we'd love to have her back. She brings a lot of attention. But no one feels like anything is lacking. No one feels like we're missing out as far as competition is concerned. Stories are concerned. They are 100% for real. It, they are as equal as possible with their male counterparts. And yep. uh, it is somewhat surprising when it comes to MMA because, uh, you know, you could say that at times this isn't a very progressive sport or no one could have se seen this coming given the trajectory of the sport. But wow, what a shocker. Yep. And Invicta this Friday. There's, it's, it's a. Uh, and Invicta coming back this Friday and they're doing their thing. Yeah. It's. Um, and Beltor had their. Th I mean, Beltor goes a little bit. I I'd like to see Beltor take women's MMA a little more seriously. Uh, I think at times it's a bit transparent what they're doing, and of course there's a market for that. But you gotta, you gotta check off both boxes. Sure, it can't just be about looks. You you gotta find those ones who are you know, for your sake, if they're good looking, great. But they have to be great fighters as well. First and foremost, that needs to be the first box. The other stuff is gravy, and that helps with male fighters as well. It's just not talked about as much and not done as egregiously. Yeah. But you need to you need to find great fighters, and the rest will follow. Um, and, and I think that they're a little too blatant with that. Would you agree? Yes. You don't have to hesitate. There's nothing wrong about saying that. I get what they're doing. It's just a little too blatant. You got to find the talented and you got like, I don't even know who's the champion at 125. Do they even have a champion at 125? Do they even have a champion at 145? It's very strange. Like what are the, I need to know what's the point of these fights? Are they just fights? Is it window dressing? Well, they don't have a chance. They, they set up that title fight. Uh, for yeah. 145 with Marluce and, and Alexis, but she missed weight and therefore um, it wasn't a title fight and we, we know how that goes, but um, I, I'm with you on that for mm. sure. Okay. No love By the way, Bo Durr, or is it Durre? Bo Durr, longtime journalist, very well respected, tells uh, me on Twitter, not sure I agree that most women's sports have different rules than men, not soccer, not track, not skiing, etc. You can make a case in this country that women's soccer 
is starting to become as popular not, as men's soccer. But what's your response to that? Certainly not all, but I mean, if we're thinking of you, the the you mentioned uh, tennis, yeah, tennis completely different. Um, tennis in this different. country, but tennis WNBA, accepted just as much softball, as men's tennis. Sure, but rule sets different. Sure, sure. Um, I just think I, at the end of the day, I just think of like the NBA on on ABC, and if they did a double header, and the first game was Warriors Cavs and the second game was the Minnesota Lynx versus the New York Liberty. No one's sticking around for the no. second game. And that's just yep. that's just the facts. Uh you do a pay per view headline by the best men and then you you know or co headline and then you put the, the females in the headliner. No one's complaining, no one's saying that this is ridiculous. No one's turning off the T V if they're, you know, of the same talent level. So I think that's very that's very much worth noting. Okay. Uh Edson Barbosa this person is suggesting that he didn't get a lot of love for his win uh, this weekend. He's a, he's a contender in, a ta- in one of the most talent-rich divisions in the UFC. He's good-looking, speaks English. His English has come a long way. Um, Ed's, Ed's yeah. incredible. Fan-friendly fighting style. Can't argue with that. The mm-hmm. guy delivers. Mm-hmm. Um, marketable, but not getting much love. What, what do you think about his progress? What do you think about where he is now? Is he ready for a title shot? Give us your thoughts on Edson's package. Well, uh, I, phrasing. Yes. Uh, give us your thoughts on Edson's. Uh, what he's done as of late, yes. his there his resume. Um, we can't forget that not that long ago, in fact, back in December, which was just you know seven eight months ago, he did lose to Tony Ferguson. So talking about him getting a title shot before Ferguson, you know, ever sniffs that title shot, and he's still undefeated in this little run of his, I think eight in a row, is a little crazy. But I think there's a clear correlation between his move to New Jersey full-time and being a part of that team led by Henry with Eddie Alvarez there, with Frankie Edgar there, with Marlon Marais there. I mean, they really quietly have one of the best teams in the world. And um, the, the proof is in the pudding. He beats Anthony Pettis, perfect game plan, back in April. And he beats Gilbert Melendez, perfect game plan, this past Saturday. He, in my opinion, is one fight away from being in that contender discussion and i'd love to see him fight rafael dos Anjos next i think that's the fight i think it makes a ton of sense i know rda is coming off a loss but that doesn't really matter these days and it was a title loss so it especially doesn't matter in this case barbosa rda is the fight to make love that to barbosa um and i don't think he's not getting the love i mean to me i felt like that was very much a two-fight card as far as like really serious important fights and everyone was talking about that fight i mean there, there was a big I thought there was a big gap between the top two fights and the rest of the card in, as far as talent is concerned. There were some up-and-comers, no doubt, but you know, that was the elite of the elite um, in the co-main event and main, main event, in my opinion. And Barbosa put on a show. Now, it was 30-27. to 27, It was a little closer than that. But uh, what he displayed was, I mean, Gilbert Melendez, yes, coming off a year layoff, you know, that may have come into play, but he was super game, super tough. Barbosa was just better. Yeah. Um I'm not necessarily with you about him not getting a title shot before Ferguson. Nobody loves Tony Ferguson's style and game more than me. Um, but timing is everything with this. He may just, you know, all he has to do is put himself in position and the timing may work out that he gets it first. It God, just, if you're Ferguson, your head will explode if that happens. It's just the way, I mean, that's the, the current state. It's, it's, uh, yeah. it's how it rolls. Um, but sh- sir, I, I don't think anybody can argue that Tony Ferguson doesn't deserve a shot. That, that's for sure. Okay. Do you agree that Habib should get it next? I think so. I think he's been, you know, waiting, but you can't. You twenty three and zero. You can't reliably book him. You just can't. Oh, I see. What do you mean? Is that is no, that, no? You, you feel like I, that's trite? I don't because no, I feel like it's legit. It sucks, but uh, you know he, you know he was healthy in his last fight. He he went through a full camp. He says he's doing things smarter. I think at this point you're punishing him. He went through one full fight camp. If it was 
you know, the first fight upon returning, bit of a different story, I've, but I don't know. I've long said I think he's the best lightweight in the world. I think he's the champion in waiting. I think he beats everybody else in that division, but it's it's not only about, you know, can you fight them when you're ready and healthy and, and all that. It, it's it's a two-way street. Um, what's next for Gilbert Melendez? Did you, how did you think of his performance? Hmm. Aaron uh, uh, here is saying he looked a little bit slow. Um, what do you think about Gilbert? No, I still think he has some fighting left in him. Um, you know, a fight that could have been interesting at this juncture because they're they're both in a weird spot would be a rematch with him and Anthony Pettis. I think that would be interesting. Mm. But Pettis going down to 145, he's fighting Charles Oliveira. Um, it's Cerrone is up at 170. I don't know why they keep Cerrone in that 155 rankings. It doesn't make any sense to me. Um, you know, I was thinking about this. Perhaps the returning Michael Chiesa would be an interesting litmus test for Chiesa to see if he's really in Because I still think that Melendez is one of the best, even though he's not currently ranked. Um, I don't hate the idea of Will Brooks versus Chiesa. Mm. Some people were talking about Brooks versus Barbosa, and I know, um, I know Brooks even called out Barbosa this morning. I mean, I wouldn't hate that if they booked it, but I think there's a bit of a gap there. For I, I'd like to see Barbosa go up and and fight an RDA. Um, so yeah, th- those two came to mind uh, when when thinking about uh, Melendez. Um, you know, him and Iaquinta have some unfinished business because they were booked to fight each other. But all signs point to Iaquinta fighting Tiago Alves in New York, at least as of right now. So those were the names that came to mind when I was thinking about what's next for Melendez. I like all those. Did you just burp? What's wrong with you? couldn't hit the cough box um i like those um i think uh not only is it a is a litmus test for whoever he's facing but i think it's a litmus test for melendez as well i mean you know he's been facing only top competition for a very long time i think and you know I, i think he's still good i just don't think he's at that championship level anymore so i think it's it'll be interesting to see kind of where his career goes from here um and and a step down from from those guys might be uh what's needed to kind of see where he's at to kind of gauge that and and while we're talking about barbosa's win and shevchenko's win and the rest of that card saturday in chicago i do think it's important to note and i actually heard from from a judge privately um thanking me for this which i didn't expect we bitch and moan about the judging a lot in this sport i thought the judging was super on point saturday uh, they got the Shevchenko one right. They got the Barbosa one right. I mean, by the round, I thought. Mm. And they were good all night. You disagree? I don't disagree, but I don't think we should pat people on the back for doing their job. Yeah, but we bitch when they when they good. mess up. So it's they, a thankless job. No, just say, yo, good job. I think there's nothing wrong with that. If you do a good job on this show, are you saying I shouldn't thank you? I, I say, you know, good work. Thank you. Peace out. I'm waiting for the day. I'll, I'll, oh, that I'll, is bullshit. I'll welcome it gladly. That, you know what? You know, that hurts. Um, uh, listen. I, I understand the and sentiment. And by the way, the reason for that is it has yet to happen. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I I agree with the the idea behind the sentiment, but I don't I don't I don't agree with it in execution. This is their job. This is literally what they are getting paid to do. Yeah, that but more often than not, that. they get it wrong. Yeah, so when so they get it right on the one rare night, I think it's there's nothing wrong with just saying, "Hey, good job, guys. Let's mm. see more of that. Good job, good effort. A little pat on the butt. What's wrong with that?" That never nah, hurt anyone. You, so you don't believe in giving people compliments? Positive in- reinforcement is not my style. What the hell? What's wrong with you? Why are you such an ass? Especially in the case, like, this is, this is what they are sitting in that seat yeah, for. Yeah, guess what? That get, is and, and, all they have to do. And literally getting paid, like, P 
peanuts for it. Nothing. And I'm yet not getting they, and, paid and, peanuts. And, 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 yet, and, yet, and yet they're subjected to this vitriol. And honestly, it's BS that they don't get paid because they're the ones deciding the fate of these six-figure, seven-figure fights. Uh, they should get paid more because they have a lot of power, right? And there's only three rounds, sometimes five rounds. That's it. So they should get paid more. Yeah, you're, you're a softie. So softy. Uh, I'm a nice guy. I don't want them to get anything for doing so, their job. So we shouldn't have, we sh- we shouldn't have acknowledged it. No. Nope. BS. Move on to something. Well, I could tell you one judge. He appreciated it. I'm sure he did. What is it going to do? Is he going to go out and give a crap score in his next fight? No. Uh, how do you see the future of the heavyweight division? This person uh, mentions his... Uh, mentions his, What the hell did I just say? Mentions yeah. uh, two talents. Bad job there. <laughs> see, there you go. You, where, where's the comments? For, uh, where's the compliments for how eloquently I read all the yeah, rest of the, yeah, yeah, the comments? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, Francis Ngannou yes. and Derek Lewis. These, yes. these are two up-and-coming heavyweights. Well, what do you think of the state of the division? This one's often, you know, considered kind of old, kind of stale. Yeah, it's um, fun. Right now, we've got some prospects. Um, are, are you excited about this division in the future? That felt like a bit of a mismatch. Bojan, right? I mean... I mean, it's hard. Mwah. You know, Francis... We're trying is, to build people, I he's know. He's a bit of an unknown quantity as well. Like, it's not like, you know, he was this established, you know, quantifiable, uh, you know, Item, I think this fight goes a long way toward toward establishing that. It's it's been a few in a row. Um, I'm with you. Look, it wasn't you know competitive. It wasn't it wasn't the best fight. But um, I'm, I think that this is on the right track. That heavyweight is getting a bit of an infusion of, of characters and talents. I mean, you can even go with Ben Rothwell, who's been around a long time, but his this 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 version of him, this iteration, is even new. Uh, I think there's a lot of like cool things kind of happening at heavyweight. You have to be very careful when you book the heavyweights. Because there's such a shortage of good ones that, you know, you, the wrong booking here or there. And you're like, ah, eh, you know, we just invested in this guy two, three fights and now he loses. That's why I don't like the Derek Lewis fight. That's why I feel like you need to start, you need to build those guys up a little more. And I think Lewis has had a little more more time uh, in the cage, especially coming off a win over Roy Nelson. You're going from Roy Nelson to Francis Ngannou. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. No, I, I don't think this person was matching them up. No, but everyone on Saturday was saying oh, that. Oh, I didn't. I, uh, so that's why I definitely I, agree with you there. I slowly, slowly build up Frenzies. Yep. Slowly, slowly, and 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 Lewis is, Lewis is definitely in that discussion. Um, I don't think he's in the title discussion, but you beat Roy Nelson, especially like that. I know he's disappointed that he didn't finish him, but that is very notable in my opinion. Let's and look at these. He damn sure got close to finishing him. He hit him with the kitchen sink. So there are some big fights coming up in the uh, heavyweight division. Josh Barnett fighting against yeah. uh, Rothwell, right? Yeah, but is I mean, that's that's another case. We're looking at some of the same names. No. Like you know, we're looking at at the guys who have been at the Barnett, top. Barnett for... Arlovsky, sorry, Barnett Arlovsky and Rothwell against. Um, uh, Verdum. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. No, what I'm saying is like those two matchups, for example, are just, you know, matchups that we've seen not if it wasn't this exact fight, you know, swap the opponents in it and we've seen it. Sure, it's sure, the sure. same names kind of regurgitated over and over. And I feel like, you know, finally it looks like we may be getting some newer ones. Yeah, you know, uh Derek Lewis versus Stefan Struve I think is fun. Awesome. Um I think that uh if Mark Hunt wasn't involved in this mess of a situation, that would have been a fun fight as well. Derek Lewis. Um, That's a banger. Yeah. So I think that there are options. I, I say slow our roll. Francis, let him work his way up. Don't get too crazy. But yes, uh, it's good to have some some names to get excited about in that division. A division where I think there's only like one 30-year-old in the entire top 15. Yeah. Okay. Melvin Guillard and yes. Paul Daly. Yes. He returned Friday night, denounced lightweight, called out 
Thank Paul God. Daly at welterweight. Um, what do you think of that matchup? Do you, do you think they have to do Daly Koscheck? Do you think they have to hold no. out for that? And talk about you know you know uh, booking something and it doesn't come to fruition because of injuries. How many times? Uh, yes, I want to see that fight. That's the fight. I like when someone calls out someone when he has a plan. I'm so happy that Gallard has said no more lightweight. Enough is enough. He's missed weight countless times at this point. Uh, no. His body just can't make it anymore. Just forget about it. You're not in the title chase. Just stop doing it. Do you, Go, 170 daily, perfect. Love it. Do you think he was planning this before? Or do you think after he missed weight, he was like, you know what? Let me game plan right here. I'm looking for a welterweight. This fight makes sense. Let me go after him. You know, it's hard to answer that question without speaking to him. I, I can see both answers happening, being true, being accurate. Um, but whatever the case is, that's a brilliant idea. And, and Coker <laughs> retweeted it. And Daly wrote on his Facebook page that, that he likes it as well. Daly coming off that number one contender loss to Douglas Lima. That's a great fight. And the shit talking is going to be great. And it's going to be... Has, it's going to be great. Has Paul Daly gotten on Twitter yet? Has no. this happened? I don't know what's wrong with him. He's, he's great on the Facebook, guy. though. He's, I don't he's understand very good these on Facebook it. guys. What do you mean? It just doesn't make sense to me, Facebook. Maybe I've ruined my Facebook page because yeah. long ago I, I added too many people and, and now it's just, it's not fun. I go on there and I'm like, I don't know who you are. I, I, yeah. I, I, I literally do not know who you are. And you just had a baby and I guess I'm happy for you, but I don't know who you are. So it's hard to really, truly be happy for you. Um, speaking of which, I loved all the tweets that I got last week of people showing me where they were listening to the show. Did you get those as well? I got a few, yeah. It was nice. Um, send, them, send them our way. We're always interested. I'm um, expecting a, a bath time tweet from John Gooden. Yes. Get on that. Uh, I actually want to see a picture this time. What do you mean? He sent it before, I think. I don't know if I've Run, ever seen running, it. Running the bath, as they say. I, I've seen the emoji. I've seen the <laughs> tweets. I've never actually seen the physical evidence. Anyway, um, oh, no. I thought that was a text from John Gooden telling me about it. Uh, what was I talking about? Now I forgot. <laughs> you were talking about Facebook and how... Oh, yeah. Why is he so... He's on the Facebook hey, thing. He, it's it's just, just his medium. I get it. I don't, I'm don't. i not a Facebook person myself, but I get it. Do it I, like Mark Hunt. Just link the two. Yeah, that's Mark fair. Mark Hunt that's is fair. prolific on he, the social media. Who would have oh, thought? Oh, he's great. Speaking of which, is um, wow. Mark Hunt waking up? The, this next question, okay, how about go this? Ahead. We're on the topic. Perfect. Apropos. If Brock doesn't appeal his uh, potential drug test failure and his hand is a suspension, do you think it, it brings into question his career, his credibility, affects future Hall of Fame things? How does this essentially, let's say Brock never competes again yeah. in MMA or the UFC, how does this affect his legacy? How does this affect his credibility with, with the UFC, with the Hall of Fame, all of that? By the way, worth noting... That uh, since we last spoke, Brock failed the second test. Correct. Uh, so since we last spoke, it came out, I believe, on Tuesday, not a Friday. How about that? <laughs> um, although we did get a PED suspension on a Friday afternoon, and it was interesting. I was in the car listening to the radio, and the news came out that Arthur Jones, the brother of John Jones, suspended four games due to violating the NFL PED policy. And the <laughs> the, the the broadcaster on the radio mentioned, is like, oh, Friday, great call, NFL. You know, they were saying the same thing that I was talking about last week, the, the PR 101 savvy move. Anyhow, uh, so yeah, he, he failed two tests. We have yet to hear from him. We don't really know what, what's going to happen. I heard that Randy Orton threw some shade his way on the WWE pay-per-view last, uh, last night. Did you hear about that? I did not. Supposedly, he said that I'm going to RKO you and I don't need any supplements or substances Oof. or something like that. Yeah, interesting. How about that? That's a shoot. That's a shoot, brother. Wait, have they, have they, has WWE has addressed it, right? I forget. Uh, they, they sent out a, um, a non-statement after the first failed drug test. But the reason I bring that up is 
the word on the street is is that he is not subjected to very stringent drug testing in WWE. I don't know what the level of it is, but it's certainly not USADA. I think that's very fair to say. And so, yeah, this if he does not have a good reason for this, estrogen blockers, which any long-time steroid user or weightlifter or any one of those people in that world will tell you is a very problematic thing to have in your system. Um, if he doesn't address it in any kind of way and takes this one on the chin, I do think it affects him. Now, what does the UFC Hall of Fame really mean? I mean, it's not, you know, whatever. But the real Hall of Fame, I've said after his Overeem fight, I, I would put him on a Hall of Fame ballot. These type of things, they, they affect your legacy. It has changed the way I view Anderson Silva. It has changed the way I view Brock, although I think, I think we need to reserve judgment on him. It's changed the way I viewed a lot of other people as well. Uh, so, yeah, I think that is a real thing, and that's a fair question. I'm with you, and I mean... Down with the cheaters. Yeah. You know, we, we have to hold out until we know the, the full, uh, you know, story, the, the scope of, of what actually is happening. But clearly, um, if this comes to light that um, he willingly cheated, I mean, there, there's nothing else to say, but it, it, will, it will affect his life. Does it greatly. hurt John Jones that his brother tested positive? No. I mean, you know, people will try to make that connection, but no. All right. Um, Brock not being fined by the UFC. They said they weren't going to yeah. institute any penalty there. Uh, it doesn't seem like Hunt's going to get his demands. No. Uh, Joanna Champion. Yeah. Openly supporting it. Respect. TJ Dillashaw starting to speak out after, yeah. after the UFC was sold. Is, are we moving toward a fighter union? Is, are the tides changing? Yes. Is this the beginnings of 100%. it? 100%. Um, now, whether it takes 10 years, 5 years, 6 years, 8 years, who knows? But this is, this is the beginning of that chapter, in my opinion. Uh, and it's not just this. It's the sale. It's the TV deal coming up. We were talking about this on The Beat. There's a great article in the uh, Sports Business Journal. Sorry. I'm laughing. After you, like, did you burp? No, <laughs> you just burped like three times. Well, but at least I was moving away and you yeah, didn't yeah. hear it. It was, not, uh, that th- was bad th- th- There's a sale in the uh, Sports Business Journal written by two amazing um, sports business Sports TV business writers, John Orand and Michael Smith. And they wrote this very, very, very in-depth story on the UFC sale. The players involved, the offers, things of that nature. And, and they said that one of the reasons why it was sold for $4 billion, um, is that they are banking on the next round of TV deals, the Fox deals up in two years, two, two plus years, um, they're banking on it going from around 110, 15 million to around 400 million a year. Think about that. That is a massive jump. Now, it's not quite NBA, NFL, but it's a big jump. And as we've outlined on this show, the fighters currently make zero percentage of that money. So you're profiting all of that. And of course, you're paying for production costs and the UFC runs production. I mean, it's not just going straight in your pocket, but you get what I'm saying. None of that, no 50 50 split, none of that. So. I think that the fighters are starting to smarten up and saying, wait a second, look at these NBA guys. What are we getting? Oh, and the Reebok deal as well. Uh, MMA Junkie noting that Holly made just $2,500 in sponsorships, main eventing on Fox, over 2.4 million people watching. Those were the preliminary ratings, made $2,500 in sponsorships. I mean, the, the, it's almost like their hand is being forced. It's almost like they're, they're, you know, they're, they're fooling themselves if they don't do it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I mean, you have to do it. At this point, there needs to be collective bargaining. Um, they're starting to recognize that, yeah, USADA's cool, but we should have had a say in this whole thing. Yeah, these rules about you know what weight you should be coming checking in on Tuesday before a Saturday fight is cool and all, but we should have a say in this whole thing. 
yeah, I guess being sponsored by a mainstream blue chip sponsor like Reebok is cool, but we should have a say in this whole thing. Yeah, it's cool to be on Fox, but we should have a say in this whole thing. I mean, you just have to have a say. You can't just sign away. And 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 as TJ Dillashaw outlined very well, I thought, on my favorite show, Stud Show Radio, um, they claim to be independent contractors, but they're not. They're treated as employees. The USADA thing, having to tell your quote-unquote employer where you are at all times, that's not an independent contractor. I, I think we all know what an independent contractor does for a living. Uh, he does not have to check in with someone 24-7, 365. You get hired for a one-shot here or there, and then you go along your merry way. They are treated as employees. Um, and so, yeah, there's, there's a lot going on. There's talks, there's this and that. I do think when we look back on history, and I always like to equate this to 1920s football. You've heard me say that a thousand times on this show. We will look at this, and, and yes, work has been done. We can't ignore the MMAFA and the antitrust and all that. That is significant to some degree. Um, but I do think that this year, last 12 months or so, really will signify the winds starting to turn in that direction. And I think the fighters are getting smarter too, by the way. And, and they're being surrounded by smarter people as well. Smarter managers, smarter agents, etc. UFC 201, coming off a stint of events where the most stacked cards have turned out to be lackluster and the events that are a little lower profile yes. have turned out to be incredibly exciting. I don't know if that's even this stint. That seems to happen in general. Um, but Sean, the, the person who asked this, is looking for a reason to be excited about UFC 201. Wow. Jeez. Do you have anything for Jeez. him? Do Look you, at me. Are you looking at anything? Ironic that-, that you would ask the negative guy to try to sell you on a pay-per-view. Um, that's a joke, by the way. Uh, I will be in Atlanta. I am looking forward to it. You know, our Y'all Must Have Forgot clip, which we sort of breezed by this week because there's just too much to talk about, too many guests, etc., um, was my very first interview with Tyron Woodley. You can look it up. It's May of 2010. And it's fascinating to look back on that interview because he was saying all the right things back then. And I know that his title shot has been somewhat polarizing. And I know that um, a lot of people wanted to see others get that shot first. But I am genuinely happy for Tyron Woodley, who has done all the right things, who has not cut corners, and who was supposed to fight Johnny Hendricks back in October when fighting Johnny Hendricks was a bigger deal. It did not happen. He made weight. He went out there in front of the people, stepped on the scales, made it 170, I think, 0.4, and said, I'm going to get my title shot because that's what was at stake. And they sort of promised him that title shot, and he made them stick to, to their guns. And I like that. And I don't mind that. And I think that the promo is a little bit hokey. And I think that they actually missed the boat on the countdown show because they have a history, as he outlined on this show, that they completely ignored. Robbie and Tyron do. Um, they just kind of went generic. But I think Robbie Lawler versus Tyron Woodley is a very fun fight. If you forget about the other options, if you forget about his layoff, the fact that he hasn't fought in a year and a half, all that stuff, Robbie Lawler versus Tyron Woodley in 2016 is a fun fight. And then when you look at Rose Namajunas, who I think is one win away from fighting for the belt, as is Karolina Kovalkiewicz, you can go... You could go right in both ways there. Rose versus Joanna is a great fight. And then you have, you know, Poland versus Poland. Civil war, so to speak. If Carolina wins, I think that's fun as well. I think seeing perhaps the most famous um, fighter who currently lives with his parents, Ian McCall, <laughs> returning to action against Justin Scoggins is, uh, is fun as well. Uh, sort of Jake Ellenberger's last stand against uh, Matt Brown. The always 
entertaining Nikita Krylov versus Ed Herman. I'm starting to stretch a little bit, but you get my point. No, that's, <laughs> I, I think you've summed it up and, and there's something played there. it appropriately. There's something there. Uh, you know, I've never been to Atlanta. That's exciting. Well, now we're just getting into <laughs> selfish Ariel Holani over here. Uh, oh, I get to go to Atlanta. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, our, our good friend, Danny Segura's favorite fighter, Goyito Perez returning. That's a good fight right Will there. Will he wear the mask? That against is against Francisco Rivera. Uh, how about our good friend, friend of the show, Masvidal going up against Pearson, right? Jorge yep. Masvidal going up against uh, Ross Pearson. So there are some names there. Uh, Wilson Hayes, you know, it's a bummer he doesn't get that title shot. And we have to remember that DJ was originally booked for this card. So uh, that's a bummer, but he is remaining on the card. So there's there's something there. I like Michael Graves as well. He's fun. So if you look, you'll find something there. I'm with you. You know, it. look, let's be frank. It's not the best card on paper. No. Um, you can make a case that it's the weakest UFC pay-per-view since UFC 177. Now, that one was hit by an entry or missed, you know, missed weight cut and all that stuff with Hen and Burrell. But even the rest of the card, like the coming event at the time was Tony Ferguson versus Danny Castillo on pay-per-view. And if you look at it, you can make that case, in my opinion. Yeah, and, it, you know, it'd be hard to defend this card as, you know, amazing and whatever, you know. It, it's not the best card, but we'll be frank. But I think there are good close matchups and there's something that people can look for here i have a feeling if you sit down and watch it you'll be entertained on saturday i I feel like something's about i feel something big is going to happen i feel like next week on the show we'll talk about something big i mean it seems to always happen that way right that's true okay i'm leaving you with this and then i'm getting our next guest yes what are your thoughts on the announced lineup for tough 24 oh yes all the champions um there's higher stakes what do you think about that while i go get michael venovich yeah and, and worth mentioning as well that uh there's also Invicta, the return of Alexa Grasso. They put out a great promo for Grasso. She has been hit by injury. She hasn't fought since the night before UFC 184. Um, she's competing against Jody Escabel. Irene Aldana is also competing. Jasmine Duke, Megan Anderson, Mizuki Inoue. There are some names. Aspen Ladd. Uh, it's, a, it's a pretty solid card from Invicta. And also World Series of Fighting has a card on... Saturday as well, their 32nd card. Marlon Moraes returns his final fight under contract for WSOF, rematch against Josh Hill, and uh, Lance Palmer against Alexander Almeida, rematch as well for the featherweight title. Brother versus brother, Ben Fodor, a.k.a. Phoenix Jones versus Carlos Fodor, and Phil Haas returning against Luis Taylor. That's a, that's a fun card as well. It's a shame it's the same night as uh, UFC 201, but the main card starts at 10.30, uh, anyhow, Tough 24, uh, I actually don't mind it. Um, I mean, we've talked ad nauseum about that show and its troubles, but there were some interesting names. Yoni Sherbatov out of Quebec, uh, Damasio Page returning, um, Tim Elliott, formerly of the UFC as well. So yeah, there were some interesting names on that cast. All former champions, or I should say current champions from other organizations outside of the UFC will be vying for a title shot, although I do believe that Luis Smolka should probably get a title shot before any of those guys now winning four in a row. But yeah, there, there are some good names, and I'm curious to see how it all plays out. I wish that they would give it a whole new look. I wish that they, they, they would allow these guys to live in separate houses with their coaches and teams. This is such a big deal. They're champions. They certainly deserve that. I wish they would really shake up this whole damn thing and make it look a lot different, make it feel different, get it out of that house, Get it out of that gym. You know what I mean? Really shake it up. But we'll see. 
All right, let's move along to our next guest. Uh, he is joining us from jolly old England. In fact, Mama knows my parents are in England right now. Maybe he's seen them. Michael Page, Michael Venom Page, MVP on the phone right now. Michael, are you there? Yes, how are you doing? Have you seen my parents? <laughs> I don't believe I have just yet. It's All right. probably a bit too cloudy to find them. Uh, look, look for the people with the big noses. They'll be walking around. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, good to have you on the show. Congratulations on your most recent win. Uh, what a yeah! Thank you very much. What a bizarre story this is because uh, the 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 fight happens midday here in the United States. People yeah. are buzzing because of your knockout, because of your celebration. It was like top trending thing on Twitter. Over a million people are watching on YouTube, and then yeah. and so it's all feeling good. Everything's happy, and then we get the news that. Cyborg suffered a fractured skull, and then we all start to feel uneasy about it. What about for you? Was it yeah. hard to feel good about the win after you heard about that? Yeah, a hundred percent. And it's even harder when the first, um, you know, the first news feed that I, I got of it, my brother actually read out um, fatal injury to Cyborg. So I was, oh. uh, excuse my friend, shitting myself, man, because. You know, see, that's not something that we, that's not something you want to be a part of. You know what I mean? That's not that's not why we do this. Yeah. Um. So obviously, obviously, yeah, we had. We you know I found out a bit more. I was constantly you know, trying to phone people and figure out what was going on. Um. I found out, yeah, you know, he he was okay, but you know, it's still a severe injury. Um. But yeah, it was just it was just very hard to. It was a weird weird moment because you know you're like you say you're trying to you're trying to enjoy what's going on. I mean, you know, you're just you're just sitting there worried about you know your opponent. Um, so yeah, it was, a, it was a weird feeling. How soon after the fight did you find out that he had suffered that kind of injury? It was the next day. Oh wow! Um, weirdly enough, because obviously once I, I finished the fight, he he turned face down. Yeah. Um, I did my celebration when 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 you know when when the kind of I kind of finished kind of celebrating and doing what I was doing. He was already at the cage. So I never actually saw him in any way. Um, so the first time I never saw him again, because obviously he went to hospital. So the first time I uh, saw it was that newsfeed and the picture that came out with it. So wow. yeah. Um, um, sorry, when you landed the knee, could you feel? Is it possible to feel that something went wrong there? No, I heard a I heard a sound. I, in all yeah. honesty, I thought it was his nose. And again, by the way, he was he's still conscious. You know, what I mean? he was still yeah. picking his legs. Obviously in pain, but he, he, you know, I, I, still, I just thought you know I caught his nose uh, or, or maybe even his jaw. But just again, the way his uh, hands were, it, it more seemed to be nose than anything. And um, so again, you know, broken nose. I've, I've seen guys with that in the gym. It's not it's not a hard fix. Um, so again, it wasn't something I was worried about immediately. I was just kind of again, just happy about happy about the win, happy about landing the shot that you know I've been I've been uh, I've been training for. So uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't notice anything at all. Um, I said afterwards on Monday uh, that you know when you see something like that, you start to ask yourself like, what, you know, what are we doing? What's going on in the sport? I mean, you, you kind of have this sort of moment of self reflection. You were in, in yeah. there. You're the one who landed the knee, and I don't think you deserve one ounce of criticism, and I'll get to that in a second. But do you have that moment yeah. as well? Like, is it hard to go right back in the gym when you see a picture like that, a fractured skull after you land the flying knee? It just makes you think, like, as you say, to think a bit more about the sport, and, and, and uh, not in a selfish way, but kind of relate it to yourself. Like, man, because obviously we're both uh, aiming to inflict that kind of uh, damage, but obviously, obviously not. 
Um, but it, it, it can potentially happen to either or fighter, so it does make you think about the sport and what, and what, and what you are doing. Um, but at the same time, like we kind of know what we're signing up for, and it is something that we enjoy as a sport, not to not to damage people or do anything bad for their careers or anything afterwards. It is it is the sport inside the you know the mental side, the physical side that we have to we do we really enjoy it. So. Um, yeah, it's just a shame that these things happen, and, and lucky it doesn't happen very often. So, um, you know, it's a good thing. Um, so, I, I, I defended you very much last week. I said that you don't deserve any criticism, obviously, because what you did wasn't illegal. But even anyone pointing out that you were celebrating, you had no idea what was going on, and you have been consistent throughout your entire career. You've always had the had these outlandish celebrations and you're a very entertaining yeah. guy you like a little mustard on your hot dog and we talked about that when you were in studio and i thought that you were yeah. a gentleman and a class act on twitter when talking about cyborg but shortly after the fight he told our guilherme cruz he said quote unquote he's a clown speaking of you the way he behaves is not how a champion should behave he's talented yes yeah. he's skillful and he fought a great fight but does it bother you to hear him say that after what you were saying about him after the fight yeah, it, it does. It did a little bit, to be honest. Um, I was kind of, I was a bit disappointed. Um, as you say, it's not something that uh, he he wasn't unclear about coming into the fight. If you you know paid attention to me, and you know obviously watched me before, you know the the package deal that it comes with. This is what I do. You know what I mean? Um, I'm not saying he has to enjoy it, but I just think the statement didn't need to come out that way. You know, I tried to support him as much as I, I could afterwards as well. But I even, you know, posting out, I even made sure our company put in money, mm. um, uh, a load of money to help, uh, you know, to help raise raise the funds. And, and again, that's that's the, the the celebration is is completely separate to the injury. You know what I mean? And 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 me caring about him as an individual and 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 for his career. So. Um, it was it was just more disappointing uh, when I when I first saw the statement, but may, I think maybe because of how you know how big it got, and maybe um, a little bit embarrassed about about it, or with him being on the on, on the receiving end of it, uh, it could have been the reason why he kind of came out of that statement. But I have no real hard feelings towards him. I just a bit disappointed. And, and, and by the way, for the record, which company contributed money to his GoFundMe account? Oh, uh, it's um, it's my company, uh, the hands down. Oh, um, brand that. Oh, wow. That, so. Well done. Yeah. So. Well done. Yeah, um, thank you. Uh, so the celebration uh, everyone was talking about afterwards, I mean, boy, did you uh, capitalize on something that was very much in the news, uh, the Pokemon celebration. Now, I have to ask you, we had a long discussion about this on the show last week. Do you play this Pokemon yeah. game? Are, are you a Pokemon fan? I, I, I'm going to listen, I've been killing this Pokemon game. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad. It's, it's like, my, my, my girlfriend is just like, listen, you seriously need to stop this. <laughs> wow. What are you doing? We, me and my friends were just like me up and going like, it's, to be fair, it's a good time because the sun's out over here yeah. uh, occasionally anyway. And uh, we just we, we call it pokey walks and we just go around. <laughs> we'll go to the park or something. It's good because it, it keeps us like being social, but then again, not because we're kind of stuck on our phone. Yeah. <laughs> so so um, Michael Page calls up his mates and says, hey, do you want to go outside on a pokey walk? Let's just look at our phones <laughs> and, and walk around like zombies. This actually happens? This actually happens, man. <laughs> um, now, whose idea was it to capitalize on it and and throw the ball and put on the hat and all that? Was that your idea? 
Uh, yeah, you know, it's my um my my brother actually came out of it first, but he never told me. He was just like laughing and joking and said, um, wouldn't it be funny if um you know you did this afterwards? But he was talking to my brother-in-law, and then because they were on their way over to from the states to come and support me over here. So then when they got here, we was all just talking about the new Pokemon game. Like, literally, literally every one of us had it on their fo- on our phones. Yeah. So we were just laughing and joking about just having it full stop. And um, and then again, he, uh, my brother-in-law mentioned what, you know, my brother said. And uh, I was like, I actually loved the idea. So we were laughing and joking about it. You know, my family is, you know, full of, full of laughter, uh, like full of, full of jokers. And then I was like, no, 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 I'm actually going to go and look for it. So we, we went down to Forbidden Planet in, in, in Oxford Street. Um, I found the hat, even though it wasn't the original. I was just looking for something because no shop had it. And then uh, um, in Toys R Us online, I found like the, the, a, a Pokemon ball. So we was like, yeah, I was like, I'm going to make this happen. And I had, I had it visualized in my head. I was like, if I do get the knockout, just make sure you give it to me. And, I'm, and I'll do the rest. And it just, it just literally, the way I... The way I saw it in my head is, is, is the way it happened. So amazing, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the second you landed that, and he was down. And kudos to you for not pouncing on him and throwing extra shots. I think that's worth noting as well. You ran straight for your corner to get the hat and the ball, and you throw the hat. You, yeah. you, you throw the ball towards him. What does that signify? What are you doing there with that ball? I was I was catching a cyborg. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, because there is a cyborg. You know, I never made that connection. I don't know anything. <laughs> that is incredible. So by throwing the ball, you're catching the cyborg. Yeah. <laughs> Holy crap! You are a brilliant man. That is amazing. That is unbelievable. I am taking I a stand. Really... I don't want to play this game. Am I missing out? No. Yeah. You. you I believe you because I'm. I mean, I'm kind of into it at the moment. You're definitely missing out. It's. I like, uh, I feel this, the, the, the more simple games are the best. You know, if I go, if we're going back, um, you know, Tetris, those very basic games are the most kind of addictive because it's so easy to kind of do. And I think this game, um, obviously slightly more complex than what they have to do on it, but the, the general uh, format of how to play the game is very simple. And it just makes it easier to play because I find nowadays, I've got a PlayStation and stuff, but I, just, I don't have time to play it anymore. You know, I get back in from train and I'm just tired. I can't bother to kind of, uh, you know, pick up a pad. So I, it's just sitting there. But these kind of simple games are very just easy to easy to, to, to do. And I just, I find them ones that are the most enjoyable. Were you surprised at how big of a deal? I mean, this was a massive deal. Everyone was talking about it. Even non-MMA fans saw it. Were you surprised how big it got? It was weird because when we were talking about it, we were laughing like, oh, this could be big. This could be big. If I managed to pull this off, this could be really big. I think that would go viral. So we were laughing and joking about it. But to be fair, when it actually happened and the response that I got from, you know, just, just absolutely enough every platform there is, like, like I was seeing it being reposted and talked about. Um, yeah, I was 100%. I didn't, I didn't think it would be that big. Uh, no, nowhere near. And, um, and even, even just the feedback I've got from it, it's just... Yeah, like you say, it's just, it's just it's blown up. I thought of all the fighters on the card, you came across as the biggest star. Uh, you're, you're from England. The fans really took to you. What was the experience like live for you to to be there and, and, and hear them chanting your name? And, you know, you on the mic, it was it was sort of rock-esque, if I'm being honest, yeah. when you said you've returned. I mean, the whole experience of just getting to fight at home at the O2, this legendary arena, what was that like for you? It was, you know, even... Even the way I built, and sometimes you know you can build things up in your head beforehand. And because I was so excited, I I just couldn't help but imagine everything um, beforehand. And and sometimes that can kind of ruin the experience. And if it doesn't kind of 
you know, got, come up to your expectation or, or what you've built it up to be. But this, it literally, it was even way better than I, I, I could have imagined. Um, the, the, just like you say, just the, the response of the crowd, how, how excited everybody was uh, as I came in, during and afterwards. It was just unbelievable. And then what made it even better is to be able to just leave the cage and literally as I'm looking around, I'm seeing my, my kickboxing, uh, you know, my old kickboxing like trainers oh, wow. and friends and from the kickboxing industry, you know, my mum was there, um, my brothers and sisters and everybody was there. I had cousins, I had friends. It was just, just to be able to look around and to see all these people around, which I'd usually have to kind of wait until... Sometimes usually the hype's already kind of died down. Obviously, people are still excited that I've won. But, you know, I usually spend a week out in the States afterwards. And then by the time I get back, it's been a couple of weeks since the fight. And you obviously don't get to see everyone straight away. So it's kind of, it could be like three weeks before I actually see anybody. And um, But just seeing everybody there, was just, it was unbelievable. Unbelievable. Wow. Um, and then you have the great Lennox Lewis, who I, I, I will note, is a Canadian and he turned his back on my country, but I still got love. <laughs> I still got love for the man. He's acting like a fanboy around you, taking pictures of you and, and videotaping your scrum. What was that like for you? Man, it was unbelievable. Like, uh, the, the first time I had a, I did a, I was doing an interview and, um, the guys were like, Oh, we actually interviewed Lennox Lewis yesterday, but he was, no, he just kept talking about you. And I was wow. like, wow, this guy knows who I am. And then when I met him, he was, again, straight away, he was just like, man, I see, you know, you got this real quick right hand. And he was just, just going off on one. And I was like, what? How are you talking that way about me? It's, I like, unbelievable. you're a legend. You know yeah. what I mean? And, um, you know, he's a really chill guy. We were just catching up, talking. And, yeah, it just, it just yeah, just through the night. And through, it was just amazing. Because, again, straight afterwards, he came. He actually jumped in on my interview that I had uh, <laughs> after the fight. And he was, again, just showing showing there's nothing but love and it was to have those kind of people around acknowledging you for one but then acknowledging you and also as you say like in a massive positive way about how you're doing and keeping that and you know wanting you to keep it up and it it, it just keeps you on a high you know that's 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 even better than winning the fight sometimes uh so you improved to 11 and 0 um i thought it was a nice step up in competition i loved the matchup i liked it better than the original one um, and I know it, it may have gone a little longer than you, you would have wanted. Uh, you finished him mm-hmm. with around 29 seconds left in the second round. Overall, yeah. were you happy with the fight? Were you happy with your performance? Uh, yes and no. Um, obviously, the uh, the takedown, I wasn't happy with. Uh, um, there's just a couple of things, you know, basic stuff. Like even when I spoke to my coach afterwards, he's like, you know, if you had your leg here and you did this, and it's just basic stuff. Just to be honest, Cyborg was, I was actually very like uh, impressed with how strong he was initially. When he actually first grabbed me, I was like, wow, this guy is, this guy is powerful. And um, I've, I've had, that. most of the guys that I've fought, they're all, they're all strong, but he did, there was, there was, something felt different with this guy. Um, he felt really, really, really strong. So, um, but then obviously the takedown, I was just saying, look, just stay calm, stay relaxed. I saw an opportunity to, to, to get a leg lock, but even then I didn't want to blow up my arms because as I was going for it, he just, just again, the muscles in his legs, was, it, was just, it was just difficult to even put it. And, I, and I've caught that move before in sessions, you know. Um, but just him, just his, just his, uh, his strength and being able to, to, you know, defend that kind of stuff, it was, again, all very impressive. But I felt him burning himself with 
trying to keep me down. And um, my coach, I could hear him. He's just saying, stay relaxed, you know, make sure he doesn't do this. Just basic stuff, just stay relaxed. He obviously telling me to get my guard back. He just felt ridiculously strong on top of me. But he wasn't doing anything. So I was, I was staying relaxed. I said, I'm going to ride the round out, and then I've got 10 more minutes to do what I need to do. Mm. And, um, yeah, that's exactly what, that's what happened. And once I got up, I still felt fresh. I looked across, across the cage, and I saw how tired he looked. Um, you know, just from holding me there. So I knew I could get him. Okay, so what's next? Do you have any idea yet? Um, no, not, not, not at all. But um, uh, as everybody else is, you know, you know, screaming out, they want the titles. Obviously, uh, Douglas Lima, um, he's there. He's there. He's in the front of the front of the line for that. So he's going to be there next. Um, but I feel if 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 I'm not there right afterwards, yeah, something something's wrong. So it's either one more fight and then the title just wait for the opportunity to just get the title do you have any idea who would be your next opponent who's in that discussion as well because I think you, you you laid out pretty well you have to be at least if not one more I mean if not next then one more and that's it right yeah yeah definitely um, I'm not sure you know I've had you know multiple names flying flying across but it's it's weird how uninterested I am with that I, I've, I've, and I've, I've said it from the beginning I've never really cared that much about who it is mm. I'm kind of just on my own trip I'm like I'm just more focusing on myself I'm, enjo- I'm enjoying learning I'm enjoying getting better I'm enjoying putting on shows it's more about me and um, regardless whoever they want to throw I'm just like I'm the same as everybody else you know they, they want big names and stuff and that, that's what's going to be happening so it doesn't really matter, you know. Whoever they want to have next, they can, any of the top names that are there, they want to throw one of those in first. I feel confident in, in in my progression and where I am at this particular stage, and I'm happy to fight anyone. Have you re-signed with Bellator? Did you just recently sign a new deal with them? Uh, no, 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 no. It's uh, it's just part of the contract. You get a, there's like a um, uh, extension. Ah, oh, so how many left so that now? Was from, that was that was from before. Okay. I was from before, so it's the same contract. I haven't had to re- re-sign anything. Uh, so you you have four left or three left? I believe I have two left now. Two left now. Interesting. Okay. Are you going to go the way of you know the the recent trend and and test free agency? Do you want to do that? Um, at, at the moment, at the moment, no, no. I, I really, I really enjoy being uh, with Bellator, and I enjoy the, their movement in the direction. Um, it just depends on what, on what happens, you know, moving on out. Because uh, I'm going to be pushing to, uh, I'm going to be pushing for more. Obviously, I feel like I'm doing a lot for for the company, uh, and hopefully they support me in that. Ah, int- okay. Have they offered you a new deal yet? Oh no, no, not as yet, not as yet. It's just something that I, I'm definitely going to. Well, you know, when the time when the time comes, I'll be sitting down with the, you know, the the, the main team and uh, discussing with them, and obviously discussing with my coaches and my team. And um, this is move move forward from there. But at the moment, again, even that that's not really a a bother for me. I think again, I'm doing I'm doing well enough to to for for, for the, you know for 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 that kind of stuff to to come to, to come to me. So I just need to keep continue focusing on you know my 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 performances. And and when you say more, what do you mean by more in the company? Uh, just I feel obviously you know fighters don't get paid that much. Yeah. <laughs> in, in terms of what we have to do, sure. And I feel having that, uh, you know, extra financial stability. Yeah. It's going to allow me to 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 get more for my training. Okay. And I think I, I think I'm I'll, I'll be more of a dangerous fighter 
if I can, you know, have the added, added bonuses of, uh, you know, the, the, just the extra, extra things, being able to go to different uh, places, being able to bring in different uh, trainers or coach or, or coaches for specific things. I think it's just going to make it make me a, a more dangerous fighter. Okay, uh, so you're saying more money, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, and um, last thing, when do you want to return? Do you want to fight again this year? Oh yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I feel fresh. There's, I, I don't feel, uh, uh, you know. Again, usually when I come out of my fights, I'm, I'm never, I'm never really that beaten up at all. So, yeah, I, I'm feel ready to come in. It's just a case of I've actually. I'm actually going away uh, next week. I've, I've spent time with my family as I've been here, and then next week uh, I'm going to have a relax in Spain. Oh, um, just for about five days, and then when I get back, uh, uh, that's it. Straight back to work, and um, just again, just looking for that, looking to hear where, where my next fight is. Well, again, congratulations, my man. Uh, you are the new Mister Musty TV. It is. Uh, it is always an event when we watch you. When we know that you're on the uh, on the telecast, it's really a pleasure to Thank watch you, you fight. Much. And uh, you never cease to amaze. It's uh, it's amazing. And, and you did it again. You topped yourself again. This time against tougher competition. So hopefully you yeah. don't listen to that criticism. Keep doing your thing. And I hope you get paid. Yeah, I hope you get paid a hell of a lot more. I hope you get a, a big fight next. We can keep watching you do your thing. Always a pleasure. Thank you for stopping by, Michael. We'll yeah, talk to you soon. Yeah, thank you for having me, as always, man. I wish I was, I wish I was, as I said to you before, I wish I was able to, you know, be out there and come and see you. But um, I'm sure I'll come and see you again soon. Absolutely. You're always welcome here. Thank you, Michael. There he is, MVP stopping by. Great stuff from him, as always. Okay, let's go to our last guest of the day. So kind, as always, Mr. Mark Hunt, for waking up early over in uh, Australia around uh, 6.20 a.m. Eastern time over there. The man is uh, is all class, and he is joining us right now on the phone. Mark, are you there? Hey, how you doing? I'm hey, doing... Man, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's good to hear you laugh, Mark. Uh, a pleasure, as always, to talk to you. Thank you. Uh, okay, so there's a lot to discuss, uh, some not-so-fun things, but uh, I appreciate you coming on to talk about them. How, how would you describe life right now for you? Is, is this a dark period? Are you stressed out? How would, I mean, with so much going on, all this controversy, how would you describe life right now? Well, life is normal. Life is good. You know, I'm just uh, sitting here chilling with my family, um, life uh, couldn't be much better. I just, yeah, there's, um, I'm not really stressed out about nothing. I mean, like I said, I mean, who, who knows what the future holds? I mean, could be dead tomorrow or even in, fucking in a minute. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not worried about, I'm not worried about shit. Um, you told me late last week that you have yet to speak to anyone on the UFC about, excuse me, from the UFC on the phone about Brock's two failed drug tests. Has that changed at all since we spoke? No. Wow! No, no one's bothered to, to call me about anything about those cheating motherfuckers. It's, it's, you know what's what's the worst thing about this whole scenario is, is that the, the UFC don't do shit about it. They're not doing a damn thing about this whole freaking cheating monkeys. And the reason why I'm so upset is it's not because it's the first or second. This is the third time I fought someone that's been cheating. And this is and and, and the thing is, there is no compensation. There is nothing. There is you get you lose twenty percent. When you don't make weight, mm. okay, you fall for twenty percent. But when you get caught for for doping, for sticking needles in your fucking ass, what do you get? Nothing. They don't give you nothing. They just give you a, oh, here's a two year ban. See you later. There's no fines, no nothing. What what is what is what is going to be changed about this whole thing? I mean, there's fighters that's uh, uh, busting their ass to make weight, but when they they get caught, they, they don't get no, they don't get no compensation. So all these cheaters. 
are just they're just cheating. They just keep cheating. Oh, you know what? I'll just take time off. If I get caught, I'll get busted over two years. There's no conversation. There's no incentive for them not to not to keep cheating. They don't lose no purse. You know, they, they just get a they get nothing. Hmm. It, it's ridiculous. I don't know why why things haven't changed. I think if you get caught uh, for not if you get if you don't make weight, you lose twenty percent. If you get caught doping, you should lose all incentive of money, everything, and you should be you should be sued. You should be criminally in court for for sticking needles in your bum hole and and for cheating. So what are these people doing something about it? They're doing nothing about it. People go or say to me, hmm. you know, Mark, it's uh, been three weeks now. The fight's over. You're still complaining. Hmm. Well, I'm not complaining. I just want something done about it. You know, all these these freaking these uh, cheating monkeys that uh, follow that that piece of crap cheater that. And like the rest of these cheaters, they're still talking about it. But I can, I'll, I'll go on as long as I want. It's my damn page. Yeah. You know, and what, what upsets me is they think, oh, it's okay. It's okay to cheat. So we're telling the whole world that our sporters are a, bunch, a pack of cheaters and, and freaking and liars. Because it's okay to cheat because you don't get no fines. You just get a time off. That's it. So all these, these young boys and girls that want to be... Top-end prize fighters. This is what you get. You just need to stick a needle in your ass, and you're you're in. Mark, have you tried to reach out to the UFC yourself to get more clarity on this whole situation? How he failed the test before the fight and was still able to fight all that stuff. Have you tried to talk to them? You know, I I reached out there and I've asked what's going on, and you know they're not doing a damn thing. And and the sad thing about it, like I said, is. I'm upset because it's not just the first. Upset. This is the third time I've had this. The next time I'll probably, uh, you know, I probably won't. That's why I won't be going to fight in the UFC again. If, if I go do a fight again and, 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 what, and if I get put in a coma or die, what happens to me? Oh, well, he already knew. He's already fought, he's already fought three cheaters in a row. It was the fourth time he cheated. You know, and, and before the fight, I said, you know, I, I said to the, you know, I was assuming he was cheating. You know, look at him. Mm. There's no way that guy makes 265 pounds. The guy's a gimp. He's sticking needles in his ass like the rest of these cheaters. You know, and, and, the, and the thing about that is he's sitting here saying, oh, this is a, this is a fair fair place. Well, it's not fair. These guys are cheating, and they should be in court for it. Lose all their money in sense for cheating. Because if I die in there, who's going to look after my family? Uh, look after the guys that are cleaning the sport and say, oh, well, who's going to look after the kids? Well, here's your explanation. He signed the waiver. These guys are all clean. That's a crock of shit, man. These guys, these motherfuckers should be penalized hard. Dirty, scummy, cheating scum. That's how that monkey won his world title. That's why he came back and said, I got an extra scratch. You didn't do it by doing it cleaning. You did it by cheating. Just like the rest of you cheaters. You said after the news came out, the first failed drug test, that you wanted his entire purse or you want to be released from the UFC. It doesn't look like you're going to get that money now. So does that mean you're done with the UFC? Do you not want to fight for them anymore? Well, at this, at this moment, I don't care what they say. I don't want to. I don't want to be a part of this company unless they they do something about this shit. Hmm. They, they got to do something about this this cheating. It's like the whole roster is cheating. You know, one person gets pinged, another person gets pinged, and there's nothing. That, they're not doing anything about it. I mean, you tell me what. The next time I go on. And people say, this is a herpes. Yeah, I understand that. But if you're going to make it clear, if you're going to make it a cheating sport, then let's all fucking cheat. Right. Let's all cheat. Let's all stick needles in our asses and take the rest of that shit and see who's the first person to die.
I mean, shocks, this is, this is ridiculous. I mean, it took years and years for that for something to be done about that scummy Cheetah Armstrong. How long is it going to take for, for, for something to happen to this sport? So someone dies and then, oh, let's lay some charges against these cheaters. When you got these freaking... Anyway. Um, do you think that USADA and or the UFC knew about his failed drug test on June 28th before UFC 200? Before the fight? I have no idea, man. You know, to be honest, I don't even know why they gave him an ex- ex- uh, exemption. Um, and if they did, wouldn't they be liable for being sued? I mean, you know, for negligence or some sort of shit like that? I mean, shucks. It's like if I just walked into the octagon with a freaking gun or something, right? Because mm-hmm. in the end, something, could ha- something bad could happen to someone. Then someone could die because someone's, someone's cheating, you know? It's, uh, it's it's kind of really it's it's getting too far. Um, there needs there's something needs to be done about this, you know. Trying to form a union and get things started it's kind of hard. Um, I don't give a rat's what anyone says about what I'm doing. I think I, 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 I'm not going to fight any more cheaters or people that assume to be cheating. I mean, because they don't care. They just cheat because they have no penalties. There is no penalties for it. I mean, I think they should have a cheating a cheating MMA and a, and a non cheating MMA. <laughs> Maybe that'll make it a bit fair. Yeah, I wonder how many people would be on the uh, the non-cheating side. Um, but you'd hope that... Uh, me? Yeah. That's one. That's one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and there's probably all of them. I, I, you know, to be honest, I'm not saying any names, but it's, it's, uh, it kind of stinks at the moment because you, they, 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 the cheaters just walk away. They just walk away and there's no penalties. I mean, if they're cheating to make money or cheating for the rest, they should just take all the intent of the money away they should be in court for, for, for criminal acts because that's what it is. And then maybe it'll, it'll, it'll deter some, some deter the future of fighting to be doing this sort of rubbish. So in it's, it's not looking good at the moment for the sport. It's just like there's a bunch of fucking crooks, crooks and cheaters in the sport. That's all it is. On your website, you gave an interview last week, uh, markhunt.tv, and you talked about um, potentially forming this association and the, the comments were, you know, they, they, they spoke for themselves. And I'm wondering what kind of feedback you've received from your fellow fighters. Have a lot of people reached out to you? Have others expressed interest in teaming up with you? Well, there's a few fighters, you know, Nate Quarry, Kang Lee. There's a few fighters just trying to get the right guys on board. I, I do feel we need all the fighters to get together and behind this because it's not just, I'm not just talking about my future. I'm talking about the future of themselves and the kids that will look up to us as fighters. You know, I'm, I'm looking at the, the long term of it. I mean, these companies don't give a rat's about fucking us. They just throw you in like, they're going to throw you under the bus like they've been doing to me. You know, sooner or later, I'm going to run into someone that's going to really put me in trouble. And then what, what's going to happen about it? Nothing. Hmm. So I think all these fighters that are listening to this, they should actually get behind this movement, get behind something, because, you know, if, if it's not me, it's going to be one of you. It's, it's time to stand up, stick together, and move forward. This, these, these, these companies that make nothing without us. They make nothing. The main reason why people watch mixed martial arts and this world is because of because of us fighters. Not because these people making freaking money, making tons and shitloads of money, and not giving us nothing. So I mean, trying to form the whole thing is is is, is a process. It's hard. A lot of people are really stuck, but um, it's got to be done. It's got to be something's got to be done. Whether they change the law. Uh, the laws with the, with the, the doping and, and, and he forfeits all his purse or, and he gets 
putting a cord or some shit like that. I mean, something's going to be done about it. I mean, I'm, I'm not interested in working for a company that just throws you under the bus all the time, you know? It's ridiculous. And, and, and just to be clear, has anyone from USADA reached out to you at all? No, nah, they, 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 they don't give a rat. They, they, none of them give a rat about it. You know, that's because... Because they all, to me, they're all fucking cheaters. A whole lot of them. Mm. Fuck them. <laughs> Are you confident, Mark, yeah. that an association, you know, people have talked about this for a long time. Are you confident that it will happen, you know, in, in, in the next few years, in the next year or so? Do you, do you, based on what you've learned over the last, you know, week or so, are you confident uh, that this is a feasible thing? To be honest, um, yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm confident it'll work. I mean, the things are... Well, something's got to change, man. I mean, yeah. you just can't keep doing... Somebody, sooner or later, some fighter's just going to die, and then if the other guy gets called doping, is easy. Are they just going to let that guy walk away? Yeah, something's got to be made. Something's going to be held accountable for these things. Some things, some things have got to change. Something's got to happen when they say you're a former union. I mean, it's, it's, it's only in the fighter's best, best interest. I mean, I know I've heard a little story about unions, you know, turning and, 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 and doing the bad thing about it. But, you know, if you've got fighters on, on, on the board, they'll understand how this whole thing works. I, mean, I think it's, this is only for the fighters to make, it, to, to make it better. And, I mean, all these people that are trying to get into the UFC or companies like that, what's the point? Why would you want to, you know I mean, get into the UFC when everyone's fucking cheating anyway? All these freaking guys getting busted for cheating... Uh, it's, just, it's just, it's just. Why would you want to do it? You go, hey man, I, I've worked my ass to get to the top, and, and I'm the best in my sport. Oh, but your your sport's a bunch of cheaters. Oh, okay. Shit, huh? Okay, so yeah, like all these guys oh. cheating. Like I said before, all these guys freaking cheating. I mean, all their world titles, they mean nothing. You've cheated to get it. Hmm. Worthless scum. That's what they are. They're worthless scum. And before I thought, yeah, I said I. They should give half of their, of their prisoners. You know, fuck that. Cheaters shouldn't get nothing. They mm. should get nothing. One thing that I've noticed people say to you um, over the last couple of weeks is, hey, before the fight, you said that you would knock him out whether or not he was on steroids. Why are you talking about this now? Why are you complaining now? Obviously a ridiculous statement, well, but what do you want to say to those people? Well, to those people, you know, I mean, assuming someone's on, on the gear... And getting told that, that this is a clean sport is totally different from knowing. Yeah. Okay, I'm always going to say I'm going to knock someone. I don't care if he's doing this and that. I'll knock your face off. I'll say it all the time. I don't give a rest. But, you know, you have an assumption about someone cheating and, you know, there's no way that, that fucking that white monkey's going to make fucking 265. There's no freaking way. He was far larger than I was and I had to struggle to make weight. And then, uh, and then uh, I mean, when he, when he actually gets he's called doping for it, oh, everyone throws me under the bus. Well, you know what, motherfuckers? Fuck you. You can all kiss my ass. This is, this is fucking, these fucking cheaters should fucking go and die. Die in a fire. A whole lot of them. <laughs> I know you've been around this fight game a long time. Could you tell that something was off with Brock? Like, when you were fighting him, did he seem stronger? Did, was, he, was he different than the kind of opponents that you fought in the past? I mean, the non-cheating ones, as you put it. I mean, did something just seem weird about the fight from your perspective? I, you know, to be honest, about the fight, I, I'm not even a thought about the loss. I mean, I, every loss I take, I accept it and I move on. Um, you know, with, with that loss, it was just one of those things. I, I already gave credit to, to Brock after the fight when I lost. But, you know, when, you found, when I found it, there was nothing special about him. I mean, shucks. 
I mean, at the end of the day, he wrestled me and put me down and and, and won the fight. Mm-hmm. I have no problem with that. But, uh, you know, if you did it by cheating, then you shouldn't get any praises or anything. I mean, they even gave him my 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 spot, my number eight spot. I mean, shucks. He, he honestly going to give a cheater a fucking spot? That's ridiculous. What the hell? Yeah, there's nothing special about him. I mean, for for someone that's using so much gear, there's no way he could even finish me. I mean, if I was gearing like him, he, his hair would have come off. I would have punched his head through the whole freaking octagon. It's ridiculous. Did you hear what he said about John Jones saying that it was unprofessional before the fight, and then this comes out? Did did you did you see the irony in those comments? Well, it just makes me laugh because I mean, you know, that's you know, that makes me laugh because he, he, I mean, that's how he won his world title. Hmm. He stuck a needle in his poo shoot, and that's how he won his title. People say, "Oh, Mark, it doesn't help you." Well, then if it doesn't help you, why do it? You're that scared of losing. I mean, shucks. I don't. I don't I mean, it's funny that that, that one cheater calls out another cheater and says, oh, man, that's really unprofessional. What, what the hell does that make you? He's a fucking hypocrite. And the, and the sad thing about it, these companies aren't doing anything about it. You yeah. know, me saying these things and trying to form a unit, all these things, well, that's, I, I, at, at the end of the day, we're all going to make sacrifices. And mine's coming up to, to, to the end soon. I, I don't give a rat about working in the UFC anymore because they, they don't do anything about it. Hmm. They don't do nothing about it. So all these kids listening to this, watching this, you're wasting your time to trying to get into these companies because they don't give a rat about you. They just throw you under the bus. <laughs> what what bothers you more, Mark? The fact that he you know he fought after failing this drug test and all that, or the fact that no one has actually called you on the phone from the company that you work for to talk about this? What what upsets me about that is I'm I'm just thinking maybe they knew. Did they know about this? Is that why they're not doing anything about it? Did they give this fucking fool an exemption for four months because they knew about this? So that means for sure that they knew about this, they didn't give a rat about any of us. Hmm. They said, hey, man, we'll get this fucking juiced up freaking monkey going here and uh, and then go and fight with this guy. I mean, shout out to people say he should have a rematch. I wouldn't want to waste my time with that. He's rubbish. Hmm. And they say he beat you. Well, if he didn't stick a needle in his ass, then maybe it would be different. I mean, Sharks, if you got a, if you got a stick needle in your ass to try to compete, you must be really scared of losing. Huh. I, I think it's a time that uh, a union needs to be formed. On all these fighters, you need to get together because, I mean, we're sending the wrong missions. The mission we're sending out to all these people that are watching the sport is, oh, man, you can get away with freaking anything. You just, you know, to, to make it in the UFC, you stick a needle in your ass and they'll give you millions of dollars if mm-hmm. you make it to the top. That's as easy. They'll even give you a, an exemption for four months. And not only that, they'll give you the right press conference. Hmm. And then the fool had his own press conference and made everyone wait for his own press conference. Hmm. What a joke. Hmm. Um, would you be comfortable, Mark, with never if this doesn't get resolved and you have to walk away, would you be comfortable leaving on that note? Would that bother? I mean, would that sit with you the wrong way for the rest of your life, leaving like this? It, it doesn't sit wrong with me because, like I said, I mean, people are scared of forming unions because the yeah, company's going to get, get get upset. Man, fuck the company. They don't give a shit about you or anyone else. If I walk away now, like I walk away now, I don't, I don't care. I walk away knowing that I haven't cheated to get in the spot, haven't cheated to make my, I can keep my, my head held up. I say, you know, I might have to make a lot of different sacrifices, change the way things are, but then so be it. That's fine. At least I knew that I went to the top and I, all you find at the top is dirty fucking scummy cheaters. And a company that's going to help them do it. Yeah, here's some needles sticking in your ass. 
and, and I'll, I'll be comfortable with that. There's no way I even yeah. worry about this. I mean, when you get told it's a clean sport yeah, and people are the testing and doing this and that, yeah, that's fine you're doing all the testing, but what penalties are these monkeys giving them? They're not giving no penalties at all. USADA, fucking NASA, whatever the fuck they are, what penalties are they giving them? Nothing. They're just saying, oh, hey, we caught this guy busted and cheating. Uh, yeah, he has to give us all his money. Why the fuck do you get it? Why should they get that shit? Yeah. I mean, they're not the ones that lost. They're not the ones that had their brand go down. I mean, I didn't say anything when I lost, uh, when I beat uh, the other two guys that I fought while they were cheating and, the, and probably the rest of the other cheaters that I fought. But at the end of the day, I mean, uh, enough's enough. I mean, I was, sooner or later, something bad. I mean, the first fight I had with Bigfoot, I broke my hand in two places. Yeah. You know? The fight against Frank Murray, I mean, I had a broken nose going into that. But, I mean, it was a quick fight. And I was like, you know what? It's over. I mean, he got busted. Can't give me that. What's the fucking joke? It couldn't be, you know, it couldn't be like a pattern right here going here. Third time, this other group four comes in. And you know what? I'm glad I lost the fight. I'm actually really glad because if I had probably won the fight, I would have said, yeah, he's cheating. All right, that's fine. I'll go to the next guy. Mm. And then probably if I got hurt in that fight, I'd say, hey, man, what's going on here? It's the fourth guy having fun. That's on freaking roids. roids. And then sooner or later, I'm thinking, maybe I should go and stick a needle in my ass so I can compete with these motherfuckers. Hmm. Uh, anyway, that's, that's, that's how I feel. It's just annoying about the whole thing. You know, UFC hasn't even reached out or did nothing to me. Wow. That is crazy. He was waiting for something to say, you know what? Okay, that's in his contract. You can't do that. Let's get, give him a, send him a, a, a firing message. We'll, we'll fire his ass. Well, fuck, you're firing. I don't give a shit. Just stick your cheaters up your ass. Is that going to get a job like the rest of the people? You don't get a job and say, you know, fuck that company of shit. They're fucking worthless scum. Mark, if if they say to you now, we're going to give you some money, you know, we're going to try to make this right. Is it too late, in your opinion, or would that make you happy? What what I what I would like to be done here is, what are they going to do about it? Yeah, are they going to put in a, a, a place a law so everyone else that gets caught doping gets penalized? They, they need to do something. They have done nothing. They need to put in place all your money goes and you're going to go to court for, for, for cheating. That's what they need to do. That is what they need to do to change things the way they, all these cheaters are getting away with it. You know, they go and they could seriously injure someone and someone could die. Someone could die and, and, and what will happen? Hmm. Nothing will happen. Because that ain't happening now. So if, if the message they're sending to the whole world to the younger kids and the people that want to get into the sport at the top end, is, is that condoning cheating? Well, then why don't you make it a, a, a cheating competition? And I just make it legal. They don't want fucking stick needles in their ass. Let's call it the sticking needle in your ass in the push competition and say he's the, the craziest motherfucker out there. Has, has this whole um, incident changed the way you feel about MMA in the sense that, like, do you feel like your love for the sport is going away that you don't even... You don't care for it like you used to? It's not. It's. I mean, I love fighting, but it's just not fair. You just yeah. you can't compete when guys are cheating. Yeah. It's like someone going in with a gun. I mean, imagine if I started cheating is using gear. Yeah. You think, you think, you don't think if I went and, and maimed someone, do you think they'll think it's fair? No, they'll say, well, he was fucking doping. Well, okay, I was doping. Okay, give me two years off. Hmm. Then what? That's it. Nothing happens. Are you so con- his kids go without food 
his kids go without a provider, then what? I mean, yeah. I understand there's the, the hurt business, like I said before, but on an even playing field. I get, I got onto this because it's an even playing field. Like, you know, we're doing the right thing on, on an even playing We're not injecting ourselves and helping, enhancing ourselves to try and murder someone because in the end, we're trying to kill each other, but on a, without, you know, without enhancing our shit. I just think, you know, um, he needs to be made an example of. All these cheaters need to be made an example of. You know, these people that... Um, they do it for profit, money, whatever, you know, whatever it is they do it for. They need to lose it all. And, and, and the fact of the matter is, they say, "Well, what about us?" We said, "Well, who told you to stick a needle in your fucking poo shoot? Hmm. You dirty ass scum. Who did? No one." Are you considering legal action, Mark? I, I will. I, I'm I will consider it. You know, I mean, these guys got to do something about it. Hmm. You know, I think they got to. They got enough money. They made enough money off everyone's fucking blood to do something about this shit. And I'm, I'm sick of, and I don't want to be sitting here or be a part of a company that does that. Just let that happen. You know, fuck that. You do something about it. You've got enough freaking financial gain from it. Do something about it. I mean, shock to people. The worst thing about it is they get, you know, flack from all these, these freaking nut hugging scumbags, steroid using monkeys. They ah, get over it. I don't want to get over it. Hmm. Why would I want to get over it? So the next time I go into fight, I get maimed or injured. Are you going to look after my family? No. Well, then you get over it. Dummy cunt. Yeah. In in a perfect world, Mark, what would you like to see happen here? Like, what's the perfect scenario, the perfect outcome to this okay. mess? The best outcome for this is if the company that I work for says you've been cheating. You lose all your your financial incentive for cheating, and you get fined. You get sued, and you get fined. You get you go straight to court, criminal court. Because hmm. what you've done is an offence. That's what I want done. So that, that, that these guys that are cheating don't have more incentive to do it because they do it for financial gain. They do it to win. They do it to this. But if you take all their way, they get nothing. You know, make them banned for five, ten years. There goes your career. Five, ten years. You have no career left, and not only that, you lose all your money. You're done as a fighter. That's, that'll stop you from doing it. That's what I want to see done. Um, and, and, and just for I the record, I won't. Go ahead, sorry. You know, I, won't be part, I, won't, I won't be part of any company that, that says they have, you know, we, have, we, we, we don't mind you cheating or doing this or that. Otherwise, then every monkey will be on it. And if that doesn't happen, you're not fighting anymore for them, right? No. I go work somewhere else. You know, I mean, like I said, I, I don't give a shit. If we got to sue, sue their asses, well, fuck you, you're getting sued. Hmm. You scummy cunts, you think? I mean, the problem is everyone thinks, hey, man, I want to get into the UFC. Fuck the UFC. You're shit. You motherfuckers don't look after nobody. You just go, here, throw this motherfucker, this freaking stupid fucking Samoan under the bus, and they don't get the bash in front of the whole world, and uh, we'll let this fucking white piece of shit fucking... Sticking needles in his ass and say, oh, let him cheat all the way to the fucking bank. Let's give him fucking millions of dollars and don't worry about this motherfucker. You know, fuck that and fuck your shit company. Take that to the fucking, look at that for a contract. You can sue me on that, motherfuckers. Um, and Mark, uh, physically after the fight, are you okay? Any serious injuries? No, there's nothing wrong with me. But, um, you know, I'm, like I said, I just, like I said, they've done about it, but fuck that. 
Okay. Um, is, is there anything else you feel like you want to say about this before we, uh, we, I let you go back to your kids and start your day off right? I think something needs to be done about this. You know, there's the, a the bad example that they're sitting here for these official fighting or these, these, these uh, boys and girls that are watching this. And, they, you know, I'll probably be the one that's going to fall on the sword and not walk away. That's, 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 I understand that I get there. But uh, you know, for the rest of you fighters and all these kids that are, that are listening to this, I mean, you. When it's all time to come and complain about this, you already hear somebody already say before you. There is, there's already been someone here saying there's something got to be done about it. And I think until someone probably dies, then what's going to happen then? Hmm. Appreciate uh, uh, you coming on, Mark. Really, really, thank you. And I hope this works out for you. I hope everything works out. I'm sorry that uh, this has happened to you and that you've been put in this position. I hope it starts with a phone call, at least, uh, from either USADA or the UFC. Thank you, Mark. I really appreciate it. All right. See ya. All right. We'll talk to you soon. There he is, Mark Hunt. Uh, hate to, to hear him like that. We've had him on this show numerous times and uh, quite often uh, a happy-go-lucky, somewhat jolly figure, and it's started that way. But you can certainly understand where he is coming from. You can understand his frustration. And uh, I think it starts with a phone call, at least. Uh, some open line of communication being established. Uh, I think that would go a long way. And I you know, I, I hope that he is at least able to ask some of those questions to the important people. Um, and I know there is a process that needs to be played out. And I know that Brock is owed a due process. He has not been officially suspended by USADA or the UFC for that matter. Um, so that that is important to note in this situation. But you can feel and hear the frustration oozing out of that telephone, right? Halfway across this world, uh, on a Tuesday morning in Sydney, Australia, uh, Mark Hunt appears to have had enough. And uh, I have never heard him like that. I don't think I've ever heard anyone on this show like that. And uh, you certainly sympathize with him. He was in there with someone that he believes was cheating. How, how do you deal with that? You you you, you got this is a this is an interesting sport. So I started off this week talking about uh, that it was fun to talk about fights this weekend and results and interesting results and upsets, big wins, things of that nature, fun debuts. Unfortunately, uh, we end on that note, but that is the reality of mixed martial arts in 2016. It is an evolving sport. It is a somewhat dirty sport. It is a sport that is trying to be cleaned up. I do believe that. Uh, but we go back to that line uttered by the soon-to-be former CEO of the UFC, Lorenzo Fertitta, at that press conference announcing the historic USADA deal. It is going to get a lot worse before it gets better. He never obviously laid out just how bad it will get. None of us know. Hopefully, it doesn't get worse than this. Hopefully, it doesn't get worse than arguably one of the biggest names in the UFC speaking like that. Hopefully, it doesn't get to the point that someone does get seriously injured. And it can happen. And we can talk all day about, you know, no data here and no scientific evidence there. You can't tell me that using PEDs, even though there is no history of a serious injury or death in the UFC, you can't tell me that using PEDs is not a bad thing, is not a thing to be worried about. You can't tell me that. You just can't. 
And that's why we all applauded the UFC for linking up with USADA. And that's why we all welcome this new era. And there are some growing pains. This is a growing pain. For a guy to potentially test positive on June 28th and then fight on July 9th just doesn't pass the smell test. And people talk about the time difference, the, the delay in getting the results. Well, do the math. June 28th, July 9th. That's 11 days, right? Then we find out last Tuesday, which was July 19th, that Brock tested positive or potentially failed his second drug test on July 9th. That's 10 days. Oh, by the way, the result, I, no, I, I screwed up. June 28th was the first test that he potentially failed. Those results came back on July 14th, officially announced on July 15th. So let's say 14th. That's 16 days. Came back 16 days later. If he failed another one on July 9th and it gets announced on July 19th, potentially results get back on July 18th, that's what? Nine or eight days. Had they gone the results back from the June 28th test nine or eight days later, that would have coincided with before UFC 200. You see what I'm saying? So anyone saying that they can't get the test back in a timely manner before the fight, I'm just not buying it. There's too much money. There's too much at stake. There's lives at stake. There's health at stake. There's reputations at stake. You got to figure out if you're going to go through the trouble of doing random out of competition drug testing, you have to make sure that the tests come back beforehand, before the fight. You just have to make sure of it. There's got to be a way because it's a futile mission. Sure, you pop the guy afterwards, you find out there's something to that. I see the value in that. But if we're going to go through the trouble of locating these guys all around this great world, you got to get those results beforehand. There just has to be a way, in my opinion. Any final thoughts, New York Rick? I am definitely not about to follow that one up. (laughs) Um, That's a walk-off. That is a walk-off from a man who knows a thing or two about walk-offs, right? I mean, there... (laughs) I put, Mark. <laughs> I put 100 flame emojis on Twitter, yeah. and that's what it was. I mean, he came out guns blazing. Yeah. Um, perhaps, yeah. You, you can't be all that surprised. Um, all right. Well, that does it for this show. What a way to end. Uh, we made a habit out of uh, some pretty memorable end-of-show interviews. Mark Hunt's uh, no different. Uh, you can hit my music. Uh, another big week of MMA is upon us. As I mentioned, Invicta returns on Friday. Is it Friday? New York rookie going there? He's gone. He went to bed. I think it's Friday. Uh, you, you got me? Yeah, I got you. Uh, I will be in Kansas City Friday night event. It's Friday night event. On Fight Pass, uh, World Series fighting back on Saturday on NBCSN. But the big one, of course, is UFC 201 in Atlanta, Georgia. Tyron Woodley finally gets that crack at the UFC welterweight title. You know, the knock on Woodley throughout his career has been that he can't win the big one, right? He's had some opportunities. It felt like he exercised those demons against Carlos Condit, had the slip up against Roy McDonald. But is this his opportunity? It certainly looks like it is. Is this his opportunity to finally win the big one? Tyron Woodley versus Robbie Lawler. Does this Robbie Lawler story, this amazing story that no one saw coming, 
does it continue post-Saturday? We'll be talking about that next Monday on the show. For now, we say goodbye. Thank you very much to Juliana Pena for stopping by. Great stuff from her. Thank you very much to Mackenzie Dern for stopping by. Congratulations on her successful MMA debut. Thank you very much to Khabib Nurmagomedov for stopping by. Great stuff from him, as always. Welcome back, Chael Sonnen. I maintain, if he passes that test, I will see him back. Thank you very much to Daniel Leith for stopping by. Welcome back to Michelle Watterson. And thank you very much to Michael Venom-Page and, of course, Mark Hunt for stopping by as well. Back next Monday, same time and place. Hit us up, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, all that good stuff and more. Tell us, hey, peace.